My name is James Rowlands, and I am a lifelong wrestling fan. In 2015, I started a podcast with my friend, Dan White, reviewing the WWE Network and seeing if it's worth the $9.99 a month. It was. And since then, every month, we watch the latest WWE pay-per-views, NXT, and now 205 Live. Still continuing our journey through the network, watching ECW, WCW, and all its classic content. Until we've watched it all, we are with you, and we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Damn right. And it is... The WNR one two three episode one hundred and twenty three and dancing how it is episode one two three. How about we watch a match from the, the one, one two, two three, three kid? kid? Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? So we are. I mean, lots of people could say, James, why are you not watching the first match of the one two three's career in WWE when he beat Razor Ramon, didn't he? When he jumped the barrier and pinned Razor Ramon, yes, yeah. that was uh, quite a memorable moment in young Sean Waltman's career. Exactly, but what we're going to do is probably watch his best offering as the one-two-three kid. Uh, tell me a little bit more about him for anybody that didn't know. Well, established as WWE's resident underdog long before Rey Mysterio first jumped in a raw ring, the one-two-three kid had earned a strong fan following through his determined performances against mightier foes like Razor Ramon, the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase, but the future DX member established himself as a serious contender when he pushed WWE champion Bret Hart to the brink in the summer of 94. And it is the summer of 94, July the 11th, and it's going to be Bret Hart versus one 2 3 kid But Bret's got his own problems because coming up at SummerSlam, it's going to be brother versus brother, a match we have watched on the Bret Hart special the Steel Cage match from SummerSlam 94. So, this is all about Bret Hart, but we'll focus on 1-2-3-Kid. Out of all the gimmicks that he had, Sean Waltman, X-Puck, 1-2-3-Kid, 6. I'm sure there's more 6-Puck. <laughs> what was your... Um, did you like him at all? <laughs> I don't know. I did enjoy his X-Puck bit, but you know, I think he was kind of overshadowed by the more dominant members of DX. So, I, I did actually quite like him as the 1-2-3-Kid when he was... You know, one of the early on ultimate underdogs. Yeah, I mean, and this is the thing that worked really well for him, didn't it? You know, kind of being the underdog that at this point in time, someone his size was never going to get a full time or be treated as a star in the WWF. But I think with x Buck, he had that ability to be really well liked, especially in DX. And then he went through a stage, I think about 2000, 2001, he turned heel and fans fucking hated him. Like, and not in a good way either. It was really negative. Yeah. And I remember the fuse he had with like Tajiri and stuff before he went away. Well, when he was with Just Incredible yeah. and uh, who else was he with? Uh, Albert, Albert X, yeah. X Factor, yeah. The X Factor, yeah. Uh, like I said, he did a lot, but he stuck on with that DX kind of gimmick. But the one, two, three kid definitely got his start. And to go against the man... In Bret Hart. This it, is like John Cena issuing a challenge to Daniel Bryan. You know, what he done quite yeah. recently. A relatively unknown-ish Daniel Bryan. Yeah, no, without, without a shadow of doubt. And this is what Bret Hart did do throughout his career as well, was have matches. And everybody thought, oh, great, he's a great wrestler, this big guy. And it was Bret having putting on the good matches that making everybody... Well, like he did against a crack-adled uh, <laughs> British Bulldog yeah, a, pretty a couple British of Bulldog. years ago. Yes, exactly. Sometime 92 when it was Brett versus Bulldog. Of course, we are seeing more 
of Bret Hart, and we're going to see a lot of him in the Montreal Screwjob in a couple of months' time. And here we go, lock up with a one-two-three kid, and Bret Hart is looking. I tell you what, both men look really well. Yeah, I'm. You know, it's a bit of a mullet off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna have to mullet over for a minute. You know what I mean? At this stage in time, I was a huge fan of Bret. You know, I absolutely loved the way he was. You know, just the way he went about things. Even, you know, I don't think I appreciated his in-ring ability as much as I do nowadays. Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, to go back and actually, because it wasn't like it wasn't flashy what he did it, but it was just so good and so, you know, the matches were so well put together that you kind of yeah discredit that as a kid. And, and I think later on as well, if we talk about other wrestlers similar to him, in a weird way. We talk about John Cena because everybody says Hogan was Cena. But if you look at someone who's been around that long as Bret Hart was in the WF and having the matches. And like I say, in 1994, he was the champion after go against the one 2 three kid. You know, he, he had his own problems. But he wanted to go out there and put on a show to prove he was the best wrestler. Yeah. And, you know, and it's a great... Bret was a great champion as well. And this is what Vince McMahon always liked about it. He carried himself as a champion. And uh, there are not many wrestlers actually know how to do that you know yeah what I mean? well like, you know for example hogan he was he was a multiple time world champion but he wasn't a good champ you know he wasn't a good wrestler you, yeah. you know he oh wow that was a great match yeah you know that, it's yeah. again with brett it was you know you've got to appreciate the excellence of execution you do and i think one thing we're not to forget about the one two three kid though next part it was a guy at this point in time i mean now this is what 23 years ago but no one his size were was wrestling on Raw unless being jobbed out, you know. And it's yeah. and it's a credit for the kind of likability of him. And like I say, with the underdog character as well. And you can say if it wasn't for him, you know, Daniel Bryan, Rey Mysterio, yeah. and others like that, wouldn't know, have had the I know you've had, like, you know, the likes of Shawn Michaels. He's coming into things at this point in time, you know. He, yeah. He's had some really good matches. But the thing is, like one, two, three, kid, even uh, he's even smaller than oh, Sean. Oh yeah, you know yeah. What I, mean? you know, like, I yeah. think Sean Michaels was the smallest at that point, and then one, two, three, kid. Yeah. Aside from being, you know, a light heavyweight champion or that equivalent, you know, he was to toe with the best there was, the best there is, the best there ever will be. But it's weird how we talked about it last time round with I think we mentioned Road Dog and saying like kind of got stuck in the DX thing. I think with X Pac. It was definitely that, wasn't it? You know, Triple H managed to leave DX and have his own successful career. And we look at Road Dog, we look at X Puck struggling, X Puck struggling, and we look at um, even Billy Gunn to a certain extent. You know, they tried that kind of singles crew with him, but it didn't really work, did it? You know, and, and uh, with Chuck. Well, at the moment, we should go back to this classic confrontation between these two men because they have been going hold for hold, haven't they, Dan? You know. Uh, yeah, you know, it has been a good exchange between the two. I think one, two, three kids definitely holding his own against Bret Hart so far. Bret's just got him in a side headlock. He's just trying to wear his challenger down. Well, he knows how quick one, two, three kid is. He's lightning. He is quicker than a hiccup. He is. And he's got to stop that. And we saw one, two, three, before the ab break, sending Bret Hart to the outside. And Bret's just going to slow it down. And this is all about the heart and determination of the one, two, three kid and see what he wants. You know, he's going against, like we say, the, the greatest in WF at this point in time. But can you believe this was an hour long show? 45 yeah. minutes, like, you know, air time, it's without the breaks and that. I think it's 
That's quite crazy. Uh, and the thing I like about it as well is that this match is the first match. You know, yeah. I mean, we, we've seen man the introductions. We saw both men's entrance, and now, now it can give it time. You can say, well, however long this match wants to go, you know, you can give it that amount of time, and you've got an hour to fill it up. And I still think an hour of wrestling is is enough. You know, we look at NXT every week; they do enough yeah. every week to deliver the stories that they need to, and keep the characters fresh because you don't need to appear. It's it's like we've seen on Nitro in a weird way as well before it got cluster fucked. It's yeah. like, you, you know what I mean? The, the character would take a week off and you could have the, the macho DDP feud going on and then, you know, you, you can have the other characters, kind of Kurt Henning main event. It's like with NXT, you can have the tag team as the focus and then the next week have the champion show up. And then the women's the week after, exactly, and, you know, yeah. just go through like that and then it's all building towards the next pay-per-view which is quarterly yeah exactly and and this is what <coughs> and people wonder why nxt is so successful it's not just what happens in there it's the kind of you know but do you think like once it gets bigger it go to an hour and a half and I, I, two do, hours I, and, I do worry about that yeah you know it is it's i don't know it kind of brings it down a bit as well i, I think but i think with the introduction of o'reilly and fish Along with Adam Cole, I think it brings a more independent feel to it, and I think I still like them doing that. I want it to be a big independent as opposed to a small WWE show in a weird way. Yeah, I'd like it to be its own thing, which it is. Yeah, you know. Yeah. You get when Bobby Roode moved up, he still came back to have a match against Roderick Strong. You know, I, I do like seeing seeing that happen. Oh, and a beautiful cross body there, but a one, two, three kid, but Bret Hart kicks out. Uh, delivers a thunderous headbutt to his much smaller challenger. And sends him into the corner. <coughs> and one, two, three kid's in a little trouble, getting Irish whipped by Bret. Big impact. Oh, no, but rolls him up. One, two. Oh. oh. But X-Pac with, uh, X-Pac, one, two, three kid with the kick out. Oh, uh, yeah, Bret on, on the one, two, three kid there. And now Irish whipping him. And, oh. X-Pac with the crucifix. Oh, no. Drops. Brett, uh, Brett drops him, though. One, two. Three. Oh. A referee counts three, but... Brett's music hits, but uh, one, two, three kid had his foot on the bottom rope. So Brett retains the title, and wait, Brett's not happy. No, but Brett's telling the ref he saw his shoulders was down for three, his foot was on the rope. He Ref- wants this match to continue. The referee's saying he can't, he, he didn't see it, he did, can't do anything about it, and, and Brett doesn't want to win like that. He's refusing to let senior referee or unsenior referee at this current <laughs> point in time, referee Earl Hebner, raise his arm in victory because he said no, X-Pac had his foot on the bottom rope. And you can say how annoyed. One, two, three, kiss, sorry. And here comes Timmy White. Who hasn't killed himself yet. No. I like, do you like the bow ties with the referee? It looks quite boxing official. Yeah. I prefer the zebra stripes. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Zebra stripes. I'm not American. And uh, Brett now is having a conversation with both referees. And what's the announcement how Finkel was going to make? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm the Macho Man. So, Macho Man and JR telling us to stay calm. Wow. I don't think I've ever seen that before. By request of Bret Hart, he doesn't want to win like that. He is the most babyest of baby faces. <laughs> he really is. The match continues. And we're back from the break. And maybe he just wanted to hurt the one, two, three kids. Let's see what happened in the ad break. Oh, my word. One, two, three kid then. He had a roll up on Brett during the ad break and almost got him for the free count. He did, and Brett Hart nearly <laughs> one, two, three kid on the up. Action's too quick to call. And Brett's saying, It is too quick. I'm going to slow it down. And I like this. I do miss this now. The old free arm raises. 
Yeah. One, two, three. His arms dropped twice. I think he's out. Cabret. Oh! oh. <laughs> <laughs> Never seen that before, but his arm drops for the third time. But as the arm drops, the left arm goes up and uh, says, I'm still in this match. Still got fight in him and the crowd getting behind him as well. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Have you ever looked a man in the eyes? No, don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, no, no. Are you still looking at me? Just a little bit too. Just take the bite. <laughs> that is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Oh, and Brett going for the net breaker. One, two, three, kid reverses oh, it, though. But Brett manages to kick out. Oh, caught him in a backslide, and Brett then elbow back one, two, three, kid's head. And I'm going to plant another out. No. Drops the big leg drop. One, two. Oh. oh one, I... two, three, kid manages to stay in this match. <laughs> Right, well, one thing I do like about Brett is the way he covers. He presses the guy's shoulders down. It's a real hard cover. It's one of these things that you just you don't see anymore. Like certain wrestlers do it. You know, Brett Hart or William Regal. And now, oh! Fucking hell, that is one of the most thunderous spiked DDTs I've ever seen. Oh! Hooks a leg, but only gets a two count on one, two, three, kid. Two, one, two, three. I can't believe it. One, two, three, kid has had his ass handed to him and he's still in this. He's still fighting and maybe now in the back of Brett, he said, maybe I should have taken that victory because I don't know how to put him away. Well, Brett doesn't screw people over. He doesn't. So he shouldn't be screwed over himself. And he slams one, two, three, kid down. Second rope action now. One, two, three, kid manages to get the foot up though and blocks Brett's onslaught. Oh, Brett bounced across the ring there, didn't he? Boot to the chin. Trying to get his bearings back. And now Brett, Irish ripping, one, two, three, kid. Oh, goes for the clothesline. Oh! Kid ducks it, though, and delivers a lovely spinning heel kick. Uh, if he was a little bit quicker, maybe he could have got the pinfall. But he's looking to go up. No, he's not. Oh, he's just looking to recover. But look at these. He's got educated feet, hasn't he, Dan? <laughs> oh. They've got a Harvard degree. On both feet. There you have, and the spinning heel kick catches Brett. Runs in with a lovely drop kick, drops the champ to the mat. Oh, Irish rip. And Could this be X-Pac's moment? Well, one, two, three. Kid has won matches like this before against Razor Ramon. He's oh, going for it. Crossbody, one, two. Oh. Oh, but Brett manages to kick out. Oh. But how close was that? And this young man now. Oh. Lovely little power bomb. I was looking to go up top again. JR is hyperventilating over <laughs> commentary. As like you said, he's up to the top now. Oh, oh big leg drop from the top rope. One, two. Oh. oh, but again, Brett manages to stay in this match and gets his shoulder up at two. Two. And the thing is, is if one, two, three, get it hooked, that leg, that gave Brett the power, backs up to the rope. Oh, oh but Kid manages to eliminate Brett Hart from the Royal Rumble. What's he doing now? He's going up top. Brett's on the outside. Well, this is high risk, and I don't know if you should risk it. Oh, oh! Fucking hell. (laughs) And that's the kind of stuff we see nowadays. This was quite, you know, untoward to see at this point in time. I know. All right, off the top, all the way to those hard, those thin mats at ringside. Brett tried his best. To cushion the blow, but I think, you know, like you said, the kid overshot, but throws Brett back in. And he is Goes not up top yeah. again. I was about to say, he's not slowed down. Oh. oh. 
I'm not quite sure what he was going for then. He was like a somersault off the top rope. It's not as beautiful as they are nowadays, but it would have been effective if Brett hadn't moved out of the way. But now he is in serious trouble because Brett censors it. Here we go. Oh, no. But he turns one, two, three, kid, and he just grabs the rope. Very, very smart from the kid. Well, he knows if he's putting that submission, well, he put the sharpshooter, it is Coyton's. Vicious uppercut there to kid. Just aiming at chin, and the kid's out. Brett's going to go for a suplex. No. No, plants him on the top. He thinks it's going to take more than a suplex to put the man down. But one, two, three, kid turns it into a crossbody off the second rope, goes for another cover. But Brett managing to kick out. Ah. Oh, and the kid there with a kick on Brett who was downed. Irish whip goes running in, but Brett moves. It was all or nothing then, and the kid hit nothing in the corner. And Brett's saying, what did you do? There you go, bulldog time. Oh, Oh, lovely running bulldog there from Brett. My God. And now it's Brett's turn to go up top. Well, Brett not known as a high flyer, but he wants to show the kid what he can do. This might be a mistake. Oh, he's been Ric Flair. Oh. And he gets thrown off the top. That's why Brett doesn't go up there that often. But one, two, three, kid, we've seen what he's like off the top. So he's going to have another go. He wants to put Brett away, and Brett sits up, a bit like the dead man. He's getting ready for the kid. Oh, Oh, but catches him straight into the sharpshooter, and uh, is he tapping out? Yes, yes. He tapped out quite quickly. But I think Brett respects what one, two, three kid put him through. I think that is unbelievable, and he's making sure he didn't break the kid's back. (laughs) And, yeah, an incredible effort by Brett Hart and one, two, three kid. And just like they do on X Factor when they have a good audition, <laughs> everyone is standing up and applauding one, two, three, kid. And so they should. Yeah, you're right about that, JR Macho, giving it a standing ovation. But what do you think of the match, Dan? I thought it was brilliant, yeah. Um, you know, it's it may have been the way Brett worked it, because, you know, we know what uh, how good he was in the ring. But, you know, you've got to give an awful lot of credit to one, two, three, kid. Certainly brought something new to, you know, these kind of matches that we were seeing on Raw. And he, you know, he raises the Hart's hand and Hart raises his hand back in a lot of respect there. And, you know, it's just really good to see, especially yeah. on air. Exactly, especially on episode one, two, three. You know, it's it's great to see that guy, what Bret Hart was doing. Even in defeat, one, two, three kid came across as a bigger star, didn't he? And, oh, and that's, definitely, yeah. And that's a touch of a superstar. Well, coming within seconds of capturing the coveted title repeatedly during this 18-minute stalemate, the KG kid matched the excellence of execution hold for hold until the youngster attempted a high-risk missile dropkick and ended up trapped in the dangerous sharpshooter. One, two, three kid had no choice but to submit. Still, there was no shame in his defeat. His guts and tenacity earned the respect of Hart, the WWE fans, and commentator Jim Ross, who proclaimed it as one of the greatest matches I have ever seen. And it was a great match, and that's why we're starting off this episode by watching that. So, yeah, we've got a lot to cover. So we've got new content on the WWE Network that went up this month. And Dan, what was was one of the... Well, we'll just go through the list of stuff that happened. Well, on Monday the 18th of September, the WWE Power 10 is back with a special Brooklyn edition, spectacular entrances from the SummerSlam weekend. Which was August 2017, so that's the programme they're looking back on, and it came out in September. Other programmes to go onto the WWE Network, WCCW 
adding new content, well, old content, if you want to talk about that, it's new to the network, but of course it was done 30 years ago, I suppose, and all of Von Erics and everything like that, what else do we have, Dan? Um, we had the Alundra Blaze documentary on the WWE title Trailblazer, the Alundra Blaze story, that aired on Wednesday the 20th, immediately following the conclusion of NXT. Yeah, Alundra Blaze, better known as Medusa throughout her career, was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2015 after two decades of being on the WWE Black Book for her actions in 1995. During that year, on an episode of Nitro, she threw the WWE Women's title in the trash live on the broadcast, a title she retrieved back from the trash during her Hall of Fame speech. <clears throat> Do that next bit. Uh, the one-hour sit-down interview will chronicle her wrestling career, the controversial Nitro episode, as well as her return to the company. She recently worked with WWE on the May Young Classic Tournament and was ringside for the final in Las Vegas. Yeah, and I've made some notes because I did watch a bit of it last night. Do you know she's 52? Yeah, monster truck driver. She's married to an army man. And I found this interesting. He's uh, he's on his 12th tour now. I think he's trying to tell us something. Because <laughs> yeah. he's going to Syria and Iraq. You know, three or four times maybe. But fair play to him. Uh, we had a couple of good talking heads as well. Uh, Paul Heyman, Eric Bischoff, Bill Apter, Scott Hall. And they talked about her early career where she was PWI rookie. And Scott Hall said, quite interesting, even back then in 88, women were just a gimmick in wrestling. They were kind of a special attraction. But she used to have beer with the guys in the bar and actually became one of the team. Very important part, even in WCW 92, where she joined the Dangerous Alliance alongside Rick Rude, Steve Austin, and people like that. So they, they felt a lot of her. But we're going to go more into detail about Alundra Blaze and her WF career. Especially a match against Bull Nakano as we go on to the WNR 125, which is the top 25 women of all time. Will she make the list? I think she will. What was next, Dan? Um, after Raw 18th September, after the Raw 18th of September episode, there was uh, WWE Storytime Season 2 premiere. Um, What's the synopsis? Well, World Travellers, Chris Jericho, Corey Graves, Kofi Kingston and Jonathan Coachman recount some bizarre international... Yeah, and, they, and the thing about story, I know you hate things like this, Dan, uh, and they said it, WWE, this is WWE's kind of uh, release. It says, Storytime paints an animated picture of some of the most amazing and hilarious stories in sports entertainment, as recounted by the superstars and legends who lived in... You can't stand shit like this on the network, can you? Well, personally, I'd rather have them sat down on like a table of three recounting their stories, not animating a silly fucking animation. Yeah, it. a bit like Camp WWE when they did that, didn't they? It just yeah. it just doesn't work because it's... I don't know why. It just it doesn't have that crossover appeal. It's not like it's just an animated feature on the network. Nah. It's, it's just trying to make the superstars funny. Uh, other new stuff, we had collections as well, didn't we? Yes, uh, Flashback Friday is a WWE network collection which highlights things already on there. Two examples, 20 Years of Goldberg, from his Nitro debut to Fastlane when he won the Universal title in quick time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, the WWE Network will be airing classic programming as part of the Flashback Friday series this Friday, obviously. <laughs> uh, this week's edition will look at the Cruiserweight Classic one-year anniversary. Yeah, and we've had also uh, 
we've had also as well on there looking back at mind games uh, september 96 mankind michaels so i think it's a good way for people that might not know it's like what we do basically letting people know the content that's on there that maybe they don't know about and just highlighting it a little bit but we had two major collections major collections this month what was the first one uh sting the icon defined and it's a sit down with sting for wwe's network's newest collection in an exclusive interview the icon himself looks back at a historic career and reflects rivals and some memorable matches a clash with rick flair put the stinger on the map the confidence to stand up to the nwa made him the franchise and enshrinement into the wwe hall of fame made him an icon uh, relive it all with this definitive look at the man called Sting. Now, are you happy about this, a Sting collection on the network? I am, yes. You know, you can go back and look at the change when he had his short blonde hair, spiky hair with his ultimate warrior stint uh, when he came out looking more like the crow. Yeah, and then, of course, it is 20 years ago that the, the Sting crow character was making NWO's life hell, all leading up to Halloween, uh, to Starcade of 997 between those two, it's going to be something that we will feature heavily as we get towards the end of the year. And it's kind of weird because Sting's one of your idols growing up, one of your, you know, guys in WCW. And, of course, the man in the WWF was the Untake, and we are looking at the dawn of the dead man. It should really be entitled the WNR 25, Untaker Part 1, 25 years, because that's basically what they do on here. It's uh, from a menacing debut, of course, at Spice Series 1990, to a championship victory at WrestleMania 13. The Untaker made his presence fail on day one and never looked back. And like I said, you can watch it on the W Network collection, and it covering the impactful early career of the first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, where you can witness WWE Championship matches with legends and pioneering stipulations like the casket match, broiler room brawl, buried alive match, as the phenom as the phenom goes face to face with Ric Flair, Mankind, Diesel, Shawn Michaels, and many, many more. Better news now. Better news. 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 Uh, JBL. This is a bit of old news, but we have still got to talk about it. JBL is stepping away from SmackDown Live commentary role. He announced himself via social media. After much consideration, I will be stepping back my weekly role as SmackDown announcer to dedicate more continuous time on the work I've done since 2010 with at-risk kids and communities. My new schedule will allow me to continue to be a part of the WWE family and also continue my work that I feel is the most important thing in my life. I will continue my 20-plus year relationship and appear on such marquee shows as Tribute to the Troops, WrestleMania, amongst others. WWE admires JBL's continued determination to make a difference in the lives of at-risk kids in Bermuda and around the world. Well, who will replace him? It won't be Renee Young, who didn't sound like she wanted a job anyway. But fans will very likely be pleased with who WWE has chosen to the placement for JBL on Tuesday night. Corey Graves. Yes. As well as being on Um, Raw. Raw. (laughs) Yeah. And 205 Live? He, w- he was on 205 Live, but this brief announcement specifies Graves will be reunited with his own NXT tag team partners Tom Phillips and Brian Saxton on SmackDown Live. He will also remain with Michael Cole and Booker T on Raw. Uh, and I guess he's a free agent, just like John Cena. But this also means a shake-up on 205 Live and main event. 
as Corey will no longer help call those shows. WWE's bringing up current NXT commentator, Nigel McGuinness, to partner with Vic Joseph, the Corey Graves lookalike, for the series film before Raw and after SmackDown. Presumably, Nigel remains on NXT with Mario Ronaldo and Percy Watson as the roughly monthly tapings of Florida won't conflict with his new job on the main roster. Ms. Facts. Oh, God, Ms. Facts. So and he's, he's moved up in my estimation yeah, I know. since his roasting of Enzo. I mean, anyone who hates on Enzo or rips into Enzo is a good guy in my books. So what are the latest facts coming from the Miz, then? Well, the Miz has moved into third position in the longest intercontinental title reigns chart, uh, chart surpassing the self-proclaimed greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Man. I've noticed... That the Honky Tonk Man, I think he had three reigns. And there's a couple above him that had two or four, you know, not that many reigns. Yeah. And yet the Miz, I think he's on his sixth or seventh. He's on his seventh. And Honky Tonk Man is the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion of all time. So it just shows you what... Uh, it, it, I don't know if it's more impressive feat because the amount of times... It's like Jericho, though, isn't it? He's like... Well, Don Morocco stands at number two with... 541 days combined over two title reigns. Yeah, and like I said, this is the seventh reign for The Miz. He won the first one on July 23rd, uh, 2012 at the Raw 1000 episode by beating Christian. It's an incredible thing. It was only his first Intercontinental title back in 2012, but then again, I suppose before that, you know, US yeah. title or how long he's been well, around. Well, his second win was at WrestleMania 29 on April the 7th, 2013, defeating Wade Barrett. He then won it again on July the 14th at a battleground in a battle royal for the vacant title. And his fourth title reign came on September the 21st, 2014. So that's 14, <laughs> 15, 16, three years. Three years, three reigns. Three reigns. So it, it's almost like, and what we're looking at now as well, because the title reign came on April 4th, 2016 on the post-WrestleMania Raw, defeating Zack Ryder. On November 15th, 2016, The Miz won his sixth in a title from Dolph Ziggler at SmackDown 900. So he wins it at like Milestones, Raw yeah. 1000, SmackDown 900. And he won the last one at Extreme Rules on June the 4th of this year from Dean Ambrose. Yeah, and that's really fucked up because it seems like every year since 2012, they're like, oh shit, we're going to go new direction. Hang on a minute, we want Miz as IC champion. <laughs> like, yeah. like, every year, 2012, 2013, 2014, 15, 16, and now 17. Talking about title reigns, we spoke about Sasha Banks last time round. The title eight days after winning it from Biss at Summer Sam. And she's now officially has four combined title reigns of 83 days. <laughs> wow. Compared to Flair's four of... How many do you think uh, Charlotte's had? So Banks has had four eighty-three. 83. What's Flair had? 238. Oh, you're so close. I didn't want to give you that. 246. Oh. And Bliss is four of... Yeah, this is printed a couple of weeks ago. Um... 176. No, 224. 224. So she's wow. only back. But she's had uh, the SmackDown reigns as well, hasn't she? So, Yeah. Well, we've got some more news on WWE Superstar Page, and it's not another altercation with Alberto Del Rio. What is it? What is the latest news? Um, well, she returned to the WWE Performance Center to resume training following her neck injury. And uh, she, well, she said, went to see an old friend today. Good to be back there. She wrote on Instagram along with a post of the WWE Performance Center, she also used the hashtag Road Back to My House. Oh, 
Well, you know, Paige has been out of action for 13 months so far, gets suspended twice for wellness program violations, and then tamed to the knife. In the meantime, she's getting the news and all the wrong reasons, like we talked about. First of all, a collection of private photos and videos. Uh, they made their way online, and there are many arguments between her and Alberto El Patron. Uh, well, Paige should thank her lucky stars that WWE is producing a movie on her family, along with The Rock's Seven Buck Productions, because otherwise she would have been pink-slipped a long time ago, considering her actions and behaviour. Uh, it didn't take long, but there were rumours going around, and now it's been confirmed that WWE will be using some of the event names that acquired along with WSW for some upcoming shows. Well, what kind of show isn't exactly clear, but it's announced. But in announcing WWE Starcade, they're taking the old Jim Crockett production Super Show back to its roots. Well, in addition to moving it back to the building which hosted the first four Starcade shows in the mid '80s, WWE has also returned to a date close to Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, the 25th is this sat is the Saturday night after the big US November holiday, but also less than a week after Survivor Series, leading us to assume this is likely a branded house show and not a pay per view or network special. Well, we'll find out more on that front later. For now, we know this will use the SmackDown roster plus the home state Hardy Boys per WWE's event page and tickets go on sale Friday, September the 29th. Well, cars, of course, subject to change, but early reporting on that from the venue and North Carolina media includes some curious items such as the presence of someone named Ricky Seamboat. <laughs> well, and the promise of a United States Championship, uh, a United States Champion triple threat match between SmackDown Tag Team Champions and New Day. Well, details, um, Schmeetails, Starcade is back, baby. Well, we got an update. WWE got a full write-up on the show on their website. It confirms the card in the Coliseum uh, and adds a Breezango versus English and Canellis with Maria Canellis match. There's no mention of the show being broadcast, so it appears to be a stacked house show. Well, not everyone is happy. WWE is bringing back for their show in Greensboro, North Carolina on November the 25th. That includes fans who don't think... What appears to be a well-promoted house show is worthy of the brand Jim Crockett Promotions. The NWA and the WCW treated as their version of Vince McMahon's WrestleMania, even with a stacked card featuring, stu featuring two steel cage title matches. Well, it also, includes Ring, uh, it also includes Ring of Honor world champion Cody Rhodes and his wife Brandy. Father, the late Dusty Rhodes, of course, was a head booker for JCP in the mid-80s and is credited with inventing Starcase. He's also headlined the second and third instances of the event with Vic Flair as part of their legendary rivalry for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Well, Cody took to Twitter tagging WWE producer Michael Hayes in a shot insinuating the company is only using the name to sell tickets on a Thanksgiving weekend and to point out they didn't even book his half-brother, Dustin Runnels, on the route their father helped to bring to life. Well, Brandy doesn't name names, but is upset the former company wouldn't use the brand while the American Dream was alive to appreciate the homage and haven't credited him with the creation. He is mentioned as one of the legendary performers from Starcase history in a WWE.com story about this year's version. Can I just say... Wasn't there an American Dream trophy or... Yeah, Dusty Classic. Dusty Classic. Yeah, two years. Two years in a row, Dusty Classic tag team match to honour uh, him 
in in NXT and the effect he had. So what more does he want? Well, no, it's not what he wants. Well, it's exactly it's what Cody has obviously got a problem about the legacy of Dustin. I understand this. Well, Cody's obviously got a problem with WWE. Yeah, well, yeah, you lose, you know, you lose your day, you're going to be stuff tough. You know, it's going to be difficult. But do you know what I mean? We any. <laughs> Normal wrestling fan knows the what Dusty did for the WSW, you know. Uh, I know it's, it may be history being rewritten, but then again, you know, he's Ring of Honor World Champion at the moment. Like I said, he's got nothing. He's not affiliated with the WWE, therefore he can't do anything about it. Well, this isn't the first time Cody and Brandy have had issues with WWE's handling of Dusty's considerable legacy, and it probably won't be the last. Well, the, and the weird thing happened because then Goldust got on Twitter. And put up, said, uh, why don't we have a tag team match? It would be the Hardys versus me and my brother Cody Rhodes. And then Matt Hardy got on Twitter, was doing all of his excellent type of things. Uh, I might, you know, we can see what happens. And uh, we're going to wait Cody Rhodes' answer. Well, WWE sent out a survey today to gauge interest on some new ideas for the network. With them focusing on options that would incentivize people to subscribe to a premium price tier. The survey asked how interested respondents were in the following potential new programming ideas. Well, the programmes, Ring of Honor, historic and new programming, house shows, select shows, airing live on the network, a TNA Impact GWF, historic and new programme, GFW. GFW, why do I always get that other way around? GFW, a historic and new programming, an audio channel that would feature listening-only content for pay-per-views, music playlists, sports radio type-in shows, and podcasts. Now, uh, opening the door for us to join the WWE Network. I have had an email from the WWE Network to, to ask about... No, seriously, I'm, I'm not lying to you. I've had an email from WWE with this involved as well, so I'm going to fill that out, and of course there is uh, questions asked as well. Other stuff, original scripted comedies, uh, like W Superstar Rose, Southpaw Regional Wrestlings, and W's version of The Office. New reality shows, a show focusing on life on the road for W wrestlers, or a show looking at the training and workout regimens, a bit like Breaking Ground, I suppose. WB Superstar Cribs, a show like The Apprentice, and a second season of Legends House. Now, I know if anybody's ever watched Legends House, that was fantastic. And what breaks my fucking heart looking back on it is seeing Rowdy Roddy Piper. He was treated like a king out of everybody that was there. And again, I don't want to be a down on this episode, but, you know, go back and watch it. Uh, other kind of stuff, Dan? Um, a TV 14 in-ring show, basically a new weekly version of ECW, or another, or another edgy new promotion brought up. Tournaments, King and Queen of the Ring. Uh, a Lucha tournament, team tournament, and WWE versus NXT. WWE Director's Cut, classic events and matches with narration by legends or current WWE wrestlers. Um, original scripted dramas, a WWE version of Great Game of Thrones was mentioned. <laughs> Oh, my life. Um, Special live events. One-time only live events from around the world with an unexpected main event. Uh, Other promotions like ICW, Progress, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Well, WWE Next brought up a list of special features that may be used for the tier. These included download to go, the ability to watch content offline, personalization, like custom playlists, the ability to change your look and feel of the interface, alternative viewing option, watch W in-ring shows with different camera angles. I would also suggest as well, oh, there we go, he says it now, alternative audio, just listen to the crowd sometimes, you know, you might not want commentary, you just want to listen to it. A ratings comment system, social viewing, set up a mode to watch with friends, a live event on Facebook where you can chat with others. That would be handy for us. Uh, virtual reality, uh, watching historic W content makes it seem like you are sitting 
at ringside. Finally. 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 The survey brought up special benefits and perks that can be offered with the tier. These included sweepstakes entries, automatic entries to win WWE tickets, merchandise, etc. Breaking news first, being the first to get WWE's breaking news before social media or WWE.com. Loyalty program rewards such as t-shirts, collectibles and ticket upgrades using loyalty points earned from time you first started with subscribing to the network. Early access to new merchandise. Fan voting, opportunities to vote for match participants, Hall of Fame inductees, Slammy winners, etc. Preferred pricing, special offers for WWE VIP events, discount packages, special offers on products from WWE sponsors, and free shipping on shop orders. Uh, early access to live events, uh, to live event tickets. Monthly call inside WWE headquarters with the ability to listen to a conference call with executives such as Triple H or uh, Stephanie uh, Well, WWE has done similar surveys in the past. It isn't known if any of these ideas will ever come to the network. Impact Wrestling, uh, as said recently, is a couple of weeks ago. There's no interest in selling their tape library to WWE. It doesn't make sense to. And also recently, uh, GFW... Have G, G, yeah, GFW have said that they're going to start their own network as well with their old library of content, uh, about $7, I think, uh, a month. I mean, to go back and watch like the old TNA stuff of old with AJ Styles, Bobby Roode, I'll probably pay that if it, it came I over. I think, yeah, yeah. that would be good like you know, to get the older content, the more recent stuff. You know, I'd like to see a bit of the Broken Hardys, a few of their yes, matches. Yeah. But aside from that, you know, I'll watch it on Fridays because it's on and it's... It actually finishes just as SmackDown starts, so yeah. You know, not that I need to make excuses. For no, that. no, no, you don't need to. No, you can watch fan, it. Yeah, it isn't a scratch on WWE. I know. I've watched a bit the other day with Grado and Joseph Park, and he's signing him to a contract. And we watched it 15 minutes, and it was nothing. Like, I was yeah. just waiting for something to happen. It was just... You know, but, you know, fair enough. At least there's alternatives out there. The Rumours have been swirling around for a while regarding promotions such as Progress and ICW appearing on the network. But this hasn't come to fruition yet. But there's so many times now where wrestlers are working these shows for either Evolve or Progress or ICW. People like Noam Dar, Tyler Bate, Cassie Sono. I, I think it's, it's just a matter of time until it's available on the network. Well, you know? personally, I think that they should have promotions like you know they should have a promotion for over here like the rev pro yeah you know one for france you know have them nationalized so then you know you feel like because i think that would draw more of its countries in and it'd get a bit of revenue for rev pro and yeah, yeah, you know yeah. the, I, the I, different I, types i completely agree i completely really need to do that but what do you think about paying extra would you pay more for any of this stuff you know would you say like you know 15 um, 20 quid 25 pound a month just for certain things depend on what they're going to give us yes because if they're only going to give us like you know a couple of things like a customizable uh home page i don't think that would be point <laughs> there'd be no point to that um vip events well james uh yes well we've, we, we've, we've, spoken we've gone on to that, that and it's it's just a bag full of crap. It, it, really. But then again, if someone said to me, right, we'll, we'll, you know, 15, 20 pound uh, a month and I'm guaranteed front row for Raw, in, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll take that, but, but I don't then, think there's any way they can do it. But then, like, you know, sweepstake entries, automatic entries to win WWE tickets. 95% of WWE events are in America, so yeah. we'd have to pay to get to America, pay for a hotel and... 
you know, silly things like that. I, I think the loyalty program will be good. Yeah, well, yes, it will. T-shirts, collectibles, and ticket upgrades using loyalty points have from the time you first started subscribing, subscribing to the network. Uh, that's the thing, because I've joined, like, if you talk about that, I joined, like, a month after it came available in the UK, so I've been, like, yeah. two, over two years now, yeah, so, well, I've it, you know. been on and off it for a good while. I think they should... Yeah, we respect your authority. Yeah. Free shipping on WWE shop orders. If you go through Amazon, then you get it for free anyway. Yeah, I know, I know, yeah. Uh, I know it's a, a touch more expensive, <laughs> but... You know, some of these are a bit silly, like, you know, virtual reality. I think that'd yeah, be a bit silly. Gonna, Social sharing would be good. Social viewing would be good. Like, you can watch it with friends virtually or participate in live events. Like, I think... Live commenting on events as well, like when yeah. we're doing it live, you know, you can say, "Well, we're watching from England." Blah, blah, blah. Exactly, yeah, and you feel involved in that as well. I think download to go would be good. Yes, that'd be always good because sometimes you ain't got internet connection, you can just keep stuff from later on. But yeah. it's interesting, isn't it? But yeah, you know, again, it it does depend on what they're going to offer us. If it's, I wouldn't really fancy a monthly call inside WWE headquarters <laughs> with the ability to listen to a conference call. Really, Triple H and Stephanie. <laughs> Because it'd all be staged and scripted and... Yeah, I know. All right, so that is the news. It's not a lot of stuff going on, but we've we've covered everything there. And injuries. Ooh. Well, down goes Joe. The main event of SummerSlam 2017 saw Brock Lesnar defend against Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe. At the upcoming No Mercy 2017, Strowman is getting a one-on-one title shot against Lesnar and Reigns is facing John Cena. However, you might have noticed a lack of Samoa Joe, and unfortunately, it's not for a good reason. No, Samoa Joe's on a shelf with a knee injury, which he suffered in a house show match against John Cena in Jonesboro, Arkansas. At the moment, he's expected to be out at least four weeks. The injury already changed plans, as Cena and Samoa Joe were scheduled to square off on this week's Monday Night Raw. Joe wasn't the only one who got injured during the weekend non-televised live events. Xavier Woods also suffered a knee injury in the match. Kofi Kingston told the referee about the problem and Charles Robinson threw up the X-hand sign to notify the people in the back of the legit injury. By the time we bring this out, hopefully they'll both be back in action. Yeah, so hopefully... Well, no, Sunday they'll probably be back. I mean, Woods is still around with the new day, isn't he? And uh, I think with Joe, they'll wait until after no mercy. uh, Kingston has been injured since then, isn't it? Uh, you were talking about Kofi Kingston injury. Yes, well, in Honolulu at the Neil S. Blaisdell Arena, Kingston was competing in a tag team match with Big E Langston and retained the SmackDown tag team titles over Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler. The injury happened when Kingston missed a crossbody and was seen limping after the spot. Although Kingston did get physical after the match, fans in attendance, uh, fans in attendance mentioned that he seemed to be in pain. Kingston was then helped to the back. Uh, in an update, Dave Meltzer noted in Friday Daily Update that those in WWE say Kingston has been cleared and will be working the rest of the weekend. Yeah, so it was just a precaution. I mean, with, like I said, with the Woods injury and then Kofi potentially getting done, uh, that is something that they didn't want. Of course, with a new day and Uso never-ending feud on SmackDown. Okay, so we move on to deaths and uh, fuck me, this is a rough one. Uh, legendary WWE wrestler and commentator Bobby the Brain Heenan has died aged 72 after losing battle uh, with throat cancer Heenan began as a wrestler in the 1960s was better known as a manager 
He played a boastful, witty, loud mouth for a, a massive cowardly streak. Um, Dan, can you just carry on for a sec? Cause... Uh, as part of the WWE, he managed Andre the Giant, Jesse Ventura and others. And in the 1990s, he became a commentator and in 2004, he entered the Hall of Fame. He was diagnosed with throat cancer in 2002 and had been fighting it since. In recent years, he had had his jaw reconstructed due to illness-inflicted damage. He leaves behind his wife, Cynthia, his daughters and grandson. I mean, honest to goodness, uh, I, I really struggled with this when I saw it on Monday. Uh, I, I, I couldn't fucking believe it. You know, Bobby Heenan is one of these guys. I mean, we're going to talk about him and his career, but just on a personal note... If if I was ever become a wrestler, and I've I've talked about this before in a weird way, okay. If I was ever Jared's size, and I was six foot two or whatever that was, I would have become a wrestler. Do you know what I mean? That's what I would yeah. have done. So that size, the, the the way to get into it was the way I look at Bobby Heenan as a manager, as a commentator, that kind of personality and thinking. He got involved, and he was involved in the biggest storylines in professional wrestling just because of how great he was. And it wasn't because, you know, a fantastic wrestling, he didn't have the size of the look. It was just everything, you know. What are your thoughts on Bobby Heenan? Because you talked about him before, haven't you? Um, I thought he was brilliant. He, you know, the, just exactly the way he was and, you know, even his comedic way, he'd portray things, you know, like on my favourite WrestleMania, WrestleMania 9, coming down to the arena, backwards on an elephant. Yes, you know, he's yeah, just yeah, yeah. Bobby Heenan summed up in a nutshell. Well, we're going to have uh, a couple of uh, Heenan moments. Oh, I'll get onto that in a sec. So we're just going to talk about anybody. I can't unbelievably anybody didn't know who Bobby Heenan was. You know, um, he was best known as a showman manager of the nineteen eighties and nineties. And stars such as Andre Giant, Jesse Ventura, Mister Perfect. You know, Rick Rude. The, the list goes on of people that he managed. Uh, and later as a commentator, of course, in the WWF as well. Heenan began in the 1960s under the name Pretty Boy, but quickly changed to the brain to suit his acidic wit. He fought in the AWA until 1984 when he became a W manager. <clears throat> it's when he became a WWE manager. Uh, in a sport full of huge personalities, Heenan, known for his sarcastic sense of humour and witty character, still managed to be one of the biggest. His best-known roles were as a manager and later a commentator for the WWE, where he bombastically talked up his wrestlers, including Andre the Giant and Ric Flair. But he started out right at the bottom as a teenager on the Chicago wrestling circuit, selling refreshments and carrying bags for the wrestlers. He eventually made his start aged 21 and manager, pretty boy Bobby Heenan. Well, here he developed the character he would continue to play throughout his career. A tough-talking, wisecracker whose bravado hid deep seams of cowardice. He then began a stint with the American Wrestling Association through the 1960s and 70s, now calling himself The Brain. But he hit a rough patch in 1983 when he broke his neck wrestling in Japan. Well, Heenan recovered and in 1984 went on to a role that would make him recognised by millions across the US a manager for the WWE, then known as the WWF. As a manager, he oversaw many heels or villains, such as Andre the Giant. He then turned his gift for verbal humour to commentating in the 1990s. Heenan began fighting throat cancer in 2002. His return to wrestling saw him thinner, having gone to, from £231 to £190. He's seen... Uh, with, uh, look, there's pictures you know, available of... Uh, of of him now and it is 
crazy. And I'm, I'm not what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to put any pictures of them up. I'm going to remember. I know people could say, "Oh, that's not the, the right thing to do." But I, I, me personally, uh, and this is about life as well. I don't want to remember what he what. Do you know what I mean? The, the yeah. kind of the rest of the thing. And and it's fight now. It, it really does break my fucking heart talking about it. You know, but. Um, like, like we said, the, the amount of wrestlers that he managed, you know, Andre Giant, Jesse Ventura, Ric Flair, Ravishing Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect. And if you look at that list, we fucking lost most of them as well now, you know. Yeah. Uh, two years into his WF stint, Heenan Gift Radlibs, an entertainer bluster, earned a position as a commentator, which in, in character basically described as making him a broadcast journalist. And Dan, we wouldn't be broadcast journalists today if it wasn't for Bobby Heenan. Yes, uh, with his long-standing neck injuries making it impossible for him to keep getting involved in hijinks in the ring, he Heenan made the move to full <coughs> Heenan made the move to full-time commentator in 1991. He even got his own series, the Bobby Heenan Show, on the USA Network. Well, as news of uh, Heenan's death spread, wrestling stars began to pay tribute on Twitter, such as the comment from WWE head Vincent Mann. Uh, Heenan once managed Nature Boy Ric Flair. And Flair called him the greatest manager, one of the greatest announcers, and one of the best in-ring performers in wrestling history. When he left WWF in 1993, he then went to WCW and he was there until the end. Yeah. Uh, he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2004. Some some of the brain's smartest quotes, because, you know, that's how he was mem- you know, remembered for some of his wise-cracking... Uh, some of his wise cracking moments and yeah. you know just yeah so no it's just it's fucked you know what i mean like yeah. i mean if you look at the quotes as well like uh <laughs> you, you i think we know this one best gone uh a friend in need is a pest <laughs> yeah he said i'm a legend in this fault if you don't believe me ask me <laughs> i know all about cheating i've had six very successful marriages <laughs> to a man who had been married over t- uh, to a man man who had been married 20 years are you aware, sir, that if you killed her on your wedding night, you'd be out by now? <laughs> if you're poor and you do something stupid, you're nuts. If you're rich and you do something stupid, you're eccentric. Yes, yeah, sir. Hawaii's the 50th state. I thought it was a suburb of Guam. Are there any swamps in Oklahoma? Yes, there is. It's called Tulsa. <laughs> Have you ever been to Glen Falls? I mean, the city limit signs <laughs> are on the same post. Ah, uh, God. So... We talk about on Twitter as well, uh, people that pay tribute. Talk about Vincent Mann. He said he's one of the greatest managers and announcers in WWE history, adding our thoughts with the Heenan family. And uh, commentator Jim Ross put in that uh, the news of Bobby the Brain Heenan's passing totally gutted me. I loved our time together and no one did it better than the Weasel. Obviously taken to the Weasel, wow. which he was... Uh, Quite commonly known as as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we ran it, but yeah, the, the weasel thing was so popular that back in the day, he would dress up as a weasel and have to wrestle. I've, I've seen him dressed yeah. up in a white re- weasel suit, <laughs> yeah. squirming around the ring. It was yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, uh, so we got that. And um, DDP said, "I just heard uh, Jim Ross's tweet. The one and only Bobby Heenan passed away. Do you know Bobby named a diamond cutter? And he says, "Thanks, brother. I'm eternally grateful." Ric Flair, who Heenan had managed, said Bobby Heenan was the greatest manager, one of the greatest announcers and the best in-ring performers in the history of the business. And he sent out love to Heenan's widow and posted a photograph of himself with Heenan in their glory days. Well, and current WWE star Mustafa Ali wrote, Bobby Heenan was pure magic. 
Out of all his talents, his ability to make anyone laugh will live on forever. P. Uh, and uh, the Singh brothers, they also commented, thanks for making our Sunday morning telly much more worth watching as well because, you know, they grew up watching Bobby the yeah. Brain Heenan. Now, and obviously, and uh, what I will say as well is a couple of things. Uh, Bobby Heenan quotes as well that I remember. WrestleMania 17, when the Iron Sheet was making his way down to the ring, he said, by the time Iron Sheet gets down here, it'll be WrestleMania 34. <laughs> <That was> brilliant. <laughs> and WrestleMania 34... We're obviously going to save that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When is it? Fucking hell, that is next year. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> and and also, like you said, Dan, WrestleMania 9 with him. But what we're going to do as well, because Heenan meant a lot. Uh, and we did mention it. We are going to do something special now because we are going to do the top five Bobby Heenan moments. It's something that deserves to be done. So let's get started. So number five. I mean, uh, uh, look. I'll put these in order a certain way. People can agree, disagree. Uh, it, there's more moments that could go in there. And Tell us your own orders. You know, basically exactly. give us some feedback. If this is just, you know, something that we find quite an unexpected. Yes, I, you know, I didn't have this. Uh, you know, I've got my top 20 Ric Flair matches, but I didn't have my heat moment. So <laughs> now I have. Uh, I know it's different. So, during his AWA days, Heenan earned himself a nickname that would lead him to many an embarrassing moment. Weasel. The brain would involve himself in his client's fuse to the point where the babyface would challenge him to a loser, loser wears a weasel suit match. The hero would slap around the scoundrel en route to an easy win. Heenan would have to wear a costume and flop around the ring comically. The formula worked well enough that WWE borrowed, in, um, borrowed it in 1988 several times. The ultimate warrior, a long-term adversary of the Heenan family, played the part of... Vern Gagne back in 1980. He pushed Heenan around and handed him easily, giving the manager his comeuppance. Heenan would later come out of the sleep-induced days once he was already dressed in a weasel suit and fumble around like a fool. And with that, had its comic relief for the night in space. So Heenan would get knocked out, wake up, and then realise he was in a weasel suit, which was brilliant. Dan, number four. Well, number four, for better or worse, (laughs) WrestleMania 9 in 1993 at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas may be more remembered for its Roman motif than what unfolded between the ropes. Announcers wore togas, a vulture on a perk accompanied Undertaker to the ring, and Heenan rode him backwards on a camel. (laughs) Played up to the spectacle of WrestleMania. Heenan's part was a fun little moment that played out on the grand stage. Heenan fearfully clung to the back of the animal before slipping off and stumbling around. This was no clever bit, but the brain made it funnier than anyone else would have. It was simply hard not to chuckle as he rode in unnerved by the animal underneath him. Yeah, I mean, that's a moment, isn't it? You know, WrestleMania 9, like we talk about. Brilliant moment there. Uh, number three. Well, there are too many times to count when Heenan sided with the hill in the ring to the point of observe. Oh, fuck me. To the point of absurdity. None of them are quite as memorable and amusing as when Twisted Logic in order to support Shawn Michaels. This is, this is brilliant. Uh, Michaels and his tag team partner Marty Jannetty appeared on Brutus the Barber Beefcake's Barbershop segment on December 91, seemingly looking to repair their alliance. The Rockers didn't reform, though. They imploded. Michael smashed Jeanette's head through the barbershop window, and only Heenan could spin the scene the way he did. Jeanette tried to dive through the window to escape. Did you see that? One act of cowardice. <laughs> the brain cried out. His voice and wit will forever be associated with this attack, with Heenan's signature style most exemplified with this reaction. <laughs> I've, I've seen that scene many, many a times. 
you know, it was quite an iconic moment because, you know, it turned HBK into what it was. Yeah. But the brain's <laughs> spin on it, I think that just... Uh, honestly, you know, yeah. It's the way he does like to side with the heel. Fantastic. Um, at number two, Heenan tried to lead Andre the Giant to a world title win over Hulk Hogan in 1987. But things didn't work out for the heels. Fast forward to WrestleMania 6 in 1990, at the tail end of Andre's career, when the brain had another big loss on his resume. Frustration boiled over after a tag team championship match, after Andre and Haku lost to demolition. A furious Heenan made the mistake of needling, poking and then slapping the big man. Andre memorably grabbed his manager by the throat and ended their alliance violently. Heenan's rapid shift from barking bully to snivelling coward was perfect. He helped bolster that babyface turn for Andre, making the change in heart as as a, making the change in heart as big of a headline as the title change. This has since become one of WrestleMania's most lasting images. Yeah, no, absolutely fantastic. Like, so Andre siding with him and then finally turning it around. And, and the, the thing I loved about Heenan as a manager, he he didn't ke- he always took a beating in the end. You know, he never got away with it. You could argue Paul Heyman, even though he's great on the mic, he never gets his ass kicked enough. You know, whereas with Heenan, he was always getting a comeuppance. He, he never got away with it. You know. Uh, and his number one moment, well, uh, it's, I'm cheating a little bit because it's his first Raw moment and, of course, his last Raw moment. And uh, speaking about the first episode of Raw, Yokozuna untaken the Steiner Brothers notch whinge during the first episode on January 11th, 1993. Heenan was one of the biggest stars of the night, too. The brain tried to get into the sold-out show several times. He donned a very, very variety of disguises. He tried to peek to sneak past security it was all ridiculous fun throughout the show Heenan popped up giving Raw ample dashes of humour to go along with all the action Heenan would eventually become a regular sight at the announced test on Mondays but he began his tenure on the show as an outsider and irritant and finally Dan uh, and finally Gorilla throws out the brain Heenan's exit from WWE is a reminder of how he made everything he did memorable the brain did not go quietly into the night of 1993 Instead, he predictably made an absolute fool of himself for the sake of entertainment. Long-time rival and broadcast partner Monsoon had already taken over as WWE's fictional president. He ousted Heenan from Raw by tossing him and his gym bag out onto the streets. Heenan's pathetic pleading and melodramatic response made this comedy gold. Whether one felt pity for Heenan or laughed at him when he cried, My belongings! (laughs) It's hard to forget his performance. The Brain said goodbye in true Heenan fashion, delivering one last laugh before he made his way to WCW. Yeah, I mean, we did top five, but i got to say, finally, the, the Brain enters the hall. A live Mike and Heenan was always an electric combination. That remained true in 2004 when Heenan made his way into the WWE Hall of Fame. He fired off one-liners throughout. He messed with the wrestlers he used to manage. He told funny stories from the road. Even with his voice hampered by cancer, Heenan was his old entertaining self. Given a spotlight once more, he delivered. And he had done throughout his career. Do you try watching that speech without laughing or getting a bit mystery? Getting a bit misty. Well, thanks for the memories, Brain. You are truly special. Yeah, and no one deserves a tribute more than Bobby the Brain Heenan. I know that's only a little bit that we did, but yeah, like I say. And we talk about new content on the WWE Network. 
uh, unwanted new content in a weird way because we had a new program uh, and a new collection. What was the program, Dan? Uh, it's Bobby the Brain Heenan Tribute. And uh, affectionately known as the Weasel, Bobby the Brain Heenan was no ham and egger. Viewed by many as the greatest manager of all time. And also we had a new Bobby Heenan collection. Got a few comments from people obviously a bit shocked by the news. Yes, uh, MD2012 from Dallas, United States. Uh, I first saw Bobby back in the AWA. Yes, I'm a geezer. And then on to his WWE days. He was the best manager in wrestling. And his announcing was classic. We lost one of the great ones. Rest in peace, Brian. we fucking really did. Uh, Hollywood Boulevard of Broken Dreams. He said, is there anybody left? R.I.P. I mean, we talk about the amount of people. Like that match now with Bobby Heen and Rick Rude and uh, Albert Warwick WrestleMania 5. It's, it's, just hor- it's horrible, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, anyway, <laughs> I hate uh, it. J.J. McClure from Milton. He said, genius entertainer. So many laughs from this man. Wrestling ruled back then. Sad to see him go. Eileen Diver said, funny, entertaining man. Used to watch him play-by-play of a wrestling match. Awesome personality. Wish I could have known him. R.I.P. Brain. And he can manage all the great wrestlers in heaven. Or him and Gorilla can get behind the great announce table in the sky and call the action. Would you stop? Anyway, so move on. <clears throat> oh, God. How fucking depressing is that? So now it's time for 205 Live. This is coming out the 24th September, but we haven't watched 205 Live. In over a month, even before SummerSlam, because we watched the one before SummerSlam on the live kickoff. And now we have got the uh, Cruiserweight title match from SummerSlam. It is the SummerSlam kickoff. We are going back there. Uh, It is the first time we are watching this match through, because it was on in the background, but you and me had other things to do, didn't we, that day? Uh, Yes, we did. And we are going to watch the Cruiserweight title match from SummerSlam. It's Akira Tozawa, Cruiserweight Champion. Remember that night? <laughs> Akira Tozawa. It is Akira Tozawa, the Cruiserweight Champion, defending against Neville. So, yes, here comes Akira Tozawa. Dan, how do you greet him? Ah! 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 Ha! <laughs> well, we didn't watch this on the live kickoff, so we're going back. I mean, it's obviously we know the results because we did watch it, but we're going we're gonna to play it as... You know what I mean? We're going to play it as an all-match, give it the respect it deserves. So what did you think? What have you thought of Akira Tozawa's uh, six-day cruiseweight title reign? <laughs> well, I think, you know, he certainly has got a lot of potential and he's going to go on to hold the title for a long, long time. Yes, yeah, so I think he's going to be one of those guys. He's not going to be a flash in the pan, you know. Uh, he, Neville's there. He just lost the title. There's no way he's going to retain it so soon. But it is SummerSlam. It feels so weird going back here. But, yes, Tozawa... And Neville, this should be a great matchup. What does Neville have to do if he wants to win this one, Dan? I, I think he needs to underestimate Tozawa a lot less than he did when he lost it. Well, at the moment, Neville has been phenomenal. There's only one man that has beaten him, and that is Akira Tozawa. So if anybody can do it, it is Tozawa. Neville, like you said, just needs to that consistency there. Bit of overconfidence. Prediction-wise, Dan, who did you go for in this one? I went for Akira Tozawa. Yes, I went to Tozawa. Why did you go to Tozawa? Again, you know, it's. I think for someone who they've built up like Tozawa, it's going to be silly to have him as a six-day reign. Yeah, I, I, I really think that it's going to do more damage. You know, the surprise of him winning it, like, yeah, I'm raw, it's great, but having him losing it so soon, it's just going to be so damaging. And both men in the early going showing what each other can do. But Neville looking impressive, all in uh, silver and white. What did you think of the cruiserweight title match that they had on Raw when Tozawa won it? 
I, I thought it was quite back and forth match, and you know, for Tazawa to eventually get the one up on Neville, it was great. Yeah, yeah, very, very surprising, wasn't it? You know, but I think these men have got a good chemistry as Neville's gone to the outside to take his time. I was just going to say, you know, I think Titus O'Neil being in Akira Tazawa's corner does help him a lot as well. You know, not in a in a distraction type way, you know, not as even in a dastardly heel type way, but, you know, I just think it works. Yeah. Oh, my word. Neville comes in and the boot to Neville's face. And so I need to keep on him. And there's still a lot of empty seats filing here at the Barclays Centre. Oh. Neville going for the drop kick, but Tazawa holding on to the top rope. Lovely scent on there on the former champ. And now Tazawa building some momentum, is he? Is he going to go flying? And the crowd behind him. Here comes Tazawa. Oh, but Neville gets back in the ring and tosses him over the top rope. <laughs> oh. And then hangs him up on the top as well for good measure. Yeah, I was laughing at tossing him off the... <laughs> oh, my God. I am not laughing at that. Neville there. Vicious sighting that we have seen. Throwing him against that LCD screen, is it, on the side of the ring? Yes, it's no longer a flappy little apron that wrestlers can hide under and get weapons from underneath. Oh, Neville off the top. We're back after the break. Oh, and he's going back up to, to the top again. And we've got one hour and six minutes <laughs> until SummerSlam. This feels so weird. That's what she said. Neville now up to the top. He's going to put Tazar away. Oh, oh drop kick to the back of Tazar. He didn't even see it coming. Two. That's oh. all. But Tazawa managing to kick out. Uh, ah, ah. And Neville's checking with the ref saying, are you sure that's free? But this is one of the things that we've uh, had a go about with Neville and other people, Baron Corbin, taking too long. Taking too long to put someone away. And this is what Neville's doing now. Yes, indeed, yeah. Exactly. Taunting to the crowd, taunting to Titus. Unless Tazawa is seriously injured, and to be fair at the moment... He does look like he's been hit for six. He has got a far away look in his eyes, but managing to kick out. Oh. Uh. screams. Desire ours. Ah! Yeah, the crowd oohs. Titus O'Neil. Hoorah, hoorah, hoorah. Beautiful submission there. Look at the extension on the legs with Neville getting all that grip that he can. And, and this is the flexibility and what comes in useful, you know, these different holes. And the size of him, Neville, being. Such a big cruiserweight. Look how built he is. Bringing that extra strength down on Tazawa. Anybody can fight it. It is the cruiserweight champion, Akira Tazawa. Getting back to his feet. Gives a backdrop, but attempts to throw Tazawa to the outside. But Tazawa reverses it. Oh. Suicide dive through the second rope and headfirst into Neville. And Tyson Hill saying, come on, son. Get up. Get the count out victory. And Neville getting back into the ring. Doesn't lose it that way. Tazawa looks like he's got momentum on his side. <clears throat> well, Neville barely able to stand. Here comes Tazawa. He's lining him up. Oh, oh, runs in with a big forearm. Goes for a number two. Third time. Oh. Well, Neville come out the corner, went swinging. Tazawa dodged. Now they've turned up a little bit. Tazawa with a kick. Neville dodged. And oh, my word. Big back suplex by Tazawa. Oh, it may be the end, Tom. This could be it for Neville, but Neville wisely crawling away to the opposite corner. Yeah. He knew what was coming. Showing all of his experience there, like I said, getting out of harm's way. Or is his Tazawa? Comes running in, but Neville throws him over the top again. But Tazawa lands on the apron. He's like an amazing Tazawa. Oh. oh, jumps over the top, but lands on Neville's shoulders. That's where you don't want to be. But Tazawa fighting it. and <laughs> Oh, my days. He's trying to get him into an abdominal stretch. 
And he's got the leg hook around the head for extra pressure. And he is not dropped to the floor yet since so coming off that top rope. <laughs> Never showed the strength. Try and move around with Tazara on his back. Oh, brilliant. By Tazara, rolls up Neville. Oh. And he gets a two count. Two. Oh. And he runs in with a running knee. This could be it. It looks like he's knocked Neville it. out. Oh. But Neville managing to get his shoulder up. I can't believe Neville managed to get the shoulder up there, Dan. It was one of those, like you said, a knockout kick. The lights were dim. There was no one home. And yet I think it was just pure instinct on Neville's part to have that shoulder shooting up as Azawa. Now look at the pounce. Oh, he's got his eyes focused on Neville, waiting for him to turn over onto his back. Is he going to go for his big senton? And this will be it if he hits it. Here we go. No. And Neville's up to his feet. He jumps over the top of him. Tazara managed to roll at harm's way. Now back with a beautiful kick. Well, Neville hits a spinning heel kick on Tazara. Tazara hits one back and then fin- follows it up with a big kick to the head. Oh. But Neville with a step up there of his own to Tazawa. Both men rocked. But Tazawa's not going down. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> Hurricane Rana followed up by a big kick to the face by Tazawa. And that was lovely by these two and getting shown absolutely no respect by the people in the crowd. They're not even clapping along. Lovely exchange by both men. Hear the scream of Tazawa. Now, is he finally going to put Neville away? Neville sends Tazawa to the mat, shoulder first. That's that bad shoulder that he's had a lot of problem with. Yeah, you got to remember the injury that he has suffered. And Neville rings a Saturn, has been targeting that in recent times. And now he's got Tazawa up again. Shaking the granny out of Tazawa's arm. No, Tazawa rolls out of the way. Oh! Clocks him with a big right hand. Oh, and then follows up with a kick. Well, Neville tried to come running in and he might be knocked out. On his feet. Oh, oh wow, he certainly <laughs> is now after a big right hand from Tazawa. And is, is, is it his time to go up to the top? Well, Tyson Hill saying, go there, son. Can Tazawa be a prime-time player? Well, Tazawa looking to retain his title here in New York City with a cent on. So oh. Again, Neville up to his feet. Tazawa was taking too long about it. you got a punishment like Tazawa's taken in this match. Punishment that Neville's taken, to, to be fair to yeah, him. Yeah, I think it's, it has been a back-and-forth match. Both Credit to both men. As Neville looking to finish this now. Well, going for his superplex that won him a few matches early on in his 205 Live career. But Tazawa desperately trying to fight out of it. Clubbing blows to Neville. Oh! Drops him face first onto the mat. This could be it for Tazawa. Here we go. Ah, 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 ah. Foot of the night for me, Dan. Sent on off the top. Oh! oh! But Neville gets his knees up. And Neville... He's put him in position, and Neville doesn't normally go up in cruiserweight title matches anymore, but now he feels it's time for the red arrow. Which is one of the most beautiful moves if he hits it. Oh! Hits him on the back. One, two, three. Oh, my word. (sighs) Well, I hope it doesn't get any worse than this for us in the points, way. Yes. (laughs) Oh, and it looks like a first new champion. I wonder if that's going to be happening. Um, Nah, that's going to be the first championship to change hands and only one. Exactly. Uh, What did you think of the match? I thought it was a bloody good match. Certainly not appreciated by the fans in attendance. I think maybe it could have been on the main card. It was anywhere, you know, perhaps in between the title matches. Yeah, this is a problem, isn't it? With so much to cram in on the live shows. 
to, to be able to put this on there. And like with the fans like in attendance, it was as it did, did deserve to be on the main. Uh, another really impressive showing for a guy who came in in, like say, CWC, not a lot of build-up, and he stuck with the character and the gimmick, and, and it's, it's paying off for him. And it would be difficult now to... Well, it would be interesting to see what happens to him in the upcoming weeks. Rematch with Neville, what happens between those two, you know? Will anybody else be involved? But Neville walks out of SummerSlam as Cruiserweight Champion. Now, mark that match out of five, because uh, we are going to watch the rematch in a minute, so I want to see which um... match is better. So, yeah, we move on to the 22nd of August, 205 Live. Well, Neville and Akira Tozawa had their third title match. So the first match is Drew Gulak and Tony Nese versus Cedric Alexander and Gran Metallic. And it was a rematch from last week featuring all four men as well. Nice and Alexander used their quickness to string together several takedowns and pinning combinations to get this contest off to a good start. The crowd was silent when the bell rang, but it didn't take long for everyone to notice how good the action in the ring was. Well, Nice and Alexander exchanged a lot of insults during the match, which is a good indicator they will be working a singles feud for at least the next few weeks. It would also make sense for Gulak to target Metallic since the Luchador uses all the high-flying moves Gulak has been protesting in recent months. They were given just enough time to make this match fun without feeling rushed. Alexander picked up the win for his team with the lumbar check. Yeah, and a couple of notes. Nice is not doing himself any favours with his entrance promos. He needs something to set him apart from everyone else besides great abs. Well, you could hear the wrestlers calling spots out to each other too much due to the crowd being quiet at the beginning of the match. Well, Metallic's moonsault from the top rope to the floor was incredible. He was easily 15 feet in the air. At least 20 feet in the air. At least 165 foot. Well, Alexander is so good at making it sound like his strikes are hitting harder than anyone else's. Well, is it me or did Metallic look more like Sin Cara than usual during this match? Their outfits are almost too similar, but if they ever signed for a tag team, they would already be coordinated. Well, up next, we've got the Brian Kendrick versus Gentleman Jack Gallagher in a gentleman's duel. Well, Jack Gallagher came up first and talked about how people have been insulting him and calling him a joke since he got to the WWE, but he admitted there might be some truth to it. He said he had been too gentleman in the past and he planned on changing that perception by knocking out the Brian Kendrick. Well, the Wizard of Odd came onto the big screen and mocked both Gallagher and his idea of a duel. Even though it was his idea in the first place, he sent out a clown to fight Gallagher instead. So there's the fucking clown and he's out here. Jack Gallagher saying, what is this? Who is this clown coming out here? Is that who Kendrick thinks I am? And the clown squared all over Jack. Oh my word. Well, what? the clown took off his glove and slapped Jack Gallagher around the face. And then Gallagher headbutted the clown <laughs> straight out of his wig. And now he is coming down with really hard head kicks. And look at all these weapons. We've seen a duel before, of course, with Gallagher. But this time, is he going to pick up a kendo stick? No. He's going to pick up a lead pipe? No. no. He's going to pick up William, the umbrella. There we go. He's going to use the umbrella. And he's got a look on his face like he doesn't know what he's doing yet. Putting it, oh, my word. Taking everything off the table, and he's going to put the clown through the table. Oh, here we go. Here comes Jack. He's going to beat him over. Oh, Kendrick come from behind and hit Gallagher with William the Third. And look at this assault by Brian Kendrick. This is meant to be a duel. A gentleman's duel. My God. 
There's nothing gentlemanly about the way the Brian Kendrick is going about things. No. And he oh. power bombs Jack Gallagher through the table. And you can see Brian Kendrick there proposing a match next week with no disqualifications. But he's unconscious. Jack Gallagher is unconscious. And that is the end of the segment. Well, Dale, I think this was a decent way to push their feud forward for another week. And the crowd participate with various chants made it slightly more fun, I suppose. Yes, but it's interesting to see how a few changes can alter the way we see someone. Gallagher taping up his hands and losing his jacket and tie give him a completely different image. Well, I wonder which indie talent was under the clown makeup. Uh, maybe it was Doink. <laughs> well, at least Doink could take a headbutt and keep going. <clears throat> well, Rich one and TJP had a conversation about what happened last week. TJP claims he's actually injured and didn't mean to cost one the match. And we'll see what happens then as we move forward. But up next... It is the cruiserweight title on the line. Neville versus Tazawa. Yeah, this is the third cruiserweight title match we've seen in the past two weeks. But these two are versatile enough to keep the contest from being repetitive. He's in the early going, of course, a lock-up to start this. And the chops by Tazawa. I think Tazawa looks a bit more aggressive in the early going. And Neville trying to respond with chops. Uh, Nev- uh, Tazawa hitting a huge kick, which sends Neville... To the outside. So it looked like he's going to go for a suicide dive. But caught himself as Neville moved up the way and onto the apron. Now Tazawa trying to get Neville in the hard way. Oh. Oh, but Neville hangs up Tazawa on that injured left arm. He keeps targeting that arm. He targeted a lot in there in his uh, victory over Tazawa at SummerSlam. Which was only a couple of days ago. You know, this is how quick the rematch has come. For Tazawa, you know, Neville had six days. Tazawa's only had, well, you know, Tazawa wanted two days to try and get straight back on the horse, so to speak. Is that a mistake for Tazawa? Has he called it in too soon? Should he have waited? Um, well, you know, he, he might as well strike while the iron's hot. He, I think he let his guard down a bit too much for Neville, even though he did put in a performance against him at SummerSlam. You know, it's... Uh, I think he should be able to recompose himself and, that, and you know, not give Neville any chance to recover as well as himself. Yeah, I mean, this is the interesting thing. And the question asked is how injured is the arm that Neville is working over now? We've seen Tazawa struggling it, you know, the past few weeks. Will that come into effect? But Neville, again, seemed to have time to not only injure the opponent... But to gloat a bit as well. Yeah. And just working over the arm Tazawa... Not looking to pin him, just looking to hurt him. And I think, do you think it's got more personal now between these two men? It's not about the title anymore. No, you know, it is about injuring your opponent and trying to put him out. You know, in the space of eight days, each man has got a victory over the other. It'll be interesting to see who comes out on top and hear what is the rubber match between these two. Never with the knee to Tazawa's head, but only getting a one and a half. Yeah, and Tazara, he's, you know, he's doing well to keep himself in the match. He needs to shake some life back into that left arm. But yeah. again, you know, he doesn't really need to rely on it. He's really good with his feet. And once he goes up top and drops that big centre on you, it's all over. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? And we've seen how many weapons Tazara's got as he looks to be backing away now Neville. Neville sees big control. What I think is interesting in these matches is that we haven't seen Titus O'Neill do anything to be involved in here, is he? He's letting Tazara... No. Just do it himself. You know, if you're going to win a title, I mean, he goes to make sure he's all right now, but he's not getting actively involved, which is a bit strange for a manager. But then again, it is a baby face, isn't it? As Neville now working on the arm, picking up Tazawa. Tazawa going for the roll-up. Oh, 
Neville kicks out, uh. but gets caught with a huge forearms by Tazawa. Three and four, not responded. And oh! Both men running and rubbing off on top with a lovely drop kick, sending Tazawa to the outside. And Neville looking to go up top to injure his opponent the way that he was getting injured at SummerSlam. Well, that's Neville at his best, isn't it? You know, and he's scouting now. Tazawa, he's going to go after top high risk. Oh! Beautiful moonsault there. Landing on his feet, which you don't see often. Taking Tazawa down. I think he was aiming for the shoulder and pitched perfect there by Neville. Aim right now. And you see he's got the black tights. He's like the Neville of old. This match might be stopped. Referee's checking on him. Uh, I don't think Tazawa would like the match to be stopped. Oh, it's beautiful by Neville. We see the replay there. The greatest of ease. The king of the cruiserweights is in control of this one. And the, the difference between this match now and the one at SummerSlam is that Neville can go in and get the count-out victory and retain the cruiserweight title. He doesn't need to expend any energy. And Tyson in there. He's not helping him up, is he? He's, he's no, he's just trying to wheel him back into the ring, saying, come on, man, get into it. And Neville takes Tazawa to the outside. Oh, turns him inside out against that barricade. And Tazawa falling head first onto them wafer-thin mats. And Tazawa... If he wasn't in trouble, he definitely is now. Upside down. And now back into the ring. And Neville just taking his time. But this might be Neville's undoing. He's, he's stalking him, but he's taking too long in my books. And now Neville's going to look to go off the top. Oh! And there Tazawa, he seized his opportunity. He took out the top rope, crutched Neville, and Neville went crashing to the mat below. And this is why we call it high risk. And this is what the cruiserweights bring to it, high risk, high reward. And Neville, I don't know if that was clever of him going to the outside. Certainly not, no. Tazawa, he's psyching himself up. Ah! 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 But he's ah. only got one arm. How can he do it with one arm? He just go head first into his <laughs> opponent. Here he comes. Oh! Oh, but Neville getting up onto the ring apron, but getting met with a boot. And Tazawa kicking him back far enough so he could come through with that diving headbutt or the suicide dive. But it takes out Neville. I think out of all the suicide dives we see in WWE, I think Tazawa's is the best one. Yeah. It's just the way he goes back. I do it? like Grand Metallic, so where he springboards off the second rope straight to the outside. I think that oh, looks yeah. fantastic. But there, Tazawa. And Tazawa it, going, f- going for, for it again, again but yeah. Neville throwing him to the outside. Oh. Kicks him with a big boot. And now Neville's days at ringside. Oh! oh! And he flips himself off onto Neville. And now Tazawa might have the advantage. Throws Neville back in, going for the cover. One, two. Oh! But Neville managing to kick out. Tazawa uh, can't believe it. He can't put Neville down. Now, tell you what, this is the third match we've watched of these guys in recent times. And I'm not bored. It's, they're turning it up again. We've seen different sides. It looks like Tazawa might have slight, well, busted open his left eyebrow, a bit of blood there. The impact of the suicide dive. Neville trying to work the arm. Oh, Tazawa there with his kicks. Blocking everything Neville has in the duplex. Goes for the cover. Oh. oh. But again, Neville managing to kick out. Uh. But rolls himself into harm's way as he rolls towards that corner. Tazawa looking to go up top. He, try and hit <laughs> that senton bomb. He couldn't be in a worse position if he tried. But Tazawa still stumbling over himself. Oh. And Neville up too quickly and crutches Tazawa on top. He wants Tazawa to pull it out. Neville dropped right back down again. He only had the energy to stop Akira and nothing else. 
And now Neville. Oh, huge forearm. So hard. It's probably a five arm. He's going to take Tazara off the top. Tazara again trying to fight out to the ribs. How much of these can Neville take? Well, both men in a precarious position. But now it looks like Neville has won the duel on the top. But who will win the duel of the cruiserweight division here? Neville. Oh. Superplex. But Tazawa catches his leg too. He's got him. Oh. Wow. You know, Neville was the one who'd done that superplex. But Tazawa managed to tie him up, then hit him with a thunderous clothesline, turn Neville inside out. Well, I don't think Tazawa's got much more left to give. Well, both men, tremendous effort. Both men, though, giving it everything here on 205 Live. Neville, oh my God, slamming Tazawa. Face first down. <laughs> and Tazawa looks dazed. Neville's going to take advantage of that. Oh, oh, runs in and just kicks Neville straight in the face. Rolls him up to... Oh, but Tazawa managing to kick out. God knows how he can manage to stay in this match. Well, fair play to Tazawa there. Like you said, being knocked out. And maybe it was the way he was rolled. It was easier to get the uh, shoulder up. But Neville, it's frustrating. You don't see that a lot with Neville. Usually so calm. <laughs> he looks sick at the moment. And Titus O'Neil, he can't keep still. He's <laughs> Titus O'Neil. <laughs> oh. Just prancing around the ring edge there, trying to get his man back into it and regain the title that he lost but two days ago. I don't think it's working because you can see how weak the shots are from Tazawa. And well, that one certainly <laughs> wasn't weak because it knocked Neville off his feet. Maybe it was the last bit of power. Maybe it was the last bit of power Tazawa had and he's going to look to finish off Neville oh but runs into a big elbow from Neville but manages to roll him up two oh, oh. Neville manages to get his shoulder up at two two oh but Tazawa follows out with a big boot to Neville who's in the corner and Neville going for clothesline Tazawa dodges spinning heel kick misses the second one tries to go between the legs but Neville catches him oh my word Victor Saturn can he get it locked in? No. Tazawa rolls him up. Two. Oh. Oh, my word. Neville, Neville rolls through with a roll-up of his own. Oh, fucking hell. Tazawa with the kick out oh, as well. Oh, and oh. a kick out there. <laughs> what was that? Trouble, uh, trouble in paradise. Yeah, well, it was a kick out and a kick out. Oh. Oh, oh. Tazawa now to the top. Sent on time. Fans on their feet. New Cruiserweight champion. Oh, oh, but Neville wisely rolls towards the ring. To the edge of the ring. Oh. Are in the rings of Saturn. And there's uh, not much more Tazawa can do from this. No. But tap out. Uh, well, like you said, the shoulder was worked on. Nowhere to go. No choice. Uh, but... Again, a fantastic effort by both men. Brilliant effort, yeah. I mean, it it, it told a basic story in this match. The arm was worked on. It come back to haunt Tazawa. Uh, Neville looks back on point now. And, you know, with that victory, I'm sure Tazawa has to go to the back of the line. But what are your thoughts on the match? Uh, well, you know, I'm wondering what's up next for Neville. I mean, who can actually manage to dethrone the king of the cruiserweights now? I mean, Tazawa's... Been the only man to come close and actually beat the champion. But I thought that was a brilliant match. A lovely bit of back and forth. Um, I don't think it took anything away from Tazawa. 
No, I think the SummerSlam one did as opposed to... You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it took the title away. Well, he, shouldn't, <laughs> he shouldn't have won the title, you know. If he's going to win it, let him let it be a, a couple of months with it. What did you give SummerSlam match for uh, I gave that one a four out of five. Yeah, I gave that a four out of five. And um, what about this one? Four and a half. I, I would agree with you. So, yeah, I, we think... <laughs> We think, personally, this match... Shush, the king is speaking. We think this match was better. Oh, don't even fucking go there. Tell me <laughs> this is some sort of sick fucking joke. <laughs> well, we're watching our favourite show, 205 Live. <sighs> and who was just showing up, Dan? The look- most annoying cunt in <laughs> WWE history. It is the fucking dancing, prancing twat known as Enzo Amore. Yes, and that is going to be on a t-shirt by the end of the year. <laughs> How am I doing? Not so fucking good. What a reaction Enzo is getting coming out here. Wow. We never thought we'd see this. Just two days removed from SummerSlam. And Enzo, um, and Neville's expression tells it all. Really scared. <laughs> your face. So excited. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's just running off me. Wow, Dan, mic drop. The realest Neville, sh- drop him. The realest show in the room. Look at Neville's expression, says it all. He's like, what the fuck are you, you annoying cunt? Oh, Dan, how you doing, man? How you I'm doing? not doing so good, mate. I'm <laughs> no. not doing so good. <laughs> what a bombshell. Neville's- Neville just laughs and walks away. I he would, doesn't smirk. I would say he's smirking, yeah. No, I know, yeah, he laughs. He walks away. So that was a big surprise. Enzo Amore has come out and said he's part. Excuse me, but you can't do a mic drop and pick up the mic <laughs> yeah, again. No, no, that no, just yeah. defeats the object of doing a mic no, drop. No, that that's true. All right. So, Dan, what are your thoughts on the future of the Cruiserweight scene now? Well, at least I know Neville's going to be champion <laughs> for at least another match longer. Oh, God. Well, I tell you something about Neville. He's always consistent when focusing on a single body part. It's an old-school strategy we don't see enough of these days. Well, Titus O'Neil is officially a babyface. He seemed like he was trying to take advantage of Apollo Crews and Tazawa at first, but now he actually sounds like he cares about their success. Well, Tazawa has hit one of the best straight right hands I have seen at one point. Well, a more round 205 Live, Dan, even though you don't like it, is going to make things a lot more interesting in the coming weeks. Annoying. <laughs> into interesting then yeah his promo ability will force everyone to rise to his level or get left behind and everyone else can help him improve in the ring everybody else can help him improve in the ring we move on to 205 Live the 29th of August last week's 205 debut of Enzo Amore mm. in the Cruiserweight division and it might have been the best moment in WWE history no, look Enzo is an entertaining personality but he was struggling after his split from Big Cass with a seven-foot superstar out, there was nothing left for Amore to do on Raw. His first match in the division happened on Raw, but he made his 205 Live in-ring debut this week in his six-man tag team match, and were also treated to a no-disqualification match between Lee Brian Kendrick and Jack Gallagher. And that is the first match we are going to watch, and we saw Gallagher put through the table last week. He's come out of here, they're not in his rainbow pants, Dan, has he? No, he looks uh, a lot more serious. He's dressed like a gentleman in his white trousers, shoes and shirt. Well, here we go. Gallagher has been disrespected for weeks, Dan. And now it's finally going to happen. Kendrick saying, look, this is me. Gallagher seems nonplussed. 
And the thing is, well, Gallagher wearing normal clothes attire makes it easier to take him seriously as a dangerous man, as we see with the uppercuts in the early going. But Kendrick's already got, oh, William the Third. But Gallagher catching with a headbutt, and that's one of my favourite moves in the entire WWE, the headbutt of Jack Gallagher. Oh. Well, he's already bent over. Well, that must be William the Fourth, because William the Third got bent last week on 205 Live, and he just tosses William's carcass over the top rope. Kendrick went to the outside to get out of the way of Gallagher, and here comes Jackie Boy. Oh! Running drop kick sends uh, Kendrick over the barricade into the fans. Slow motion replay. Beautiful by Jack, and they are both in the crowd now. Proper attitude era brawl. No disqualifications. Anything goes. And an uppercut sending Kendrick into the fans. Actually fighting over the chairs and everything. It's quite good. Oh, <laughs> into the equipment. This is a pure brawl. This is a slobber knock. Oh, Gallagher throws a case at Kendrick and it lands at the feet of one of the spectators. And now Kendrick. Oh, Irish whipped into the steel barricade there. Right near the stage. And Gallagher seems to be loving this. Well, it's a bit of revenge for Gallagher, who got taken out from behind last week on 205 Live. You're he right. was distracted by a clown. You're right about that. That fucking clown got in the way. And Gallagher now bringing Kendrick back up towards the ring in complete control. Listen, this is, we've talked about it for many weeks now. The completely different side of Jack Gallagher. This is something he needed. Don't get me wrong, I love the baby face, Jack, like we saw. But if he wants to be taken serious in WWE, you've got to play all the uh, the palette, so to speak. Kendrick rolls that away. Ooh. Oh, but baseball slide sends Kendrick crashing into the announce table. The Gallagher's just sitting on the ring edge and just observing his handiwork. Corey Gray's moving out of the way as Jack throws Kendrick onto the table and mounts him while laying right hands into his head. He does, and Gallagher now in complete control, standing on the announce table. He could do what he wants with Brian Kendrick. Oh, Gallagher's rearranging some furniture on the announce table. Oh! But as he was distracted by that, Kendrick managed to, manages to get a kendo stick from under the apron and uh, rams it into Jack. Oh! That's how you get a reaction. And now Kendrick's got Gallagher's head, and he's ramming it into the stairs. That head's got absolutely no protection there, Dan. He does. He's got the foot. Oh! Oh, and he goes straight to Gallagher's midsection with that long pole he's got in his hand. Gallagher's unprotected, isn't he? You know, no protection. Oh, he's been busted wide open as well. Told you, got fucked right in the head, Dan. Gallagher's got a big gash. He has huge gash dripping down. Pure street fight. Referee had to put gloves on. He said, I'm not getting involved in this. And what a wild brawl it's been. But alas, PG era means referee has to kind of well, the doctor has to get involved to stop the bleeding. And this is... Well, how did the uh, the gash on his head happen, Dan? Kendrick was making Gallagher eat ring steps. He really was. Smashed his head right in there. You can see the huge cut. I don't know if he's going to be able to stop the bleeding. And this is a shame because this has been quite an enjoyable match. We can finally get on with it. And Kendrick now looking for the bell end. And he's going to go in there with it. He's got his hands on the announcer's bell. He has. He's got the bell. He's going to use it. If he thought Gallagher's head was bad earlier, you wait till he gets head now. Kendrick's going to put him down. Oh! DDT head first for Gallagher onto the... And we heard it as well. We heard the ding. And now he's got Captain's hook. With a kendo stick across Gallagher's face. 
And it looks like Gallagher's out of it. The referee's oh stopping the match. My God. And we thought Gallagher was a man who meant business. Kendrick came in here and he was a man with a plan. He was. I mean, fantastic by Brian Kendrick there. Showing his aggressive side. Shocking us all. Even a crowd can't believe what we've seen. I mean, this Brian Kendrick is the one that won the Cruiserweight title. This Brian Kendrick is the one we've been waiting to see for so long. And now he proves his point. And what can you say? What do you think of the match? It was quite a good match, to be fair. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, the match didn't slow down until Jack Gallagher got busted open. Then I think, you know, that's when it kind of ground to a halt, really. It did. And then they just went straight to the finish, didn't they? But um, up until that point, it was entertaining. I'm quite shocked that Gallagher's lost this one. But maybe it means it's not the end of the feud. Maybe Kendrick's got a few more lessons to teach. Uh, anyway, we move on. Next match is Rich Swan versus Aria Davari. Yeah, and uh, Swan challenged Davari to this rematch after the Persian Lion defeated him two weeks ago thanks to a distraction from TJP. Swan's frenemy sat with the commentary team and claimed his issues with Swan were all in the past. He cheered Swan on, but still made sure to mention how much better he was than the dancing machine. Davari tried to steal one of TJP's crutches to use as a weapon, but TJP stopped him and Swan was able to win with a simple roll-up. Well, Davari attacked TJP after the match, which forced TJP to reveal his injury was fake the whole time as he took Davari's mark brand of f- offence. The match itself was average, but the reveal at the end was a nice addition to the story he and Swan had been telling for the past couple of months. Yes, and Davari continued to pay homage to great Iranian wrestlers this week. Yeah, and TJP faking his injury was a great heel move. We don't see stuff like that as much as we used to. Yes, and an episode of 205 Live without a Neville promo doesn't feel right. No, and the main event was, which we're not going to watch because <laughs> I know how much you hate the Enzo. The main event is Gulak, Nice and Dar versus Amore, Alexander and Metallic. It was great to see these competitors in the main event, especially considering how poorly used most of them have been since the inception of the cruiserweight division. And you would have to agree with that, wouldn't you? Metallic's not been used right. Uh, Gulak's been a bit weird. You've got Tony Nice, and of course Nantar, probably the most underrated guy in the nation. Uh, we know all. We know Amore isn't the best wrestler in the world. Yeah. His strength is in his ability to cut a promo, but he faltered a little in that department this week. Well, this was a relatively basic six-man match. The high flyers were given a chance to show off their skills, but this was all about putting Enzo over as a real competitor in the division. <laughs> Win for his team with a roll-up to Nice. Well, Enzo trying to give his partners a pep talk backstage was kind of funny. Oh. But not as funny as a segment involving Enzo should have been. Well, Gulak didn't have, didn't have his usual megaphone or picket sign with him this week. Maybe he's just dropping that part of the gimmick. There must be a special store where Enzo shops for the ugliest clothes in the world. He looks like a complete twat. But saying that, though, Enzo's move to 205 Live has helped to freshen things up a little. But the cruiserweight division needs more than one trash talker to fix its problems. The issue with the programme is how WWE books it in comparison to the rest of the divisions. The storylines are weak and the matches are repetitive, which is bound to happen, feature a roughly a dozen superstars. Well, Neville and a few others have been amazing, and that is certainly not including Enzo Amore. <laughs> but a handful of people can only do so much when management is limiting their opportunities. Most of the characters are ill-defined and there is almost no interaction with the rest of the roster. Still less than a year old, so there is still hope for improvement. 
let's take a look at everything that happened on this week's 205 Live. Yeah, so September the 5th edition of 205 Live. So the first match of the night was Hill versus Hill pairing with TJP going up against Aria Davari. This was supposed to be Davari's chance to get revenge after TJP cost him a win over Rich Swan last week. There has been some confusion over whether TJP is a heel or a villain for the few, for a few weeks. But faking a knee injury put that debate to rest. The crowd had no idea who to cheer for, so it was quiet for most of the match. The only time the fans came alive was when TJP would hit one of his more exciting manoeuvres. TJP picked up a predictable victory with his trademark detonation kick. Swan challenged him to a singles match next week, but didn't use a mic, so the crowd likely had no idea. <laughs> Davari and TJP didn't make any major mistakes, but this was a forgettable contest with no real consequences for the winner or loser. Yeah, and with Corey Graves taking over for JBL on SmackDown, like we said, Nigel McGuinness has taken his place on commentary for 205 Live. Vic Joseph might be able to get through a whole show without having his intelligence salted for once, you stupid cunt. Well, Swan joined the announcers to watch his former friend, but instead of sitting next to them, Swan actually sat on top of the announce table. And poor Davari, he probably feels like he's never going to get a push. Oh well, next match. Uh, next match was Akira Tozawa versus Drew Gulak. And Drew Gulak came out and gave a PowerPoint presentation about how to make 205 Live better. Get rid of Enzo Amore. <laughs> but Akira Tozawa interrupted him before he could get to the third slide. This is the first time we've seen Tozawa since he lost the Cruiserweight Championship back to Neville. Titus O'Neill was nowhere to be seen, but the announcers mentioned how he was still part of the stable. Gulak was portrayed as a vicious master of submission wrestling during the Cruiserweight Classic, but he's been turned into a joke thanks to some goofy gimmick. Yeah, but we saw some aggression from him during this match, but Tazawa controlled the majority of the action and secured the victory with a flying senton. A more vocal during this match because Tazawa has gained a lot of fans in recent months. But the contest was nothing to write home about. Well, Gulak brought back his megaphone for this match. Yay. Well, it's surprising how Captain Underpants caught on as a nickname for Gulak. Well, Gulak looks so much tougher with beard and bus cut. Now he looks like a local politician who hates his job. So the main event. We are going to have another one of these. I think this is the third one. A five-way elimination match for the number one contendership for the Cruiserweight title. Who will face Neville... Will it be one of these five men? Will it be Enzo Amore, Dan? No. Will it be Cedric Alexander? Tony Nice? Will it be Brian Kendrick? Boom. Or Grand Metallic? 3-11, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you want to win this one, Dan? Uh, anyone but Amore. <laughs> Anybody but Amore. Well, Enzo goes out of the ring because it looks like the four were going to beat him down. So he so deserves to be beaten down. Yeah, so. Well, here's a strange statistic for you, James. Mm-hmm. Out of the three fatal five-way matches we have seen on 205 Live, there isn't a single superstar who has competed in all three. That is very interesting as the action has started now. And oh my word, this is going to be a great match. Well, Alexander <laughs> f- tossed Matalik <laughs> over his head into Nice and Kendrick taking both men out. And these two have formed... Some kind of alliance, but seeing as though there are only two in the ring, they're going to fight it out. And this is what we like to see here on 205 Live. Well, we don't like to see people being a right bitch and standing on the outside for the duration of the match, because that just fucking winds me up. Is is Enzo just taking his time? Is he being clever about this? He's not clever. He's a stupid fuck. He's a stupid idiot. And now Cedric Alexander diving the ropes. Metallic with the leapfrog. 
And that's a handspring dive there by Metallic, but Alexander saw it coming. Oh, there's a takedown attempt, but Alexander just flipped straight over onto his feet. And these two men are certainly putting on a spectacle for us. Oh, look at that. Metallic just riding the rope. Oh, and coming off and hitting a lovely seated drop kick there to Alexander. And Cedric in a little bit of trouble. Oh, that's nice. Well, he pulls oh. Metallic out of the ring and just drags him straight to the wafer thin mats below. Oh, super power there. Looks like a heavyweight. Fights like a cruiserweight. And now it's going to be Alexander and Nice to go one-on-one in this five-way. <laughs> and Enzo's still outside. I wonder if Enzo will get involved. Brian Kendrick now sneaking in. Oh, but Enzo sneaking in himself and dragging Kendrick off the mat. Well, Enzo saying he just wants to watch the Alexander Nice match. You know, get out of the way, Kendrick. Let these two go for it. I'll be pissed off if he was still in front of me. I'd have to throw something at the cunt's head. <laughs> and now chops by Nice. Alexander trying to respond with a kick, but Tony showed his strength there. And Cedric softening with the elbow. Oh, beautiful nip up by Nice. With some punches and kicks. <laughs> but Alexander there with just an impressive feat of skill. Rolls through and takes Nice down and nips up himself. My God, I think we've seen more nips and flips in this episode, uh, in this match, than we have in the past few months here. This is what the Cruiserweight division is all about. And Enzo Amore. Alexander with a huge top chop, sending Nice back. I was going to say, and Alexander working over Nice in the corner. And now he's going to look to run in, building ahead of momentum as Neville looks on backstage. Nice throws Alexander to the eighth and Alexander responds. A beautiful kick. Nips onto the top right but gets caught by Nice. Oh. It delivers a GTS to the midsection there. <laughs> and now Alexander rolls to the outside next to Byron, Byron Kendrick. <laughs> Byron. <laughs> oh, Enzo's in. Going to pin Nice. Oh. That's it, Kendrick. Punch him in the face. <laughs> well, Kendrick punched him when he got rolled out. Hey. Suplexed onto the fucking mathic. He should have pulled him back and exposed the concrete. All right, easy, Tiger. Enzo gets thrown back in. Is he going to be the first man eliminated in this match? Two. Oh, oh. the referee counted far too slow. Oh, who is it? Jess Carr in there, for God's sake. And Nice looking to work. Over his neck. <laughs> Enzo down. Welcome to 205 Live. Bang. Now needs to go for the net breaker. But I tell you something, Dan. WWE should have a few cruiserweights pull double duty in NXT, shouldn't they? Uh, most definitely, yeah. Guys such as Alexander, Nisa, Metallic would help give depth to the title scene and give them a chance to connect more with the fans. And now Nice going to look to put Enzo More's way. Enzo More away. Kendrick and Alexander fight on the outside. And Enzo, has he... Hit an offensive move in this one yet? I don't believe he has. As oh, gets his shoulder up. And his wardrobe is as almost as awful as his fucking hair and beard. Oh, now Brian Kendrick going to suplex Nice. Uh, going to suplex Enzo. It looks like Nice going to team up on him as well. Yeah, go on. But look at this, Dad. This must be music to your ears. Oh, it is. It's a beautiful sight seeing two great wrestlers in there and Kendrick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, not. you're nice to Enzo. As Kendrick and Nice beating down Enzo Moro. Double Irish rip to the corner. Oh, offensive move. Head scissors by Enzo. Right hand to Kendrick. Right hand to Nice. Back out. Oh, another offensive move. He's got two moves. He's going for the punt. Oh. Nowhere near as good as Orton's. 
It's good. You're not, though. You're not good at wrestling. You always call him a punt. I'll call him a cunt. Oh, right, yeah, I get you. And Enzo now looking to put Nice away. Going to pitch her up. Go on, Kendrick. Kick his oh! fucking double <laughs> super kick on him. Have some of that, you little annoying bastard. And uh, now Alexander Metallic springboarding in. Oh! Jewel flight there. And now back to some proper wrestling with these four good wrestlers. Yeah. Oh, Metallic with a super kick to Alexander. Bounce off the ropes. Oh! Gets turned inside out by Alexander. and Brilliant there. See, that's what wrestling's all about. <laughs> Not putting your hands together as if you're a fucking footballer. What kind of cunt is he? Well, I, I, this is... This is the, the, the four guys here putting on a hell of a show. And then Enzo spoiling it. Yeah. See, this is what 205 Live should be about. Not fucking bellends that can talk on a mic and have only got fucking catchphrases. And you can't teach that, Dan. You know, you can't teach the talent that goes in, you know. Alexander, one of the most talented guys, got wasted with the uh, Noam Dar and... Alicia Fox. That's it. What's her name? <laughs> yeah, but I've forgot, even forgotten her now, you know. Anyway, Alexander to the top gets stopped by Nice, which wasn't nice. And now 3-11 boy and Kendrick in there. Who will face Neville? I mean, whoever goes out least for will be an interesting matchup. We wouldn't have seen it before. Four of these guys certainly deserve a chance. Yeah. And now, I mean, Kendrick deserves another chance against Neville. And now Kendrick, and speaking of which, Kendrick and Nice are up. Oh, going for a double superplex. But um, what's Metallic doing? What is Metallic doing on the top rope? No. He's going over it. Sunset flip. Oh! <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and Alexander's selling that like a good one. Yeah. Kendrick has got hurt, but Alexander was on the end of that. He rolls out. Yeah, good night, son. Oh, they're putting it all on the line here tonight, Dan, aren't they? The chance at the Cruiserweight champion. Yes, these four guys are. They really are. Look at that kind of... Well, it's a Tower of Doom, isn't it, with Metallic? It is. That was... A thing of beauty, and it is what 205 Live should be about. Oh, my word. I think we should just have, like, two really long matches, you know, good long matches as opposed to three short ones, you know, one really... It's like, like the argument with what we saw in Raw, wasn't it, you know? With Bret Hart and 3 Kid have a match of that quality as Enzo goes to the outside. So suicide, suicide dive. dive. But gets caught by <laughs> Neeson Kendrick and gets planted on the announce table. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Oh, and they're teeing up moves for each other as well. Yeah, I don't, they don't make a bad tag today. Can Nice? Nah, they work really well together. The long hair and beard combos. And Kendrick coming and off. Talking of long hair and beards, <laughs> yeah. we've got Neville looking on backstage, looking at his uh, next challenger. Not that one there though. He's he's out of the picture. But what's interesting, Brian Kendrick coming off a big victory against Jack Gallagher last week on Two Five Live. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and Enzo gets thrown. Over the announce table, straight into the barricade behind and gets pinned by a chair. <laughs> the chair is the number one contender. No. <laughs> and now Nice and Kendrick, they're going to slug it out or they're going to eliminate everyone and then see who's the best of these two guys. Well, I think that's what Kendrick's saying. You know, like you talked about, he is a man with a plan. And oh, oh and his plan was to attack Nice from behind. <laughs> Oh, oh, but Metallic springboarding off the second rope to the outside and taking out Kendrick. I think this man escaped most of that. 
Beautiful looking move. Oh, oh and then gets turned inside out by a nice elbow. Oh, here we go. Metallic set up in the corner. And we've seen Nice use these running knees before. Nice is going to use these knees. It's not going to be nice. Oh, but gets caught by Cedric Alexander. Oh! Lumbar check. And that is it. One, two, three. <laughs> Good night, Tony Nice. My word. Oh, my. Oh, my. And Alexander saying to Nice, be done with you. I'll finish for you now. Nice, I'm coming for you, brother. Uh, well, Metallic's saying to himself, I thought I was out of this. <laughs> like, you saved me, Cedric. Oh, no, you saved him. And he's going to go for the cover. Oh! oh but the 311 boy manages to stay out, stay in the match and kick out. Uh-huh. And for a second time as well. Right. Rich one taking off his elbow pads. Alexander can't believe it. He can't believe that Metallic will not go down. Maybe he means business now. He's taking the elbow pads off. He's trying to pick up Metallic. Oh, but Kendrick comes in, flips him over, looking for the captain's hook. But Alexander ducks it. Oh, a lovely... Sp- wow, it's kind of like an inseguri. A handspring inseguri, but Metallic picks up Alexander, looks to put away maybe... Oh, but Alexander with a backslide gets caught with an elbow. Goes oh. for a handspring, but catches him. Lumbar oh. check to Metallic. Bye, Metallic. One, two, <laughs> three. Wow, the second person Alexander has eliminated. He's on fire, baby, at the moment. It's not looking good because Enzo Moray is in one of the last three. <laughs> At least Enzo got smashed up, though, against the table. But you're right, only three men left. And Kendrick now. Oh, my Slice word. Slice spread number one, two. Oh. oh. Alexander managing to kick out. Oh. Uh, gets straight into the captain's hook. Oh, no. Alexander struggling to reach that bottom rope. Get that rope. Come Get on. Him. Oh. I thought he's tapped out then. Rolls through, gets cover one, two. Ooh. Oh, but Kendrick managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Oh, and now Lumbar Alexander. Lumbar check now. Lumbar check. Oh. And now he's got the captain's hooking in the middle of the ring this time. Yeah, Alexander. What can you do? Can you struggle? Can you fight it? And Alexander struggling. Oh, no. He's making himself not tap. Oh. Gets to the bottom rope. But the question is, Dan... Has the damage been done? Exactly. How much has been taken out of Cedric Alexander's? Both men roll to the outside. And Enzo getting his chance after hitting three offensive moves in this one. He's going to get a chance to recover. Here comes Kendrick. Oh! Oh, Looking to take Alexander out, but Kendrick gets dumped on the ring apron instead. Lumbar check. Boom! Hits his mark and Kendrick flies off it. One, two, three. Yes! Alexander no, has pinned the third person. He's Enzo. cheating, ref. Ref. Oh. ref, he had his trunks, ref. <laughs> Enzo Amore upsets Alexander. And me. <laughs> Unbelievable here. Cheats his way to victory. <laughs> Molests a little child. No, he was just after victory. He was celebrating with him. Come on now. Well, he didn't go to any adults in the crowd. Just goes to the little child in the front row. The only little child okay, in the front well, row. Well, the, the important thing is here. Alexander looked like a killer. Enzo had to cheat. And uh, he does face Neville. But, I mean, what an ending to that there. I mean, I went, the, re, the Kendrick taking a lumbar check was a thing of beauty. Here we go. Let's see, Kendrick. And boing. <laughs> That was probably one of the best <laughs> lumbar checks I've seen. It was. Alexander was fantastic in an Enzo at the end. But Dan, what do you think of the match? I thought it was great until the end. 
Honestly, I thought it was a brilliant fucking match. And then, look, he goes and celebrates with more kids. Like, Dan, Dan, we're just talking about the match, though. It was great. The four-man Tower of Doom was awesome. And I think there's a particular bit you enjoyed as well, wasn't it? Yes, but then they got thrown into the announce table and then thrown over the announce <laughs> table. But... You know, I enjoyed majority of this match apart from that end bit there where Enzo cheated. He's supposed to be a face and he cheated. Well, the really interesting thing as well is that Enzo's come across here and it's almost like WWE and 205 are saying, look, you're not as good as these guys. You know, you're not in Alexander's level. You're lucky to get the pin. And what chance has he got going to the Neville level then? You know, so that... Oh, no chance whatsoever. No, but Alexander, great performance by him. But Enzo does get the victory. And we move on to our next episode of 205 Live. So we've got two episodes of 205 Live left. And we start episode 42. And it was Tuesday the 12th of September. Yeah, so episode 42. And with three title matches and appearance of Vincent Mann on SmackDown and the finale of the May Young Classic, it would be easy for anyone to forget about 205 Live this week. Well, Tuesday's show was a little shorter than usual due to the NYC airing immediately after SmackDown. But the two matches we got from the Cruiserweight division were worth what Rich Swan and TJP have been going back and forth in their, feud, in their friendly feud in recent weeks. And they agreed to sell everything with one final match. Well, in addition to the main event with Cedric Alexander and the Brian Kendrick, we also got a surprise visit from Bree Zango during a promo of Drew Gulak. So let's take a look. Everything that happened on 205 Live. Well, starting off with the action from TJP versus Rich Swan. Well, Swan and TJP would have been the main event only other week, but due to the length and relevancy of the storyline, this opened 205 Live instead. Well, this has been a strange storyline because TJP hasn't been playing the typical hill. He kept pushing Swan's buttons, but also seemed to want to keep their friendship alive. I know, it's been really weird. And like, what TJ, you, you're a huge fan of TJP, aren't you? Well, I'm slightly going down on him because... <laughs> you're slightly going down on him? Well, you know, I'm slightly going... You know, not only because of his dabbing, I could have put up with that, but it's his flip-flopping backwards and forwards, whether he's a face, whether he's a heel, whether he's this, whether he's that. I think he just find, should find what works for him, and I think it's more babyface route. And stick to that. You think he'd be better with a baby face as opposed yeah. to this kind of thing here? Well, I don't know. If he's going to be a heel, then he could play a good cocky heel. Well, this is the thing, is it? And we haven't had that definition yet, even in this, have we? It's kind of friendly rivalry. Rivalry, and like, he's been doing a couple of heelish things. But even now, in the early going of this, I mean, just explain what we've seen here. It's not a heel versus face, is it, you know? No, it seems like it's face versus face. You know, both men going for the cheeky little roll-ups, uh trying to out-wrestle each other, because we know both of these men can work in the ring. Yeah, of course. Now it looks like Swan's going to go flying. Oh, my word. Here comes Swan. Leaps over the top and then oh. flips off the apron and lands on his feet rather impressively. Yeah, Swan is a great athlete. We've seen former Cruiserweight champion, the same as TJP, and they're both men trying to one-up each other. Well, TJP is the first yes, Cruiserweight should. champion. Yeah, we should, we, we should <laughs> say yes. All right, all right. Yes, TJP was the first Cruiserweight champion, but he isn't no more. He needs to kind of, I think, need to get a victory in this to work his way back up the rating system as it was in uh, 205. It's kind of weird recently. Swan and Perkins, who were kind of mingling in the top tier, back to now last week with Metallic and uh, Enzo and all these other people, <laughs> Cedric Alexander involved in the main events. It's quite a good turnaround, isn't it? You know, um, It's good that you know, they don't just focus on... 
Sorry, my bad. They don't just focus on like you know one rivalry, one you know one feud, and that they they change it all up. You know, it's you're not always seeing Neville the champion in your face either. Yes, I, I think that's good, and I think these talent can have um, long and interesting matches and feuds as we've seen it when given a bit of time and hopefully now with maybe like we say 25 I've been a bit shorter with just two matches hopefully we'll see more um, quality involved we know Perkins and Swan can deliver oh wow looks like TJP was going for the detonation kick but Swan managed to squirm out of it get up onto the top ropes TJP kicked his leg out and both men are now down trying to catch their breath. Yeah, and Perkins trying to capitalise on that to corner. And we know how well these guys know each other, the kind of chemistry between these two. Perkins might be one step ahead at the moment of Rich Swan. Now Perkins, Irish whip Swan. Oh, oh but follows him up closely and a big back elbow knocks him down, goes for the cover. Oh. But Swan managing to kick out. Ah. TJP going to go to the back of submission. We know how technical he is. Anybody that's never seen TJP before... He's not just a high fly. He's got this kind of nasty side that we haven't seen enough. Like we talk about Cocky Hill. He could bring that out in space then, couldn't he? You know, that kind of test, technical aspect of him. But at the moment, you see his look as well. It's a bit heelish, I suppose. Swan's trying to fight back. Well, I think it was quite heelish in putting his face on uh, his foot on Swan's face and spinning it round. Yeah. Now Perk's Irish with Swan in the corner. Oh, but... Runs in towards Swan for a big splash. Swan puts his foot up. And now the momentum has changed back in Swan's favour. Goes for a cover, but Perkins getting a shoulder up at two. Two, and I think that wasn't trying to get a win. I think it was just trying to exert some energy for TJP. Swan's been down the past couple of minutes, just trying to build back up. And a high elevation there for TJP. And Joss follows up with a drop kick and goes for the cover, but only getting another two count. Two. And now Perkins back in the submission. But Swan... He's trying to stop this kind of wear down by Perkins. He's got the submission in. He got out of it. But as soon as he does, he gets stopped by TJP. Yes, with a big knee to the midsection. And he's taking all the breath away from Rich Swan. Slowly wind. wind oh, oh, my God. Drops Swan on the back of his head. Oh, Goes I... for the cover. Oh, but Swan manages to kick out. Ah, but I, I don't think that was right. I think maybe Swan is meant to land on his feet. He's, too, he's elevated too high up. Perkins now. With a helo over the top rope, a la Eddie Guerrero. Swan a little bit of trouble going for the pin again, but can only get, I think, one count there. One. Let's have another look at this. Yeah, I think you're, I think, I think you're right. I think, I think Swan was trying to land on his feet here. And it got caught. And there's the type of moves. That's the type of things that can seriously injure you when you don't, obviously don't mean to. Just trying to get around. Well, even the best wrestlers... Uh have their moments sometimes. Yeah, of course. You know, Shawn Michaels injured his back for four years on a casket, you know. So, yeah. we talk about weird incidents like this in wrestling. Per- well, I kind of noticed as we had a close-up on the ropes as well, they've been taped over. Oh, yeah. Why? Ready for the May Young Classic. Or May Young Classic just happened. I don't know. That. It's just a blur, isn't it, with the amount of WWE content we're catching up with. What we're trying to work out now, who's going to win this, Kins? Oh, there you go. Goes for the backdrop again, <laughs> but this time Swan lands on his feet. Perkins catches his foot, Swan nips up and delivers a clothesline and a spinning heel kick, followed by a second and third. Oh, beautiful by Rich Swan trying to build momentum. Oh, that's an innovative. I can't want innovative. Word. Yes, this is a kick that was, Dan. You're right. <laughs> Try it. I don't even know why I bother. That word's going to get thrown away. And now Swan. Significance. <laughs> Swan trying to pick Perkins up. Is he going to go 
for a butterfly suplex. What? Butterfly suplex. Oh, but Perkins managing to power out, lifting Swan up, but Swan reverses the momentum. Oh. oh, but Perkins reverses it again and the head scissors take down. Swan goes to Perkins. Perkins using the second rope. Oh. Lovely springboard off delivers a back elbow to Swan. Now both men are down. Now who's going to get off first? Who's going to seize the advantage in this one? Carpe diem. Exactly. I mean, today is to do, Dan. Whoever wants this victory, just go forward. Perkins has to use the ropes to get back to his feet. Here comes Swanny Boy. Oh. Well, both men are looking a bit worse for wear. Oh! And they're certainly a bit more worse for wear <laughs> as they deliver double or stereo big boots to each other and then stereo hey! right hands hey! and then stereo kicks to the head as well. I mean, three <laughs> moves on each other at the same time, James. You're That's, in your element. This is the match of the year. <laughs> <laughs> now, fantastic there by each guy. It's just showing how well they know each other. As you see, replay, that's fantastic. Whoop, whoop, bang! Whoops, upside your head. Grabs which Rich Swan's hair. Both men have got each other's hair. Both getting to the feet. Too close to the referee, maybe. No, Perkins! Oh, had Swan up on his shoulders for a detonation kick, but Swan rolls through. Oh. Looking for a pinning combination, but Perkins too wise for that. Oh, Rich Swan go for the rich kick, gets caught by TJP. Oh, gets caught in a TJP leg bar or clutch or whatever he calls it nowadays. And Swan, I don't think Perkins has got all of it in. And Swan's struggling to get to the bottom rope. <coughs> Perkins turns him round. Oh, folds him up like an accordion. Going for the pin. Oh, Swan managing to kick out. Ah. I don't think TJP can believe he didn't put Swan down then. But we know how tough Rich Swan is. Come on now. Come on now. Perkins. Going to try and finish this. Kick to the leg of Swan. TJP is getting told off by the referee, which led for Swan to get back into things and delivers a right hand to Perkins, rocking him. But again, Perkins going up for attempted detonation kick, but Swan rolls him up into a pin in the attempt. TJP reverses it. Oh, rich kick. Perkins is out on his feet. Rich Swan looking to finish this. Puts him down. Swan gets the... No! I thought Swan had the victory then, but Perkins managing to kick out. Ah. I don't think Swan can believe it. Now he's going to the top. I wonder what he's going to try. He's going to try and finish TJP, for starters. He's going to go for the Phoenix Splash. Yes! It. One, two, That's it. three. Beautiful. And it is all over. Well, fair play to Rich Swan there. Fantastic move. Splash. Beating Perkins and finally getting one up him after weeks of you know being behind. Swan saying, there you go. Dan, what do you think of the match? I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, it's uh, it's been one of the most entertaining matches I've seen for a while on 205 Live. And yeah, they certainly had enough time to uh, to make it a match worth watching as well, yeah. you know, to make it a match. Two good friends, they both knew each other very well, the way they managed to scout each other out. A good bit of back and forth. Yeah, you know, this you couldn't ask for anything more in a match. Yeah, no, it was really, really good and it slowly built. I think a couple of times they tried the moves again, but that's why they have a bit of time. But now the interesting thing is, is TJP going to be a sore loser like he was a sore winner? Are they going to shake hands? Oh, and Swan going to go for the handshake, but Perkins rejects. Well, he was kind of rejecting. Swan went to walk out, but Perkins, in the end, begrudgingly shakes the hand of the yes, victor. and that's what you want to see there. Bit of respect, Perkins. Wasn't your day today? But still, made uh, it was a fantastic match. Like I say, can't take anything away.
Was Swan wearing a pink members-only jacket? Nigel McGuinness is great on commentary, but he needs to decide if he's going to be a heel announcer or not. Oh, I'll do the next bit. The series of strikes that they kept hitting each other with at the same time. <laughs> this was fucking awesome, damn. Guys, I knew you'd like that. <laughs> oh, and up next, you're going to like this even more, because the fashion police make an arrest. Dan, tell me more. Well, Drew Gulak came out to challenge Akira Tozawa to a rematch. But since the Japanese wasn't there, he decided to go through the rest of his PowerPoint presentation from last week. He only got through three slides before he was interrupted by Tyler Breeze and Fandango. They continued Enzo Amore's joke of calling Gulak Captain Underpants. They ended up putting Gulak in a pair of furry handcuffs and dragging him away after a brief chase around the ring. This was nothing but ridiculousness, but Breeze and Fandango made it entertaining with their decision dedication to the gimmick. You're damn right about that. And this is what the division needs. Interaction with superstars from Raw and SmackDown will keep 205 Live from feeling like a completely different product. I mean, how did Gulak keep a straight face when Fandango is brushing his face against his? It was funny and awkward at the same time. Do you know, Breeze and Fandango need to start wrestling more. Their fashion police segments have been great, but only get them so far. And they've got the talent in the ring to succeed. But we move on to the main event, which is, Dan? Well, they've got talent in the ring to suck something, and it's not seed. Main event, Dan? Main event, Dan? You main event, Dan? The Brian Kendrick against Rich Swan. Um, Cedric Alexander. <laughs> Brian Kendrick versus Cedric Alexander. How did this match get set up? Well, Kendrick and Alexander had a brief confrontation backstage to set. It was clear the former still had his sights set on Jack Gallagher. Kendrick's veteran experience gave him the edge, but Alexander's agility would be hard for anyone to combat. So, and like we said, due to the May Young Classic finale, this week's 205 Live only had two matches, so this is the main event. This could be interesting. Cedric Alexander last week, Dan, he was on fire in that fatal five-way, uh, sorry, that five-way elimination match, wasn't he? He got... I don't know how many fucking eliminations he got. Three? I think it was three, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course it was. Yeah, it was three eliminations. And then, of course, Enzo getting the cheeky roll-up. I'll try to rub that from my memory. (laughs) Thanks. So, Enzo, of course, is, like I say, number one contender. And Alexander, though, had a great show last week. And what can he do tonight against Brian Kendrick, a man who has been the Cruiserweight champion. And Kendrick starting off strong. He's had a problem with Jack Gallagher these past few weeks and months. He put him, uh, Jackie Boy through the table a couple of weeks ago. Taking him out with a kendo stick. Yeah, taking him out with William the Third and or Fourth. As Alexander now has shown his great in-ring ability. Takes Kendrick down with a kick and nips up himself. But um, do I get a pay-per-view point if uh, Jack comes out and beats Kendrick down? No. Cedric now thrown to the apron but stays in there. Beautiful kick to Kendrick. And Alexander now going to aim for Kendrick with a springboard. Oh! Comes off in a springboard close on takedown. Rolls up Kendrick. That's it? Oh, no. Kendrick managing to kick out. Ah. Alexander getting frustrated. But we, we talked about the kind of Alicia Fox, Noam Dar thing. Alexander's got away from that now. He's got the ability to succeed. We saw that in the CWC tournament. It was a classic match against Kota Ibushi. So it'd be interesting to win. Or if they keep going with Brian Kendrick, because, of course, like we said... Uh, the Jack and Brian feud is continuing. And Cedric now, maybe Lumbar, check time. Oh, but Kendrick looking to go for slice bread number two, but gets caught with a spinning back elbow from Alexander instead. And now Cedric might go flying. Bearing, uh, Brian's got to get his bearings back. Here comes Alexander. 
Oh! oh flying over the top <laughs> and just bounces straight back up to his feet. And that's what we want to see. Lovely there by Cedric. That elevation. Oh, and now Kendrick trying to get up. Alexander seems to be enjoying himself. He's got a smile on his face. Well, Cedric Alexander and Jackie Boy are good friends. So, you know, it's uh, he's sticking up for his friend here. And Kendrick, oh, back dropping Cedric over post to the other side of the apron. And now both men in precarious position. Oh, I would say Alexander even more so now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, he got hung up on that metal buckle that tightens the ring ropes to the ring post. And Kendrick, is Kendrick using his veteran-like experience there, Dan? Yeah, I think Kendrick there is using his veteran experience to get an advantage in this match. That's one thing he's got over Cedric. He might argue, you know, athletic-wise. Cedric, and oh, wait a minute. Kendrick looks up and Jackie Boy's music hits. He comes running down to the ring. Oh, and Kendrick not hanging around. He's got the bell that he finished Jack Gallagher with. Oh, but he threw it into the ring. Gallagher traps it under his foot. A brilliant stop there. Yeah, that was going to be flick it up. And now he's got the umbrella and he's pointing to Kendrick. You! And, oh! And he hits Cedric Alexander what? with the brolly. What's going on? <laughs> no, Jack, you hit the wrong one. That's not Rich Swan. <laughs> and Jack Gallagher and Brian Kendrick is like, I can't believe. What the hell is going on? Gallagher is beating the hell out of Cedric. And uh, well, Nigel McGuinness knows Jack Gallagher for many years, and he is shocked by this. Not shocked as well, not shocked as Brian Kendrick. <laughs> no, I think Kendrick is the most shocked here. <laughs> Referee's coming out to Jack Jack away to get Jack off to get Jack off, and and Jack Jack's all work and no play make Jack a dull boy. And look at him standing on the face of Cedric Alexander. What's going through Gallagher's head? I have no idea. What's going through Brian's head at the moment? Is this, he's just trying to lure him in, maybe? Oh! Delivers a thunderous headbutt there to Alexander and knocks him down. Well... Is he going to turn his attentions back to Kendrick, or is he... And now he's trying to get... He's just dumping Cedric out of the ring. Just saying, get out of here. Kendrick's behind Jack, and Jack's got a different look about him. I don't like this look from Jack. Come on. Headbutt Brian. Well, Tozawa didn't want to learn any lessons from Kendrick. Well, Jack has just put out his hand, and it's not what it is. Oh, my God. Kendrick shakes Jack Gallagher's hand, and this is an unholy alliance. And like I said, what has Kendrick... just made a deal with the devil, James. Has Kendrick got in Gallagher's head and managed to turn him? And like you said, Dan, a deal with the devil. We end 205 Live in quite spectacular fashion. I mean... Jack Gallagher looks like he's turning heel. Thought that, Dan? I would never have thought that, no. One of the most likeable guys on the entire 205 Live roster has now, like you said, sold his soul. <laughs> what will happen next week on 205 Live? Well, we don't have to wait because we're going to watch it right now. Oh, Enzo Amore. Dan loved Enzo Amore. Clearly don't. So, yes. It is our last 205 Live of this month from September 19th. And how did we start the show? Yes, it was the Brian Kendrick versus Cedric Alexander in a rematch after Jackie Boy interrupted their last match. And, um, yeah. Yeah. In an un- unexpected uh, change of turn, change of uh, 
circumstances. Yes, exactly. Yes. I took the words right out of your mouth. And it's weird because Cedric Alexander was looking for a measure of revenge this week when he took on the Brian Kendrick. But like you said, it's really Jack Gallagher he should be going after since it was the Brit who attacked him last week and did indeed turn heel. Yes, well, Alexander started strong with some quick kicks, but Kendrick responded with his own educated feet to put himself in the driver's seat. Slowed the pace down in the middle of the match for some rest holes, but it didn't last long. Alexander's like a shark. He won't survive if he doesn't keep moving. So now Kendrick wearing down Alexander, one of these submissions we talked about. The veteran Kendrick, and he must be over the moon, especially knowing that the Jack Gallagher thing is not only, you know what I mean, in the rearview mirror, but it's actually a a friend of his now, <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy to think. Wow, yes, you know, uh, expected it, no one saw it coming, I certainly didn't. You know, it, it could be an interesting turn of events, it could be something fun to see. Oh, exactly, it'd be interesting now, wouldn't it, with uh, Gallagher, would it work, would it make, you know, an Enzo Gallagher feud for the Cruiserweight title interesting down the line? <laughs> you never know about it, as Alexander blocking... Sorry, what? As Enzo, what? Sorry, what? What, what? did you say? What? So I'm sure you said that <laughs> that irritating little cunt is going to be cruiserweight champion. Oh! If that happens, <laughs> I will be leaving the podcast. You'll be leaving the podcast. Well, Kendrick backed up into the corner. Alexander going for the big drop kick, but oh, Kendrick moved out the way. Little Alexander was thrown out of a moving auto vehicle, and now he's in trouble because Kendrick's pulled him to the middle of the ring, and not only has he got the submission in, but he's working the four grabbing his ears. Oh, and it wasn't a drop kick, sorry. It was a hip toss by Kendrick. It was an offensive move by Brian. Yes, he did go for the cover, but uh, Ale- uh, Alexander? Yeah. Alexander's head was under the bottom rope, so the referee couldn't count it. And Kendrick, like the uh, veteran, he is using Alexander's momentum against him and using his arms against him now in this submission, just wearing away. Well, we've seen it before with Alexander. He's um, he's certainly a strong competitor and he won't give up that easy. I mean, we'll talk about 205 in a bit, but I find if you watch 205 live in a row like we have, it does get a little bit competitive. Uh, repetitive. Com- it gets a bit repetitive. I don't know if it's going to be like that with NXT. We'll give our thoughts to 205 live after this. Oh, Alexander on the apron. He catches Kendrick with a kick. And now he's looking to springboard his way back into this match. Well, not many have got a vertical leap like Alexander. Oh. Comes off the top rope, takes him down with his clothesline takedown. Oh. Rolls him up for the cover, but only gets a two count. Two referees point out as well. It's Alexander looking to put away Kendrick now. Handspring elbow. Oh, but Kendrick had it well scouted. Done him and he got flipped over, basically, and then caught Alexander with a lovely spinning heel kick. Well, that's beautiful by Kendrick. What's he looking for now? Slice bread. Oh, but Alexander throws him over. But Kendrick, like a pit bull, hanging on, rolling up Alexander for the pin. Alexander turns it round low, uh, and Alexander rolling through. Can he get Kendrick down? One, two, three. Oh! oh! That was a surprise victory there for Alexander. Oh, he got it sneaky and got it out of there. And that was great wrestling. That was a bridging with the neck. Brian Kendrick can't believe it. So a little measure of revenge there by Alexander. But I'm sure Kendrick's not the only man in his sights at the moment. No, this is the thing. And Alexander, you've got to watch your back when it comes to Brian Kendrick. Well, you've got to watch your back when it comes to Jack. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Brian's not finished. Alexander's saying, you want some? Come bring it. I'll beat you fair and square. Oh. And Jackie boy comes running down the ramp from behind, and he looks like a man possessed now. Oh, Jack. What are you doing? Beating down Alexander. Oh, my word. And Brian Kendrick, 
and it's gotten into Jack Gallagher's head. This is not what this young lad would be doing. And something, something's happened. Something's turned in him. Well, Kendrick with the abdominal stretch. Yes, may famous for Wilbur Schneider as Jack Gallagher now with the kicks to the midsection of Cedric. And now Kendrick's holding him up oh. as Alexander headbutts him in the midsection. And he's still not finished. Oh, oh and a headbutt to the jaw, <laughs> knocking Alexander out cold. Well, I hate to say it, but I don't think Jack is impressive in a while. And I think him and Kendrick have the makers of what looks like quite a good team. Like you, you said last week, teaching him lessons. Is there anybody better than Kendrick to be able to teach you this kind of stuff, you know? Well, you know, he's probably one of the most veteran-like competitors in the Cruiserweight division, so why not? Unbelievable, and uh, what an impact by Jack Gallagher. I mean, I, I honestly can't believe What are your thoughts on Jack Gallagher? Obvious heel turn now, Dan. Couldn't really see it at first, and then because he is two over and he's... But, yeah, you know, with someone that's two over, I think it does... It does change it up a bit. It does make it a bit more interesting. Yeah. Um, well, and talk about the match quickly. The Alexander Kendrick. It wasn't a bad match, was it? Like we said, no. uh, not a bad, not a bad way to start the show. I mean, the boot to the face Kendrick hit early in the match looked brutal. And uh, well, Kendrick does so many little things working entertaining. Something as simple as stepping on Alexander's hand while applying a headlock adds a lot. And I talk about the Gallagher thing. I doubted him as a heel first, but he's doing well so far. Be interested just to see if he uses his regular tie for the first post-term match or changed it to look less ridiculous. I mean, the rainbow strikes probably won't work now, will they? You know, so um, no. We'll probably try something else. But the next match is Stan Akira Tozawa versus Noam Dar. Well, Drew Gulak came out before the match. And stood on the announce table to talk about the horrors he suffered in his fashion fail after being arrested by Breezango last week. He tried to finish his PowerPoint presentation, but was interrupted by Akira Tozawa. The Japanese sensation took on Noam Dar in the night's second match. This was one of the few combinations we haven't seen over and over, so it was a nice change of pace. Yeah, the Scottish supernova took control early by attacking Tozawa's leg. He used a variety of strikes and holes to punish the knees for the Japanese man fought back with some stiff strikes. This was a fast-paced encounter and they looked good from bell to bell. Tozawa scored the victory with a top rope sent on. Well, like the first bout, this was an average performance by both superstars. It took Tozawa and... Uh, it looks like Tazar and Gulak may be feuding going forward, but we have to wait to see if anything develops. It's hard to decide if Drew Gulak's new music is audible. Yeah, and whatever fashion jail is, you know they don't wear those atrocious orange jumpsuits. Anyway, it looked like Tazawa's head hit Dar square in the face when he performed the suicide dive. Well, up next, Rich Swan and TJP had a conversation backstage... TJP congratulated his friend and apologised for how intense things had gotten before suggesting they have another match because they work so well. Swan disagreed and went to the ring to face Lynch Dorado. So here we go. Rich Swan has just come out here. What is going to happen? Well, this is the pink members only jacket that I believe uh, we was referring to last week. Yeah. What do you think of it? Do you I think it looks hideous. I think it looks atrocious. But then again... Bret uh, Hart made the pink and black work. But I'm no... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, but I'm no, <laughs> I'm no fashion, uh, whatever they call it, aficionado. A fish, I'm not a fashion aficionado, Dan. Easy to say. Here we go. Here comes Dorado. Where's the golden links then? Come on, it's time for your match. Oh, well, it looks like Lince has uh, been beaten up. 
Banged Do I get an extra pay-per-view point if I know that it's um, TJP? I don't know. It might be Jack. He's been on a, a war path recently, and, and Dorado looks like he's got his head hit up against those like big cases backstage for storage. Referee's checking on him, and we might not have a match here. Or oh, Swan's going to go back and like the good face, like the good face Swan is. He's going to go back and check and make sure Dorado is okay. Oh! And he gets caught with a super kick from TJP. What the hell? TJP, you just said you were over it. It was fine. And now you've just Shawn Michaels, Rich Swan. What are you doing? Did you see Rich Swan running into that super kick of TJP's? Well, I actually think Swan was trying to headbutt TJP's foot. <laughs> yeah, looks like he's trying to avoid it. Oh, my God. And now he's stumbled on the head and he's got hold of the hair. Oh, fucking hell. Did he just rip out one of his braids? I think he did. I think he just... He just plucked Swan. I like plucking Believe It. Oh, Rich Swan there. You can't handle it. <laughs> TJP making a point to Swan. Well, I thought these were frenemies or friends, and now they're just... Oh! oh big kick to the midsection. No protection there, Swan. Just trying to escape. And look at him smirking, Dan. He's not got a cigarette in his gob, James. He's just got a smile on his face. And he's got Rich Swan's hair in his hand. Well, is he going to make a voodoo doll? Who do? You do? Me too. He does. Who do? TJP do. Well, Perk is not finished with Rich Swan. Oh, my word. Lifting him up as hard as he can muster and then dropping him face first onto the barricades. Perkins definitely sending a... Well, definitely uh I think this friendship is over between Perkins and Swan. I don't know what is in the water at the moment on 205 Live, but obviously Perkins and Jack have been drinking the wrong type of thing. What do you think of that by TJP? It's something you wanted to see, even though last week you wanted him babyface, it looks like now. Um, well, as long as he stops dabbing, I don't care. <laughs> I think this is definitely the end of the dab. I, uh, I honestly can't believe... Oh, can we please watch this? I can't believe what we have just seen... Uh, obviously, it's not over between TJP and Rich Swan. Unbelievable stuff. We've seen two atrocious attacks here. Swan getting beaten up by TJP. Jack beating up Cedric Alexander. So and now we're going to see an atrocious wrestler. For me, this is the heel TJP we have needed since he turned. A driven, violent Perkins is going to be so much better than the dabbing babyface he used to be. Well, did TJP really rip out one of Swan's braids? If so, that had to hurt. <laughs> well, hopefully Perkins will get some new entrance music to match his villainous personality because if he comes up to Gamer on, you know what I mean? Loading. Anyway, the, like I said, up next it was Neville and Enzo and they hype their match. So there's like two things I hate in that sentence there. Chamore came out with his shoulder wrapped up to sell the attack from Braun Strowman and Neville on Raw, and the Cruiserweight champ made sure to rub it in. Amore accused Neville of being jealous of him, but the man that Gravity forgot found this idea hilarious, as do I, <laughs> since he is the champion and one of the best wrestlers in the Cruiserweight division. Well, this was the most focused we have seen Amore in months, so his mic work was on point. He was back delivering witty rhyme, rhymes and stinging insults just like the old days. The King of Cruiserweights vowed to make an example out of his loudmouth opponent at no mercy, 
instead of beating him as fast as possible. Well, Amore took the low road at the end of the segment and kicked Neville below the belt, which ended up getting him some heat from the crowd. Well, uh, this encounter ended up being much more and much more entertaining than expected. It did a better job making their feud interesting and anything else they have done up to this point. Well, Neville's laugh is disturbing in the best possible way. The crowd doesn't talk along with Amore during his entrances as loud as it did during his time with Cass. Maybe some people are tired of his shtick. Yeah, and uh, Amore brags about hanging out with Drake and The Weeknd, which is what got him in trouble with the locker room in the first place. So, there you go. Thoughts on the last five weeks of 2i5 Live. What have you thought of the programme? Um, well, you know, there's been some uh, interesting twists and turns throughout the 2i5 Live programming. Um, we've seen two notable heel turns. We've seen an asshole arriving who's been getting beaten up quite a lot. So, yeah, you know, it's been fairly entertaining, to be fair. Yeah, it's not been too bad, has it? I think the problem is when you're watching it like we did, you know, back-to-back, it can get a bit repetitive, you know, because of the matches like we saw Alexander and Kendrick and then the next show. Even with Kendrick and Gallagher, the two shows uh, previously for that, I think the match that we of the the whole two five that we saw, even though the Tazama and Neville matches were great at SummerSlam and on two five, it's got to go for the five way match, hasn't it? You know, with uh, even though Enzo did win, it was a fantastic match, wasn't it? Yeah, that no, was great. No, yeah. it was it was a good match <laughs> apart from the ending. Yeah, I mean Cedric was on fire. We saw the Tower of Doom. We saw lots of other moves in that match. Thought that was great. And like you say, even though Enzo did arrive, we saw hill turns for Jack Gallagher, and now TJP is fully embraced. The dark side. So it's interesting times. I liked Breeze Ango showing up in there because, like I said, I want to see him interact and be a part of the roster. And it would mean more stuff like Enzo getting destroyed by Strowman on Raw. Look on the bright side, yes, you know? Yes, there is some good to the annoying. Yeah, so it's not bad, but we're going to compare it now to NXT because we haven't watched NXT since the week after TakeOver. But when do we watch NXT Update, then? Now! So yes, it is the 30th of August, my word. And the show began with Sanity Lane unconscious outside the building. Mr. Regal looked quite angry as he stared the night sky down. Now, I don't think the night sky did it, but I think it's just an expression. So Sanity knocked out. I wonder who could do that, Dan? Who? 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 I mean, we're coming off the back of TakeOver. What were your thoughts on TakeOver? I know it was a long time ago now, but it weren't a bad show, was it? We saw, I tell you what, I'll, I'll do a recap off the top of my head. We saw new tag team champions in Sanity beating Authors of Pain. We did. And then we saw straight afterwards Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly Sharp and a beat down on them, declaring their intentions. Alistair Black, of course, beat Hideo Tami. Not a bad match. We saw Oscar beating Ember Moon, unbelievably. Gagano, of course, lost to CN in the opener. And in the main event, Bobby Roode lost his NXT title to Drew McIntyre. That wasn't the big news, though, was it? Because then Adam Cole showed up with Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish and laid out 
Drew McIntyre. So, I mean, but TakeOver was good, though, wasn't it? You know? It was very entertaining, yes, I'll give it that. And last week on NXT, we saw kind of the wrap-up, you know, to all of that. So now we're moving forward. It'll be interesting to see what happens to all these superstars. And Sanity already knocked out. But how did we kick things off, Dan? Well, we kicked things off inside the arena with the 11th and new NXT champion, Drew McIntyre. Yes! And he was returning to the ring for the first time since winning the title. The fans were respectful, but it wasn't as over-the-top giddy as you've had in our pri- in the previous title changes. Yes, yeah, a bigger moment. Because like I said, they didn't really build this match up as much, did they? With Drew McIntyre winning the title for Bobby Roode. Even though it was a big moment, it didn't have the kind of adulation like you know when Finn Balor and Nakamura did finally get to the top. Uh, well, he said that all the bumps, bruises and sacrifices were worth it for this moment. He said that he understands he has a huge target on his back. And then turns his attention to Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly. Who would have thought when Bobby Fish debuted, he would have such a big impact? He's going to be featured so heavily. <laughs> and we decided we're going to go with it. A bit like. Lynch we're going to have some Fish. Watch. A little, a little bit, yeah, a little bit like Lynch We'll still go with it. He put them on notice that this is Drew McIntyre's world now. Hang on a minute. I thought it was NXT's world. It is NXT. It's not about Bobby Roode, he was saying. It is NXT. We are NXT. So it's Bobby, it's Drew McIntyre's. He's not NXT speaking to the, the fans are a part of it. He's speaking to the outsiders in Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and Adam Cole. Yeah, that's why he put them on notice for. And he said if they want a shot at a champ, all they need to do is walk down to the ring, look him in the eye, and ask for a fight. <laughs> well, this brought out Roderick Strong. And Strong came out to congratulate, but also said he doesn't care about Cole. He only cares about himself, his family, and the championship. Strong vowed to beat Bobby Roode tonight. And after that, Strong is stepping up and challenging McIntyre as a man. McIntyre said he wants to be challenged like a man. And now he hopes Strong is ready to get knocked out like one. Oh, so I don't know. Roger Strong McIntyre's building there. But we got a replay of last week's Bobby Roode interview where he said he was an unfinished bit scene. Of course, Bobby Roode was the face of NXT. And, it, it, you know, I, I still love him. And he vowed that after he beat Strong, which he will, he would get his NXT championship back and take it with him to SmackDown. Now, we know Bobby Roode's gone to SmackDown, but he can be the glorious NXT champion. Well, next week, we'll be joined by the undefeated, undisputed, reigning conquering Supex City taking <laughs> NXT Women's Champion Oscar where she will update us on her status yes she will I wonder, I wonder what that could be about uh, anyway up next we had Peyton Rice and she defeated Ruby Riot. even though it wasn't mentioned at some point in the last few months Royce let her hair die out and is now back to being what I assume is her natural, natural hair colour which is black well, so, thank you for your fashion files update. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just saying. So now she looks more like a BFF, Billy Kay. Billy Kay. Kay. Well, this feud is part of the ongoing rivalry between the iconic duo and the pretty much anyone who they feel is not glamorous. Royce and Kay mocked Riot about a month ago. Then Riot defeated Kay in a match, which was followed by Royce saying Riot will never be iconic. Well, Roy, <laughs> there's a lot of riles in here. Royce took over by snapping right off the top rope. She threw right out the ring, which got the crowd to buzz a little bit as Kay interfered with a friend. 
Riot made her come back, which didn't get the same reaction than it normally does, and actually got less reaction than Kay's interference. Riot was on the middle rope, then Royce hit a spin kick to the head and a rolling Death Valley driver, but Riot kicked out. Ah. Riot hit a powerbomb for a near fall, and the iconic duo have had enough. Kay tried to drag Royce away and take a count out, but Riot hit a suicide dive onto both of them. Behind the referee's back... Kay dragged Wright outside the ring and nearly booted Wright's head off. That allowed Voice to pick up the win back in the ring with a fisherwoman suplex. Well, up next, we had Mr. Regal. He was backstage and he said this thing where people are being laid out won't keep happening. Cassius Ono came in and wanted a no disqualification match with Hideo Itami next week. Mr. Regal agreed to it. He was wearing a shirt of Misaru Misawa, giving Stan Hansen an elbow strike. <laughs> and that was a great pull. Uh, up next, we had Heavy Machinery defeating Edwin Negron and Damien Awil. Well, Heavy Machinery haven't been seen since losing an NXT Tag Team title match to the Authors of Pain a few months ago. But here they were back at the beginning and facing the jobber team of the week. Well, neither Awil nor Negron had any success by themselves and somehow fared, fared even worse when they tried a double team. Heavy Machinery picked up the win with the compactor. Compactor. <laughs> we got a recap of Lars Sullivan destroying No Way Jose last week. This led to Mr. Regal informing Sullivan that actions have consequences, and since he beat up three different tag team partners next week, he will have a three on one handicap match. Sullivan shook his head and left. Well, in addition to the aforementioned Ono versus Itami no DQ match, CN will get his rematch with Cesar Bononi next week. Well, and now we move on to the main event, and fuck me, it's too loud. We move on to the main event, and this is going to be the last time. Maybe, well, uh, maybe the last time he does an NXT. He has said he will beat Strong tonight and become NXT champion. And if anybody can do it, Dan, do you know who it can? Do you know who can? It's Bobby Roode. We, we lost Nakamura, and now we've lost Bobby Roode, eh? <laughs> so for one last time oh, no. on NXT... funny how he's portraying a heel in NXT and he's a face on yeah. Smackdown but he can do that Dan because my god what a guy that's a true champion James oh what a guy Bobby Roode look at him he is ripped and jacked ready to fight Roderick Strong but if that is the last time he ever comes out Dan then then uh, so be it I've known Bobby Roode and NXT, but now he has to go against Roderick Strong. Of course, unfinished business. With the dancing referee officiating <laughs> this matchup. Yeah. But <laughs> we talk about Roderick Strong. Unfinished business. Strong beat Bobby Roode a couple of weeks before TakeOver to get a rematch. Of course, he might have thought it's for the NXT title, but we have a new champion. But Bobby Roode doesn't look phased. He looks as great as ever. Well, he's calling Roderick Strong a failure. 
Oh, and just as he's proclaiming his gloriousness, <laughs> he gets shoved to the mat by an annoyed Roderick Strong. Oh, now Strong. Strong, you know, don't get me wrong. He's been impressive recently, but I don't worry about... Uh-oh. No. Oh, take down by Strong, and he means business tonight. He's not fucking about with who's <laughs> glorious and who's not. Well, Bobby, just... That's it, turn the... That's it, look at the power, the shoulder block, taking all the air out of Roderick Strong's body. And a Ric Flair-like chop there. Huge right hand by this, just ripped Canadian down. Well, look at Rude with a side headlock, just going to wear Roderick Strong... But Damn. we have gained Bobby Fish. Bobby F- we got Bobby Fish. You can't have more than one Bobby on the roster. That's what they released Bobby Lashley for. And look at Strong there. Impressive. Well, a lovely high drop kick there. And he's not even going for a cover. He's just wailing away at Bobby Roode's head. Well, this is personal, isn't it? You know, Roode brought Strong's family into things. And Roode is now paying. And you can't write checks. Your mouth shouldn't write checks. So your ass can't cash but Bobby Roode can cash it in one of the greatest if not the greatest NXT champion of all time we're going against Roger Strong here in the main event we should be blessed as he goes for the big boot to Strong oh, oh. picks him up and delivers a crushing backbreaker there to the glorious one <coughs> go on Roode get out of harm's way he's trying to get out of the ring to give himself a breather uh, a breather as we've seen Rude do, but Strong's not giving him breathe. He's just keeping on the attack. Oh, he's the master of the backbreaker, and he's very impressive move there to turn it into one. As Rude now finally gets on the apron, maybe out of harm's way. We can only hope. Well, it doesn't look like he's far enough away from harm yet, as Roderick Strong meets him on the outside of the apron. Oh, my God, what's Strong going to do to Rude? You can't do this. Bobby, hang on, and he does. And now the clubbing blows to the back of Roderick Strong. Both men in a precarious position. Oh! And Rude just shoving Strong into the ring post there. Crashing to the wafer-thin mats below. There's a double impact and Rude though. Oh my word! He drags him off the apron but Rude manages to land on his feet. Deliver a couple of punches to Strong's head then shoves him into the steel ring steps. Genius competitor. And Rude running to Strong. Uh-oh. Oh, but Strong looks like he kicked a couple of teeth out of Rude's head. <laughs> but Rude, though, oh, a thunderous Triple H spinebuster <coughs> to the again to the wafer thin mats below. Nobody does it better than Bobby Rude, apart from Triple H and Double A. And now he's going to try and get his breath breath back as we go to an ad break. You say he takes a long time getting into the ring. How long was that entrance? You timed it. Bobby Rude, he took a brisk. One minute and 42 seconds to get into the ring. <laughs> exactly. The greatest NXT champion of all time, Bobby Roode now. So we're coming back from the break. Got a net break yeah, strong. Oh. I would say he's second to Bo Dallas. <laughs> oh, come off it. I think you're, I think you're forgetting some of the great NXT Samoa champions we Jones. had. Neville. Neville. Bet, oh, hang on a minute. We had an idea. Count all the NXT champions that we can. So we've just said Bo Dallas, Neville, Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe. Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins. Nakamura. Bobby Roode. Drew McIntyre. Finn Balor. Did we say him? No, we didn't say him, but yes. Finn Balor. That's eight. Big E. Langston. He won it. Nine. Sami Zayn. Kevin Owens. Sami Zayn. Kevin Owens. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, he (laughs) Hey. I knew I was forgetting something there. Anyway, back to the match. Well, there have been some great NXT champions, and there's been Bobby Roode. <laughs> Would you stop? 
And now look at this. I mean, it was a bit, it was difficult going for Rude in the early. It was a bit difficult for Rude in the early going, but he's kind of seized control now and he's wearing down Roderick Strong. And this is what Rude has done since debuting in NXT. Well, giving him a backbreaker of his own. Exactly. How do you like that? Do you like apples? How do you like them apples? Twice now hitting the backbreaker to Strong because he is Dan. Glorious. Glorious. And I think that's the best thing about it. You've gotten the Bobby Roode train as well, haven't you? You weren't sure about him to begin with, and now you realise what a great man he is. No, I've, I've been a fan of Bobby Roode, but it's kind of been overshadowed by yourself. <laughs> it's like you've been a big enough fan for three of us, let alone just the two of us. Yeah. And Mini Chris Benoit, sorry. Yeah, it's Mini Chris Benoit. We've got to show some uh, partiality, I suppose. And, of course, both men have done the... Uh, Crossface, yes, yeah. I've sent you pictures of. Yeah, not as well as MCB, of course, but still. No. And look at Rude. Look at what Rude's doing now. Just wearing the back knee straight there, and Strong is in all sorts of trouble. You shouldn't have asked this. You shouldn't have got McIntyre's face. You shouldn't have gotten Bobby Rude's face. You should just be happy that you're employed, Roderick Strong, because you ain't championship material. You know, you ain't gonna beat Bobby Rude. Well, if you don't ask. You don't get I suppose that is right. It's strong it's trying to get back into this. But look at Bobby Roode. One step ahead every time. Huge back elbows. And now picks him up for another spine buster. No. Oh, now gives him an atomic drop. Now Roode's going to run in. Oh! Fucking hell. Pick Roode up and then gut busted him. That was like a pop-up gut buster. <laughs> <laughs> but he can't capitalise on this. Because he's been beaten up. It's Rude's game plan. Well, that's driving all the air out of Rude. Yeah, but he was up before Roderick Strong, and Strong hit the offensive move. I think Strong was playing possum as he delivered a gut shot. Hello, possums! <laughs> An exchange of big blows, but I think Strong got the upper hand to it. But Bobby Rude managed to reverse an Irish whip, only to get taken down by Roderick Strong. Oh, and now Strong backing him up in the corner. Going to unleash a combination. Well, some knife-edge chops there. Follows it up with a big forearm to the face. Oh, no. Oh, beautiful oh. by Bobby Roode there. Managing to get out of the way. Oh. oh, but doesn't get out of the way of that backbreaker. Come on. Oh, Roode managing to kick out. Oh. Strong trying to feel it. And Bobby Roode. I mean, a well, Bobby Roode's certainly feeling it. A victory for Roderick Strong here sends him, like I say, straight up there to be in contention. But I just don't think he's got it in him. Is he looking to put away Bobby Roode now? Well, Bobby Roode with a backslide shoves strong towards the corner, but gets caught. Oh, butterfly powerbomb there. Oh, my God, a strong managing. Turns him over to a Boston Crab. And that was fantastic by Roderick managing to keep hold of Bobby, and he's, yes, too close to the bottom rope. Any means necessary, Roode. And now Rude, yes, throwing Roderick Strong to the outside. But immediately Strong up onto his feet and back on the offensive. It's a bit of separation like Bobby Rude needed. Yes! How about that, TKO stunner? Well, TKO into an ace crusher. <laughs> well, he's going for the cover. Oh! Strong with the kick out. Ah. Oh. You ever thought Bobby Rude would use a move like this? He's got to pull out all the stops. He wants to be champion again. It's all right being champion first time. It's, it's so much harder rising up to the top of the mountain in NXT. Roderick Strong in his way, but Bobby Roode is going to finish him now. Come on. 
Come on, Roddy. Oh, my word. Oh! Oh, some thunderous elbows there from Strong. Dropping Rude to his knees, but... Bang. Quick as you like, hits him with a double-A, triple-H spinebuster. Yeah, he would hit him once on the outside, so the damage is going to be twice as much. He could have gone for the cover, but he'd rather taunt the fans. Bobby Roode now can do what he wants, looking to put Roderick Strong away. There we go. Glorious DDT time, a move we've seen him win. NXT titles many a time. Oh, oh but Strong manages to reverse it into oh. an Olympic slam. Oh, no. Roode backs up in the corner. Oh, oh running knee. Oh, look at the power. Oh. Picks him up and delivers him face first into the mat. Goes for the cover. One, two. Oh. oh. That was a bit of a Jessica Carr count there. Really slow. Oh, yeah, but at least Bobby Roo managed to kick out. Oh. That's all that matters in this one. Maybe the referee doesn't want to see Bobby go. Like, we don't want to see him go. And now Rude on the apron. Rude's trying to get some separation here. But Strong looks strong. Until he gets hung up on the top rope by Rude. This is it, Bobby. And Bobby Rude is going to... Oh, he's looking to ride the ropes. What? Don't risk it. What are you doing? Oh, well, he shouldn't have risked it because Strong's cut him off. And you hear the fans. Let's go, Roddy. Let's go, Rude. As Rude's trying to fight off Roderick Strong here. This could be Coitons. Oh, he manages to fight him off for now. Come on, Bobby. We're going to see 450, shooting star. It's all possible with Bobby Roode, Dan. Oh, oh but we see a step up in Seguri from Roderick Strong, <laughs> and it cuts the glorious one down to size. Oh, no. <laughs> Come on, Bobby. Stay with us. Roderick Strong now. What's he looking for? Oh, he's looking to hit a superplex. Can Roode get out of this? No, no. he can't. My... God, how high up was he? He must have fallen at least 15 feet. Oh, my God. Come on. Two. Come on. Oh. oh. Thought it was all over for Rude then. <sighs> but he got up at two. Two. Oh, strong, I believe it, but that's the heart and of a real champion. Now Strong. And now Rude. Yay, nay punches. Oh, oh. no. Then we get a yay kick. Yay, nay kick. Nay kick. <laughs> yay. Oh, my word, this is turned a knocker now. Who's going to win this? Go on, JR. And Strong going for the knee. Oh, nearly hits the ref. Glorious DDT. Plants him with it. Bobby Roode for the cover. Oh. oh, but Strong managing to roll out the way. Got the arm over. One, One two, two, three. Foot on the ropes, foot on the ropes. Rude is, what? Foot on the ropes. No. What? No! Great wing, wing awareness from Jonathan Moss. Easy for you to say. Great ring awareness. Well, it is from... from I mean, but maybe, Dan, I think you're giving him too much credit. I think Roger Strong was just lucky. I can't believe it. This should be over. This match should be over. That should be it. Bobby Roode should have finished off Roderick Strong there. And the fans enjoying it because they want to see another glorious DDT. You're an embarrassment to your family. <laughs> and that's just fired up Roderick Strong. Oh, he hits a couple of big knees to the face. That was a mistake, Rude. You shouldn't have brought Roderick Strong's family into it. And now he's got to use the ropes to get to his feet. Oh! oh a big knee there. Oh, my God. And Rude's jaw may be broken. But, oh. oh, turns him inside out for a big backbreaker. And I think Strong could have got the cover, but... He wants to punish 
Bobby Roode. He's frothing at the mouth. He's a madman. They shouldn't have let Bobby Roode go in there with this kind of guy. He's not a guy. What is he? He's an animal. Well, he's a man that Roode's beaten before. He's a man possessed. He shouldn't be in there. Come on, Bobby. Oh. Blows him a kiss. The thing that started oh. him inside out again. Finishes it. One, two, good night, Roode. Roderick Strong has beaten Bobby Roode here, and even though it was a great match, I can... no, it is. It's good to see you know um, Bobby Roode losing two consecutive matches in NXT. <laughs> you know, it is. I think it was good to see. Uh, well, to see Roode help him put someone over before he leaves NXT, and you know who better than Roderick Strong? Well, it was a great match. Uh, I think one of the best b- matches Bobby Roode's had on. Great farewell for him, and it wrapped up the story perfectly, didn't it? About Rue trying to get the family involved with Roderick Strong, and uh, started with a kiss, ending with the kiss, and Bobby Rue, fair play, he goes up to the main roster. And Roderick Strong, I don't know what it is about him, I'm still not fully behind him. Even though he's a good wrestler, I just don't know. What do you think of Strong? Is he like... Um, yeah, I'm on the same boat, you know. I, I don't know, I don't think he's got it. Yeah, I don't... What's that, my What's up, love? I don't see. I don't see it. Like, yeah, but maybe we will down the line. Oh, oh. McIntyre. Well, the former face of NXT is now gone, and look at this. Look how pumped Drew McIntyre is. <coughs> I walk alone. No, that's not his music. Strong came out earlier to say the McIntyre wanted the match, and McIntyre saying, "You want it, pal? You've got it." Yeah, that's is me. Aye. The title. The McIntyre looking very impressive here. Of course, the new NXT champion. Oh. oh, no. But O'Reilly, Cole and Fish come out. Fish. <laughs> come out and attack McIntyre from behind. Oh, this is not fair. What are they doing here? Where's the security? I thought Regal wasn't going to let this happen. Oh. oh. Plants McIntyre with a DDT on the stage. There's a security. Oh, my God. So they get wiped out quicker than they ran in. This is an assault. Is Roderick Strong coming to help? Well, Eagle's out there now, and they're going to run away. They've assaulted the NXT champion. I mean, we talked about how thin the mats are. That is full still staging, and that could have broken McIntyre's neck. And these guys don't deserve to be in NXT. These guys are really getting on my fucking nerves. They're attacking Drew McIntyre. They're uh, running roughshed on NXT. Something should be done here, Mr. Regal. Questions need to be asked. There is no way this should be allowed to happen. What are your thoughts on all this? Well, you know, they want to make a statement, and uh, I think they're certainly making a statement here in NXT. Well, we'll find out what happens on the next episode of NXT. It's Wednesday the 6th of September, Dan, and it's episode 410. Well, NXT wrapped up a long-running rivalry Wednesday night as Cassius Ono battled Hideo Itami in a no-disqualification match. Tease, what's the first match, Dan? Uh, Cesar Benoni versus Andrade Cien Almas, the three eleven boy. And uh, what happened to your three eleven boy? Just over a month after Cesar Benoni stunned NXT brand by upsetting a cocky, arrogant Cien, he would look to go two and zero against the Mexican star to kick off this week's broadcast. Oh. Almas overwhelmed Benoni, showing a meaner and nastier side of himself than he had in their previous encounter. Zelina Vega sat in on commentary as Almas obliterated his opponent. Vega screamed, finish him. Moments later, the charismatic villain 
delivered the Hammerlock DDT for the pinfall victory. Well, in his victory, Almas avenged his greatest humiliation and defeated the man who had no business beating him. Almas has been reborn since allying himself with Vega, and the result is a compelling, charismatic villain that has the potential to become a force in NXT. His only hurdle, Dan? Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Coley at the top of the NXT heel roster. Uh, right. So, just two weeks, up next, just two weeks after destroying Noah Jose before a scheduled match, Lars Sullivan looked to send a message to the NXT locker room as he battled three unknown competitors in a handicap match. Confident in his ability and fueled by rage, he demanded all three start in a ring with him. He left each and earnage sidewalk slam variation and scored the impressive victory in short order. After the match, he continued the beatdown until Jose, Jose hit the ring, making the save for the nameless victims. He challenged Sullivan to prove how tough he is when he is facing him like a man. Jose got a few good shots in on the mammoth competitor, but Sullivan overwhelmed him and left him laying like every other man unfortunate enough to face him. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, Lars Sullivan defeating some guys, but it's kind of the Ryback treatment like we've seen before. But we talk about big heads. I mean, this guy has probably got one of the biggest heads I've ever seen in my life. But NXT have done a strong job of building Sullivan into a monster heel. He's a bit of there. He's a bit of there. He's, he has a bit of Obliterated. He has obliterated. NXT has done a strong job of building Sullivan into a monster hill. He has obliterated anything and everyone in his path. Never looking weak. He is a force of nature that has been protected thoroughly by creative. Well, booking him against Jose, who would be his first credible opponent, is a smart choice that ultimately allows Sullivan to gain momentum amongst fans. And our next match was... Zeta versus Sonya Deville. Yeah. So uh, Zeta fell in round one of the May Young Classic to Shane Sonia Basler, bitch. <laughs> and Wednesday night, she would be unfortunate enough to battle the Deville in singles competition. Deville dominated the action and tapped her out in short order with the triangle armbar. Well, a couple of interesting things. Deville, of course, had a name change and she is still the MMA-type fighter. And as we saw in the Cruiserweight, uh, Cruiserweight Classic, as we saw in the May Young Classic, there was a lot of MMA-type fights as well, and Zedda was one of them. NXT is doing a strong job of putting Deville over as a beast of a competitor, but it doesn't feel she's any closer to accomplishing anything with the brand. Well, it's wild for them to do something with Baron Corbin, who found himself in the same position, and when it finally did, he nearly suffered a setback. <coughs> Deville cannot endure a setback. She's already behind several of the women in terms of acceptance and experience, Booking her without any clear direction will do more harm than good in the long run. Okay, so we move on. And it is no disqualification. It is Atami versus Ono. Uh, the month-long rivalry between these two men culminated in what we hope is a hard-hitting main event. As Atami comes out and he wants none of Ono. And we talked about in 205, friendships going wrong, Dan. I mean, Ono and Itami have just imploded, haven't they, you know? Uh, well, they certainly have, yeah, in big-time fashion. And uh, 
Well, we'll see how this one goes. Well, there we go. I mean, Atami GTSing Ono on the steel steps, busting his nose up and just beating down Ono. And Cassius will not lay down. Yes, you would call him the veteran in this, but he's not going to be a stepping stone for Atami. You know, he's not going to be a stepping stone for anybody in NXT. Oh, no, you can't say that Atami's not a veteran either. Well, of course. And Atami, this is why we've seen. It's a time, that's why we're seeing that as you changing him for, because losing the big matches like he did to Bobby Roode at TakeOver for the title, turn sinking him, he's been there long, you know, he's been there longer than most wrestlers now in NXT, and you look at the people that have gone up to the main roster, talk about Bobby Roode, you talk about your Nakamura's, you talk about your Finn Balor's, Atami was there, so there's obviously going to be frustration, but you don't take it out on your friends, do you? Certainly not, no. No. I mean, you don't take it out on me that you're not a top cast broadcaster <laughs> podcast. Well, I know we are probably the greatest yes, we are. WWE review-based podcasting duo <laughs> in the world. And oh, that's beautiful. Tommy throws Ono to the outside. Ono catches himself on the ropes. But, oh! Gets thrown headfirst into the ring uh, and bounces off the steel steps to the wafer-thin mats below. And the argument could be a Tommy, you know, he doesn't need friends to make it to the top. Maybe that's been his problem, being too nice to people as opposed to worrying about himself. But then again, it'll be interesting to see what happens in this match as a Tommy looking to take control early on. I'd like to see Itami versus Punk. Itami Punk would be, Battle of GTS would be awesome. Well, let's hope. Well, we'll see that maybe if Tommy comes up to the main roster, Punk wins the Royal Rumble. Then these two can face each other. And Mojo winning the Royal Rumble. Oh no! Cassius has got his head on the stairs. Is Ono looking to? Uh, is the Tommy looking to crush him? <coughs> I thought he was going to try. And... <coughs> <coughs> I thought he was going to try and boot him then, but he was just adding insult to injury, pressing his face up against those stairs. I'm sure you can see the indentations. On the in the cheek of Cassius, and now he's taking these huge kicks. Well, Atami bucked with. Well, we can't discredit Atami. We know how good he is a striker, and look at this. Oh, he's giving out Ono a barrage of kicks to the chest. Oh, pissed on fire he is, Atami. There. We finish up with just stomping on Ono's head. And these guys used to be friends, and Atami now. Oh, oh running drop kick <laughs> to Ono in the corner. What's that, my love? Up? And now he's going for the cover. Oh, no. Oh. Managing. Oh, no, he doesn't get a victory. <laughs> yeah, managing to kick out. Uh. So who do you think this favours then? A no DQ match, Itami or Oh, no. Uh, I think it's in Itami's favour. Oh. As we've seen what he can do with the ring steps. And now Itami's going to go and introduce the first bit of weapon. Ole. Ole. Bit yeah. of weaponry into this match. And what's he looking for? Well, he's not sure what he's looking for, but he's found a chair. <laughs> he's got... He brings it in. He's going to use it on Cassius. Cassius got his hand on the chair. They used to be friends. Come on. Oh, no. Well, it is a no disqualification match. Cassius got the power. Oh. Well, throws the chair to Itami. Itami catches it. He's looking for a big spinning forearm. But, oh, no. uh, But Itami. Itami extends the chair out and... Oh no, just hits the chair and possibly breaks his elbow. So rather than breaking the Tommy's face, he might have just shattered his elbow. Unbelievable stuff here. We and go... now we've got WWE building up No Mercy. No Mercy! Well, building up Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman. Brock Lesnar. <sighs> Live, Sunday, 24th September. Only on PPV. 
Oenzo Amore. Oenzo Amore. And we're back live with the action. And it looks like Itami has taken control throughout the entire ab break. Ono struggling to get to his feet. Itami just saying, bring it on. Bring it on, biatch. Oh, no, he likes it. You're right. Kick to the face. It's not affecting Ono. He's telling him to do it some more. Kick me in the face and put some stink on it. Pushing him away, and now Ono's going to respond. Oh, step up into Gooks. Ono's uh, kicks Itami's head off. It was like a donkey kick, wasn't it? (laughs) 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 Oh, look at Cassius Ono. Close lines. (coughs) Oh. And a running lariat. A huge kick to the face and sent on. Puts Itami down. Of course, Ono's definitely got the size advantage. But he's still feeling that right elbow, which might be, like we said, crushed, fractured. Shattered. Hyperextended. Internally bleeding. Can he put Itami away? It's great strategy by Itami Lair to use that because he knows to use the roaring elbow. It's easy for you to say. <laughs> Cassius Whitaker for a net breaker. Oh, Ooh, but Itami immediately targets that bad arm. Looking to set him up for a GTS, but Ono with a backslide. And now, Cassius, Itami trying to fight out. Bang. Oh! Knocks him out with the roaring elbow, but Itami rolls to the outside. Well, that's a problem, Dan. Didn't only knock him out, it knocked him out of the ring. <laughs> so funny. And <laughs> but no disqualifications. None. But falls count not anywhere in the ring. So he can't capitalise on this, you see. That's a difference in rules. He needs to pick the bad arm, throw him in. And the time he's getting further and further away. Taking a backward step. This looks like it's Ono's match. Oh! Look, he's caught with a big boot to the face. He can't back up away from that. But the time he is still trying to get a harm's way. But Harms following him up the ramp. Oh, no. Oh. oh. And a big elbow smash there with a bad elbow. I think he's hurt himself just as much as he's hurting Itami. But that's how much he dislikes Itami. He'll put himself through that to teach Itami a lesson. And now they're up on the stage. Things are going to get bad here. <laughs> <coughs> And what's he going to do with him? He's not going to suplex him on there. Well, he's looking to it. Oh, but Itami oh. reverses it and suplexes Ono onto the steel ramp. Oh, now that is going to leave a mark. But it was Itami's desperation. He needed to hit the offensive move there. Otherwise, it was curtains for him. Curtains for certains. And now Itami looking to build some... Now look at that, screaming at the fans. He's got fire in him. Distinguished Cassius Ono. He's only one GTS away. Oh, but a chair's been set up in the corner. Didn't see that happening. Was it a ref? <laughs> well, Atami's saying he's got an idea. And look at the brutal boots. 
to Cassius. Sets up the chair on Ono's face. Oh. Ooh. Here comes a Tommy. Runs oh. in and just puts his whole body onto the chair. Slamming it into Ono's face. And this has got to be it. This is over, surely. Don't call me Shirley, but it looks like he's got the victory. Two. Two oh. Cassius there showing the strength to kick out. Ah. And look at the chair. Look at the impact of that. It's dented. With the impact of Ono's head. And Atami now. Look to take advantage of this. <coughs> he goes robbery. Oh yeah, robbery. <coughs> I'll put him away. <coughs> <coughs> and Atami taking too long. Taunting the crowd. Maybe letting Ono recover. Look, still got a point to prove. Oh, oh but Ono's giving him some big right hands, but that elbow's not feeling any better. But now he's going to go for the roaring elbow. Oh, but Atami tries to meet him with a kick. He gets caught by Ono. <laughs> poked to the eye. Sets him up for the GTS. No, Ono with the backslide. Oh! And probably the biggest low blow I think I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. And I'll tell you what, the facials of Atami this past minute have been fantastic. He just sold that. Oh! Bang! Hits him with the roaring elbow. That's got to be it. One, two, three. Oh, my word. And Ono has put the final nail in Itami's coffin. What happens? Well, well, I'll ask that question in a minute. What do you think of the match first? I thought it was a brilliant match yeah. between the two. Both men played their parts brilliantly. You know, not an over-excessive use of... Uh, Illegal objects and illegal manoeuvres, but, you know, the way it ended, perfect. Yeah, no, really, really good. Good storytelling by NXT here. You know, a rivalry between these two men has now been put to bed. Ono with a victory. And a no-disqualification match. We didn't see it in saw There was no, like, big weapon shots. The clever thing at the end was the low blow because, like you said, anything goes. But Atami sold up really well. But what happens to Atami now? Um... I don't know. I mean, he's obviously not going to be NXT champion, is I he? I think you know? if he's not going to be NXT champion, he needs to move up because he's not getting any younger. No disrespect to him. Yeah. He's still a brilliant competitor, but I think he does need to move up. It's going to be interesting what they do if he does go up or if they just decide, oh, maybe it just didn't work out in or the unless end. Unless they do a Shizaro and team him up again. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I do like it, Tommy. Don't get me wrong. I do like Cassius Ono. And, uh, yeah. I think you're saying about him that makes him likeable, you know, and there's not a lot. We talk about guys maybe like Roderick Strong missing it. I think Cassius Ono has got it. Obviously, he's a bit on the plus side, but he's a really, what I see, likeable guy. But that, no, that's great. But now Oscar returns. Up next, Dan, we're going to find out what Oscar has got to say. Well, Oscar, and she had a historic reign that began just 24 hours before WrestleMania. 23. Uh, before rest- <laughs> it's a long old fucking rain. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, like 15 years. Well, if yeah. anyone could, it would be Oscar. That's a good moment. That is, isn't it? Bobby Roode didn't get that. Fucking hell, there's a lot of women. <laughs> <laughs> Easy, Tiger. Tony Storm, is she there? Oh, wow. The entire NXT roster. Just for Oscar. Apparently, Ross, Billy Kay crying, Liv Morgan crying, lesbians. <laughs> Johnny Gargano. Dancing ref. 
Oh, Kari Sane. Wow, look at this. <laughs> She's like, I'll take the lot of you yeah, exactly, right, right now. now. <laughs> Wiggle is <laughs> NXT. We're all fucking rubbery. <laughs> hey. Wow. So what a moment, like you said, the entire locker room there. But let's talk about it, Dan. What are your thoughts on it first? I thought it was a brilliant sentiment. Um, like what, oh, wait a minute, James. Oh, my Ember God. Ember Moon has pushed herself to the front of the queue. I'll push herself to the front of the queue. Easy, Pedro. Go on, give her a clips. Fuck her up, Ember. Well, what's Ember Moon? She's come so close on a couple of occasions to taking that title from Oscar's hands, but... Uh, she what's ma- she got to say? She broke Oscar's collarbone at TakeOver and Oscar still didn't lose. Exactly. Fuck her up. Kiss. 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 <laughs> Finger her. <laughs> Do some scissoring. Lick her asshole. And Ember Moon extending the brown hand. <laughs> the hand. Oscar extending a yellow hand. Oh, beautiful sentiment that. <laughs> Arguably, Oscar's toughest opponent. Yes, in NXT, and brilliant sportsmanship <laughs> and respect from the two. These women have been wrestling, like I said, the past three or five, past five months together. I think how much Oscar's not only taught Ember Moon, but the entire. NXT roster. Well, she's taught him not to fuck with Oscar. <laughs> yeah, you don't fuck with Oscar. Oscar's crying. Moon's crying and... <laughs> Triple H. Oh, my God. It's a game. <coughs> it's a game. We haven't seen Triple H in so long. Oscar. <laughs> Pedigreeer. You are... I am are the greatest. And what a uh, Triple H coming out here, hugging Oscar, giving him the same flowers he gave Kari Sane, a racist. <laughs> <laughs> oh. NXT championship swapped for a bunch of fucking roses. Exactly. You deserve it. You said the chant you would happen. You deserve the title taken off you. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve roses. You, you deserve injuries. Wow, what a moment. Yeah, I mean, we've got, we got that next. We've got the UK title next as well. But, I mean, what a moment that is for Oscar there. Uh, let's talk about it a little bit because we did mention it all the way back when the news first broke. But after just watching it there, it's unbelievable. I've got a couple of questions as well, but... Like you said, an historic reign that began just 24 hours after WrestleMania. Before, before WrestleMania 23. Before WrestleMania 32. 23. <laughs> before <laughs> WrestleMania 32 in 2016, came night as Oscar relinquished the NXT Women's Championship and waved goodbye to the brand that made her a star in America. Announcing her farewell to the fans, she vowed that wherever she goes, NXT will go with her. And she shed some tears as she embraced Ember Moon and outright cried as Triple H grabbed her 
in his arms. Grabbed her what? And outright cried as Triple H grabbed her in his arms and hug. He raised her arm in triumph and the fans serenaded her with a chant of Oscar. Well, this was the goodbye Oscar deserved. Her contribution to NXT were enormous. Enormous. That's a Chicago way. Enormous. Uh, uh, no- <laughs> Mr. R. Jolens. Yeah. <laughs> That's for you, R. Jolens. Enormous. Um, well, Mr. Daniel Dyke has also <laughs> messaged in and he said, can you not do any more impressions, James? Oh, all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Well, where was I? Um, she carried the women's division on her back the moment she arrived. She somehow elevated the women's wrestling in the wake of the departure of the four horsewomen. A few, a fact few fans of Charlotte, Bailey, Banks and Becky Lynch want to admit. She is a star as big as any other on the roster and a performer who brought legitimacy to the show and would almost be impossible to replace. Repossible. It would be impossible to replace. The laptop's gone. Well, the pomp and circumstance of her goodbye was more than deserved. After 523 days, Oscar has surrendered the NXT women's title in an episode that aired just a minute ago. What's that, my love? Well, on an episode that aired yesterday on the WWE Network, the superstar known as the Empress of Tomorrow has not wrestled since NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3 and her successful defence against Ember Moon after she suffered a broken collarbone. She, she could be out of action for up to two months. During the show last night, Oscar relinquished the title to NXT General Manager William Regal and he said that he is in discussion with both Raw and SmackDown General Managers to see where Oscar would land. Right. A um, couple of questions now about that. Like we talked about faults. Uh, really, really touching bit. Is Oscar the greatest NXT Women's Champion of all time? Yes. Okay, yes, I do. Do you think they'll fuck it up on the main roster? I don't think they will, no, because you saw the reception she got as she was leaving NXT. Have you ever seen anyone get a reception like that when leaving? No, no, I haven't, no. So would they or would they not be idiotic to fuck that up? They would be, but it's WWE. Look how much they have fucked up, though. Do you know what I mean? Like They have done it. In the past, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't pull it past them. I hope not. We now well, know after recognizing her passing Goldberg streak, you know she is the seventh longest reigning champion in WWE history. I know, I know, but you know what Raw's like. She's going to go Raw. I just worry for her. You know, she needs to stay undefeated for more than a year on the main roster as well. You know, it, it would be well, a great uh, story if she. We know she's going to Raw now, but there's not anyone on Raw that she had defeat. Oh, yeah, but anywhere. There's no one that can't. The the, the person I would say she'd be most trouble with at the moment would be someone like Kari Sane, uh, just because of that kind of knowing each other as well. You know, that's the only person at the moment against Oscar. I can't see anybody else at this, this moment in time. And I just worry WWE would do something like make her lose to fucking... I, I don't know, you know what I mean? Make a lose to, on Lana. Raw to, to Lana or something stupid. Like that. That's what I worry about. But great moment. Final thoughts on Oscar. Down to the next episode. Um, yeah. Uh, well, we've seen how hard it's going to be to replace her. They've had to have a tournament for 32 women to try and replace someone, to, you know, to try yeah, and yeah, find yeah, a yeah. new Oscar. Well, but this is a question, isn't it? Who will we know? Kara's saying it's going to be a takeover. Oscar is not. 
who else will be in there? Will we find it out on the next couple of NXTs as we move on? So, yeah, we move on to episode 411 of NXT, September 13th. And how did we start off the show? Well, we Ruby Riot going against the iconic duo, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. Well, after splitting the victories with Billy Kay and Peyton Royce in recent weeks, Ruby Riot attempted to defeat them on a two-on-one handicap match. Well, before the match starts, Dan, look who the referee is. Jessica Carr. Well, you want to see her in NXT, and she is here for this two-on-one handicap match. And like I said, two-on-one disadvantage in the early going. Can Ruby try and even it? It would be difficult, though, like I said, going against the iconic Jero. But Ruby looks to be on fire early on. Oh, Christ. There's a spinning elbow. Yeah. knocks Ruby right off her feet. Now Peyton Royce gets a tag in, looking to uh, just beat up on Ruby Riot. And she's saying, we ain't got a fucking partner, mate. You're fucked. And now, oh, they're just going to double team her. Quick tags, that's all they need to do. Look who's in the crowd. Oh, my days, it's Nikki Angry Cross. Well, Nikki Cross out here, and she's just watching the action. Well, we know how uh, her history with Ruby Riot in the past as Billy Kay... Well, any one of these four women out here could be the one to face Kari Sane for the NXT Women's Championship that's now vacant. We'll see what happens with that as Peyton Royce beating down Ruby Wright and Nikki Cross has jumped the barricade now. She's just lurking around at ringside. And Peyton Royce went for an offensive move. Ruby stopped it. Oh. oh! But as Ruby was looking to get some offense, Royce managed to sidestep it and she's... <laughs> well, tying her up in the ropes. Well, that is great flexibility. Car trying to stop Peyton, causing legal moves using the ropes. But they are getting better, aren't they? The iconic duo every month a little bit better. Sorry, who? The iconic duo, Payne Royce, Billy Kay, a little bit better every month. Is now looking to finish off Ruby Riot double suplex. Oh, oh! Face first into the mat. Billy Kay goes for the cover two. No, Ruby managing to kick out. Uh. Now Billy Kay getting frustrated. And Nikki Cross still at ringside looking on, seems to enjoy the destruction of Ruby Wright, maybe. Here comes Peyton. Oh, oh, and she inadvertently hits. Well, Billy Kay inadvertently hits Peyton Royce. And then she gets thrown into her. <laughs> and Ruby was struggling, seems all right. Oh, moves out the way of an elbow. Going to a corner where no one's there. Oh, Nikki Cross is there. Nikki Cross is up on ring, ring apron. And she kind of pulled herself into this match. Well, she's smiling. She, she tags herself in. Nikki hit smile on her face, bit deranged. <laughs> and smile on her face, bit deranged. Takes out both of the iconic duo. Running right into Billy Kay. Lou Fez press. And rather than the right hands, just shaking her head. Still got a jacket on. Oh. Ooh. She can jack it off if she wants. And a big high cross body there. Now they go. Now the coat comes off. Now she means business. She is mental, Nikki Cross. But Ruby Riot's thinking, what the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah. And now she's got Billy Kay. Oh! Ooh. And the swinging Fisher woman suplex. Takes down Billy Kay. Cross is got to be one of my favourites on NXT. Well, she's looking like a woman possessed. And is she going to tag in Ruby? Oh! Tags Ruby in and makes her way back <laughs> into the crowd. She's like, yeah, my work here is done. Yeah, just want to beat up a couple of people. Ruby's thinking, what's going on? Is she going to take advantage of this off the top? Oh, oh sent on off the top. One, One two, two, three. Wow. 
So, what do you think of that? <laughs> well, you know, um, I think I'm just as confused as Wooby Wyatt is. <laughs> well, I'm not sure what to make of that. I mean, as... Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but this was a two-on-one handicap match. That's what it was billed as. So, surely... Don't call me Shirley. Wyatt should be disqualified. Well, the thing is, is that it was going to be... Well, yeah, it is a two-on-one match, but they said to Ruby because you wouldn't have a partner for it. So I think Nikki Cross coming out here, making it fair as a tag, you know, making the tag in as she did, uh, I think fair enough. But as it, like, much like Sanity's inexplicably turning babyface at TakeOver, Cross hammered home the point that she is now a heroine by joining former nemesis Riot to defeat Kay and Royce. Well, the motivation is not really apparent and the aftermath of the unconventional alliance will be felt in the weeks and months to come. But the crowd is clearly ready to, to, ready to support Cross, whose frantic energy is infectious. It was nice to see Wright score another win too, considering how poorly she's been utilised in recent months. And our next match, we move on. Our next match is Johnny Gagano versus Riddick Moss. Well, after, co- after a confrontation inside the WWE Performance Center last week, Gagano looked to silent the, addic- uh, the arrogant Moss in the singles competition on Wednesday night. The presence of Tino Sabatelli would hover over the match like a dark cloud. Moss worked the arm early and proceeded to use his size and strength to keep Gagano grounded at a disadvantage. He pounded away in the corner and appeared to be well in control of the bout. Well, until Gagano fired up and fought back. A suicide dive to Moss ignited the comeback and a slick counter led to Gagano's escape. But the hill made it to the ropes to necessitate the break. Momentarily stunned that the finisher did not work, Gagano left himself open to a big fallaway slam. He recovered low and delivered a slingshot spear to score the victory. Uh, this story of Johnny Gagano has been one of the more engaging in NXT, hasn't it? You know. Well, yes, betrayed by his partner, he is constantly faced with doubts about his own abilities and stunned when things do not go the way he expected. It happened at TakeOver and it cost him on that night. Well, it nearly did here again. Instead, he fought back, caught Moss with his spear finisher and scored the quality win. How he continues to adjust and grows his single wrestler without the safety net of a tag team partner will be a staple of NXT television. Well, up next, we have the Street Profits versus the Ely Brothers. The Street Profits returned to NXT television this week to do battle with the massive Ely Brothers. Size was not an insurmountable obstacle for Angelo Dawkins and Montel's Fordlow as a popular tandem controlled the early portion of this bout. The smaller Ford found himself at the mercy of his opponents for a brief moment and was able to dodge, the cor- dodge a corner attack. The... Hot tag to Dawkins, re-energised the building and set up the frog splash from Ford for the win. Yeah, the Street Profits continued to win over the fans and earn victories with every passing week to the point that they will likely find themselves in a tag team title picture before the year's end. The energy of the crowd is the most important element of their act as it helps them stand out from the darker, more sombre and more serious performers on the roster. So we move on to our main event and finally... we Finally! Are finally we are getting the United Kingdom Championship on the line because Pete Dunne champion and he's going against Wolfgang. Now, this was all set up, wasn't it, Wolfgang, because he won the tag team match that many thought he would lose in with Pete Dunne involved. So now Wolfgang gets a chance. My pick in the UK title tournament, I should think you'll find, is going against Pete Dunne. Do you think this could be a good match up there? Yeah, I think it could be. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, you might think his size a bit to his disadvantage, but he can he can fly with the best of him. He loves using that Swanton bomb, as we saw in the UK tournament. And he's impressive, of course, Scotland's own. I mean, that'd be great if Nicky Cross could win the women's title, Wolfgang wins the uh, UK title, and then three Scottish champions on NXT, eh? I know it probably won't happen, but Pete Dunne has been a great champion. What are your thoughts on Pete Dunne, Dan? I think he's been brilliant. Yeah, um, I don't think he's been utilised as much as I'd like him to be, though. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? I mean, what would you like to do with him? <laughs> you know, after the success of the UK Championship, I thought it was a brilliant tournament. Um, I think, you know, there there should be a firm ground and they should be defending uh, pay-per-views. I mean, there's enough of them. Yeah. And, you know, even if it starts off on a kickoff match or... If, but do you think it means that much to them? Because it, it seems it to be like an NXT secondary title. They've not had a chance on pay-per-view. Do you think they should on the proper WWE main show, you know? Yeah, I think they should. Do you think Pete Dunne should have matches on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown? Yeah. I mean, that would be quite cool to see him. We know how good Tyler Bate is. Of course, Trent Seven as well. Wolfgang is involved in that. And I think even with like the two or five people, no Amdar. Jack Gallagher. Jack Gallagher, you could use him with that. It all makes perfect Neville. sense. Neville. Uh, even if you want to be you know, a bit weird with it and have Seamus maybe trying to get it at one point in time. I think the possibility is there. I think what we're going to see in this match is going to be interesting. We talked about Wolfgang's size. I mean, what's Pete Dunne going to do to take down Wolfgang here? Um, he just needs to be the bruiserweight, you know. He works over the fingers and hands so well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> he just wears you down and tires you out. And, yeah, you know, he, he just don't need to change, really. No, he's vicious in the ring, isn't he? That's why he's called the, the way he kind of... He's always got that constant snarl on his face. He's got the mouth shield in. He doesn't mind taking a few punches, as we can see by his looks. <laughs> but, you know, j- just tough. And he's kind of one of the standout guys of this year. And... I don't know, maybe at this point, but still had one of the best matches of the year against Tyler Bate at TakeOver, didn't he? A few oh, months most back. definitely, yeah. So we know we can go. The British style of wrestling is always something to sit back and enjoy as well because you can just see them trying to outmaneuver each other. Wolfgang showing he's got the team as well. Imagine to keep in. I think look at that that he's got. Dunn can't get out of it. Now back. There we go. Done. Just going using the ropes. Best way to get out of it, isn't it? You know, if you can't. Escape! Oh. oh, and then just comes flying off the ropes with a big elbow to the jaw, <laughs> and then goes back to work on that arm. Oh, he's kicking him in the face now. And vicious strikes. We just no care at all. I mean, we do talk about similarities with William Regal. It is there to see, isn't it? You know, not only the purple attire. Yeah, exactly. The the, the whole kind of uh, wrestling technique he's got, and Wolfgang showing that he can do it himself. Gut-wrench suplex there from Wolfgang. Very lovely. Well, we know Wolfgang's got the power. He's shown his wrestling technique. And we know he's a high flyer. Future looks bright for both these men. Wolfgang now diving onto Pete Dunne in the corner. Oh, looking to go up to the top corner. But Pete Dunne stops him in his tracks and just wrenches that wrist back. You talk about using the hand. And now what's Dunne doing? Oh! Jumps over the top rope and just bounces Wolfgang's head off the apron. I think the hand took a bit of an impact there, but like you said, I think the face to the still apron. And Dunn looks to be happy about that as we go to an ad break. Anyway, back from the break, and Dunn has been in control, and now he's just, he's attached himself to Wolfgang's body and just trying to get the Kimura lock in. Wolfgang trying to reverse it, though, showing the power himself. Oh, picks him up for a lovely suplex. That's certainly going to get some separation from the two. And Pete Dunn came right down 
on the back of that head. And Wolfgang might have one arm, but the UK title on the line. Can he become the third man to hold the gold here in NXT? And goes running towards Dunn. Big splash in the corner. And try to build momentum. Dunn follows him up with a big <laughs> kick. And Dunn now trying to go build. Run towards Wolfgang. Oh! Oh, my God. But that was like a spear come takedown. Yeah, well, Dunn, <laughs> Dunn stayed on Wolfgang. Made the impact even worse. And Dunn's gone to the outside. And the shoulder's bad, Nigel. But his shoulder is bad, though, James. I don't know how he can stay in the match. <laughs> and what is Wolfgang doing here? Suicide oh! dive over the top rope and lands on his feet. Fucking This man hell. wants that UK championship. Fair play. Frozen Pete Dunn. You look to finish this now. Ooh, boom. Oh, boom. A lovely springboard moonsault off the second Two. rope. Goes for the cover. Oh. But Dunn managing to kick out. Uh, and that's what we're talking. How many men his size do you see do that? Beautifully as well. And Dunn backed up in a corner. You might have thought this might have been an easy title defence. He's in serious trouble. No. Oh, reverses the suplex and turns Wolfgang inside out. That is a lovely move by Pete Dunn. Also gives himself some separation, breathing time. Is he going to try and hit the swan top bomb finish? Pete Dunn off. Become the UK champion. He's taking his time about it, though. Oh! Goes for the Swanton Bomb, but Pete Dunn gets his knees up, catches him in the cross arm breaker. Oh, my God. I think he's got his... He's got completely caught. Wolfgang does what he has to do. Turn Dunn. But he's put himself in an even worse position now. Can he... Oh, but Wolfgang powering up his opponent. That is impressive power. Turning Dunn around. Oh, Ooh, throws him into the corner, but Dunn backflips over him. Oh, look at the forearm by Dunn. Oh, but he runs into a boot, and then Dunn responds with a step up in Seguri. Here comes Dunn. Wolfgang. Oh. Pop-up power slam. This has got to be it. <laughs> One, One, two. two. Oh. Dunn managing to get his shoulder up at two. Two. And he's checking with the ref saying, are you sure about that? Surely that was free. Don't call me Shirley. What an impressive arrange of moves for these two guys. Turn it up. This is the thing. It starts off slow. It's like a wrestling match should. And then they build up to a crescendo like they are now. Pete Dunne in serious trouble. Build up to a squirting climax. He is. He might not look like a star, but he definitely acts like one. Oh, and a belly to back. Turns oh, Wolfgang inside out. But but... Runs toward Wolfgang <laughs> to try and finish him off. Gets turned inside out. And now Dunn up against the ropes. Going to go pop up. No. Oh, Dunn lands on his feet and delivers a big elbow. Oh, he's not going to go for it. Is he the bitter end? Pete Dunn's finisher. Oh. Nails him. One, two, three. Good night, Wolfgang. You put up a good fight, but it wasn't good enough to beat the Bruiserweight. It wasn't. It was a bit. It's the bitter end of Wolfgang's chase for the UK title. But like I said, what a fucking match that was, Dan, eh? Brilliant match, yeah. It's probably been one of the best matches I've seen on NXT for a while. Uh, And the thing is, as well, I don't understand, like... I know maybe some of them don't look like stars, so to speak, quote-unquote. But every time they go out there, they have the best match on the show. So why not give them more chance? I want to see more of the UK talent. Wolfgang, fantastic there. Pete Dunne, you talk about a star. There's a star right there in Pete Dunne. Indeed. Fantastic. Anything else about the match? No. No, it's summed up. They should definitely get more airtime. I know, you know, maybe we're probably being a bit biased, being British, but... 
It is the NXT main event this week. Yes, yeah. And it was there for a reason. No, absolutely brilliant by uh, these the, these two men. Like I said, Wolfgang, nearly impressive, thinking, thinking he had it done. And, of course, you know, Pete Dunn moves on. And it, we've got so many things going on in NXT at the moment as well, you know. We don't really know what's going on the tag team. Adam Cole and, and those guys are running rough shed. We don't know what it was sanity. They got laid out in the car park. The NXT champion got laid out in the car park. The women's champion surrendered her title as well. The only constant at the moment is Pete Dunne carrying on with successful title defences. Oh, no. Oh, no. Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly. Fish. I come out and confront Pete Dunne. Don't you do it. Look at him smirking at him. He's not got a cigarette in his go. He's just got a smile on his face. And Cole is going to try and beat down. Pete Dunne. Yes. Go on, Pete. Oh, Pete got the forearm to O'Reilly. But here we go. Oh. Yes. But Wolfgang's back in the ring. That's it, son. You take out Fish. Adam Cole realises it, though. And then they turn their attentions to Wolfgang. No, and look at Pete Dunne, he's uh, hightailing no. out of there, Leaving no. Wolfgang to get beat up on his own. <laughs> he's even leaving his title. Yeah. Well, get a harm's way. He wanted none of that. Oh, come on, Pete. Go on, Pete. Help him out. It's three and one at the moment. Yes. yes. Go on, Dan. Oh. <laughs> oh, you are a heel, Pete. You, you are a heel. <laughs> yeah. Going back for his title. Adam Cole saying, you want some of this? And this is a beatdown. Oh, but NXT has turned into a, you know, a street fight. And Adam Cole now in the corner. Who do you think you are? Shawn Michaels. O'Reilly and Fish holding up Wolfgang. Fuck you, Adam Cole. Kick Adam to Cole is an asshole. <laughs> a kick to Wolfgang. In my years of watching NXT, Dan, I've not seen three men make more of an impact in NXT than these three guys. Remember the names, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby, Bobby Fish, and Adam, Adam Cole. Fucking assholes! What an exciting time for NXT. Like, it's brilliant, isn't it? It is. <laughs> we don't know when they can attack. We don't know what's going on. All we know is that this is over for this week's show, and we'll be back for NXT. The next episode of NXT. Fucking hell. September the 20th. So, yeah, on to the next episode of NXT, and it is the 20th of September. Uh, and our first match is Johnny Gagano versus Tino Sabatelli. Well, a week after knocking off a game Riddick Moss, Gagano battled Sabatelli in a singles competition, looking to continue his winning ways against the tag team specialist and former Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Would you call him? Sabatelli worked the head and neck grounding Gagano and keeping him from unloading the energetic, hard-hitting offence fans expect from Johnny Wrestling. The popular babyface fought back into the match, delivering a big Enziguri kick. A mistimed springboard landed him in the arms of Sabatelli, who delivered a power slam to regain control. Well, that was short-lived, as the former professional football player was trapped in the Gagano escape with no choice but to tap out. handing his opponent another impressive victory. This match was nowhere near the quality of last week's match, but that could probably be be traced to the fact Sabatelli is nowhere near the quality worker Moss is. Well, at the very least, it was a showcase for Gagano, who has star potential and may be the most beloved performer on the roster. 
Well, first, our next match is Lacey Evans versus Bianca Belair. And fresh off the impressive performances in the Mae Young Classic, Lacey Evans and Bianca Belair engaged in a spirited, competitive match Wednesday night. The tenacious Belair worked over Evans, showing off her impressive strength with a double chicken wing. She continued to assault the shoulders and the back of the lady of NXT, using the ropes as a weapon against her larger opponent. Evans fought back into the bout, delivering a leg drop for a count of two. Two. A big suplex by Belair cut her comeback attempt short. A Bronco Buster and Netbreaker from Evans nearly capped her comeback with a victory. Belair used her hair to whip her opponent, then finished off her, finished off with a reverse powerbomb for the impressive win. Oh, cocky, arrogant, powerful and bad, Belair screams star. Well, conversely, this was, Ever- this was one of Evans' most impressive performances to date. It is clear... They have locked horns before, their in-ring chemistry being obvious. Blair going over is probably the right move, given the strength for her in-ring work. She firmed up to the level of Kari Sane in the May Young Classic and was one of the breakout stars of that tournament. Seizing that momentum and letting her shine on television is the right move at the right time. Evans will have her opportunities. Continued growth and evolution between the ropes is key to her future in WWE. So, Alistair Black speaks, Dan. Uh, yes, he does. Um... Well, he discussed his 15-year journey, telling his story through the tattoos that paint his skin. He began discussing what he needs to do in the next step of his career. But before he could continue, he was rudely interrupted by the Velveteen Dream. Yeah, and it was his first time in a stint with a company that he's actually spoken on the microphone, so that kind of makes a little bit of sense. Uh, Dream asked Black where, where his scars are. The dream doesn't see scars. What I see is a man who is hurt. I see a man who's in pain. It's described on your skin. <clears throat> the eccentric star claimed Black looked afraid. He wasn't. He was scared to show emotions and of the light. I know you have a heart. It's just in the wrong place. Dream said before Black kicked the microphone out of his hand. Well, Dream dropped down to his knees and came face to face with a seated black and slivered out the ring in a way that would make a 1995-era gold dust blush. Well, bizarre with unclear motives, he stood feet away from the most feared man on the NXT roster and did not back down. Look at the size of that cunt's head, by the way, can I just say. All right, <laughs> He's big got head. a fucking noggin. He's got a huge head. Anyway, bizarre with unclear motives, he stood feet away from the most feared man on the NXT roster and did not back down. He played mind games with Black, setting up a rivalry that will be both compelling and engages in a way main roster programs of old guys that have not been in years. It was a superb segment, helped signif- significantly by the crowd's explosive reaction to Dream's antics. Yeah, the, the females really got, well, and the males as well, were shocked by the actions. And up next, No Way Jose versus Lars Sullivan. Well, Jose sought vengeance after repeated beatdowns suffered at the hands of Lars Sullivan over the last month. Yeah, they did an early onslaught and grounded Jose with a nasty series of knees to the ribcage. Sullivan took the fight to the floor, then delivered a few corner smashes to further obliterate his opponent. Well, Jose fed off the crowd and tried to fight back into the match, but Sullivan cut him off. Well, after surviving a big sleeper attempt by Jose, Sullivan delivered a diving headbutt and scored a huge slam 
to pick up a dominant one-sided victory. Well, Sullivan rolled into the Full Sail University and straight obliterated the study star in Jose. It instantly lent him credibility and announced to the fans that the big man is to be reckoned with in the coming weeks and months. Well, he is far from a polished product, but Sullivan is is a believable force between the ropes and a superstar who can be further developed, grown and evolved with the help of NXT's trainers and talent. So we move on to our main event, which is Tyler Bate and Trent Seven versus Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. The first time these two men, O'Reilly Fish, are competing as a team in NXT. We've seen them, we know already know they're signed because they've had matches against Alistair Black before, but this is the first time we're going to see what was the former Red Dragon. But then again, they are going against a team. Very impressive, Dan. Who are they going against? They're going against the Mustache Mountain. And they've got to be one of our favourite teams on the roster. Not teamed that many times, but just fantastic. And the power of the moustache. Tyler Bate, the first UK champion, and Trent Seven. My pick in the UK championship. Exactly. And we saw Trent Seven and Gallagher have a great match at the NXT Live Show. We were out. But it's going to be a very interesting match. This is, as, as we said, we haven't heard any good entrance themes for a yeah. while. And this one has potentially... And like I say, this is a huge matchup for these two teams. This should be great. And we talk about the new era of NXT. The new era of NXT. Talk about the kind of development moving on. Now we've got these UK guys coming through with new talent. Of course, like I say, Cole, O'Reilly and Fish coming in. It feels new now, doesn't it? It feels like a, a much newer Most product. Yeah. And Alistair Black now is obviously a focal point in the division as we go forward. We're saying goodbye to Bobby Roode. Authors of Pain have gone. It'll be interesting to see what we do with Sanity, but there, like you say, up next, the entrance of O'Reilly and Fish. So, Dan, what do you think of Shock the System, the entrance theme? Shit. Shit? Yeah. Well, it played over the PA system when O'Reilly and Fish made their, ring to the, made their way to the ring. And like we said, they're going against Mustache Mountain. It's Trent Seven and the former great champion, Tyler Bate. Yes, and the ever-dangerous Adam Cole watched from ringside as his teammates in the Undisputed Era sought their first victory in NXT. Here we go. This should be a great match. Are you looking forward to this one? Yeah. Providing Adam Cole don't get involved and be a cunt. No, this should be a good match. And it's a great way to end this segment of uh, NXT Update. Of course, we were told, what we just saw earlier, in two weeks' time, it's Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode. In two, I'm going to go over that. In two weeks' time, it's Drew McIntyre against Roderick Strong for the NXT title. We'll bring you that on our next NXT Update. Next month, it'll be October Network Catch-Up. We start off here with Tyler Bate and Kyle O'Reilly. And that is beautiful by Bate. And there they go, and both men... Collar and elbow tight, but Bate, of course, got that British there, knocking O'Reilly down. Tags in seven, and this is what Miss Dash Mountain can do with the teaming up. Oh. oh, brilliant. A helo off his partner's shoulders there. Oh. Goes for the cover on the ugly O'Reilly. But O'Reilly getting the shoulder up at one. One. And seven. Seven. Try... <laughs> seven. Oh, wait a minute. O'Reilly takes him fish. Oh, Bobby Fish is in the ring, oh. but he's soon <laughs> out of the ring. And Trent Seven's going to go flying, is he? Taking a oh. run up. Oh. But O'Reilly interrupts him. And showing them a good team, distracting him, letting Fish get his breath back. Oh, when he gets back into the ring and takes out Seven. Seven in a bit of trouble now, and uh, we see how good they are without any sneak attacks, without any, you know, uh, 
a three-on-one assault and on a two-on-two situation, if Adam Cole don't get involved, let's see how good they are as a tag team as Fish. That was Fish. Jumps over the top rope and then helos his way back in. Sorry, Fish. Fish, Hilo. <laughs> Hilo. Yeah, now tags in O'Reilly. And we see how good this team is. They're beating up on seven at the moment. But Bate in the corner has got to be one of the greatest fucking wrestlers on the roster at the moment. I don't care what anybody says. Definitely, yeah. Not even 20 years old yet. So impressive. But it's his tag team partner, Trent Seven, who's in a bit of trouble. Uh, Riley and Fish. It's basic tag team match at the moment, Dan, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah. But, you know, uh, I don't even know who uh, O'Reilly and Fish, who their name is. Red Dragon. I think the Undisputed Era is what they want to go for, but it's not been officially confirmed yet by uh, NXT and WWE. But, I mean, it's just what they're doing. They're cutting off the ring, aren't they? Making sure Seven can't get to his partner. But Seven and Bait are an established tag team. You know, the independents around the UK, around the world, they have been teaming up, much like uh, Fish and O'Reilly. This is, what makes it, this is what makes it such an interesting contest. And Seven trying to get some separation. Oh! Plants him with a big DDT there. Oh, Seven went for the chop and Fish lowered his head, making Seven barely hit the DDT. And now can he get the tag to Bait? Fish tags in O'Reilly. Oh, oh but O'Reilly takes out uh, Bait. That's leaving no one for Seven to tag in. Exactly, big boot to Bait, but Seven with a chop. Oh. And O'Reilly goes down low, takes out Seven's legs. And you see the way he's hitting the palm strikes that he's using. Really different style that O'Reilly brings. Now going for the arm breaker. Oh, but Seven managed to get his foot under the ropes, causing a break. Oh, come on, Thit. Adam Cole up on the apron. Distracting the ref. Oh! Bobby Fish takes out Trent Seven. Oh, goes right into that steel barricade behind the referee's back. Seven wasn't beat up enough. He's in serious trouble now. And again, can't do it on a normal situation, can you? You need the numbers advantage. Situation. It's starting to fucking annoy me. It's only one bait and seven. One bait and seven. Who's only one bait and seven? Yeah, next podcast, WNR 124, WWE No Mercy. Let's go back to the action because Fish and O'Reilly have been in control over Trent Seven for the majority of the match and they're wearing him down. Fish picking him up, looking to put Seven away. And Seven, oh, managing to reverse it and hit the huge clothesline. Can he finally tag in Bate? Fish gets to O'Reilly. Yes, Tyler Bate is in. He jumps over the top rope, sticks up a foot for O'Reilly to run into, but he catches it. It just hits him, and I don't know what the fuck O'Reilly was trying to sell there, but oh, I think O'Reilly got barely hit. touched him. O'Reilly got hit with a knee, and then got hit with a huge forearm, diving off the second rope. Like the strength of Tyler Bate just deadlifting O'Reilly. That is so impressive, and O'Reilly managing to turn it, but you can't keep Bate. You can't out-wrestle a British man. You can't, but O'Reilly there, back elbow. Think you've got Bate in a bit of trouble, do you, son? Oh, but... Bait catches him as he comes running in. There you go. This is what you get. Oh. Just powers him over his head. <laughs> nips up. Oh. Boom. A running shooting star. Oh, Goes two. for the cover. Oh. Fish coming to stop it, but Seven's in. Throws Fish out of the ring. <coughs> That's it. Two on one. How would you like this now, O'Reilly? Mustache Mountain teaming up. 
Boom, oh. a powerbomb neckbreaker. Rolls him up one, two, two three. Oh. How the fuck did O'Reilly kick out of that? Ah, well, it must have been a fluke. Uh, bait and seven now. Here comes Trent to the outside. Oh, running through the ropes, taking up Bobby Fish. And now Bait is going to go for his Tyler driver on Kyle O'Reilly. But O'Reilly holds on and gets him in a guillotine headlock. Oh, no. 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 Not like this. No. No. No, no. Bait. Come on. No. 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 <laughs> Come on, Tyler. God, power your way up, Tyler. Look at Adam Cole with his stupid fucking ponytail looking on. Mate, fucking cunts with Kyle O'Reilly with his ugly face. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, look yes, at Tyler, Tyler. Bate, though. Power out. Look at this. He's not out of this. The first UK champion. God, Tyler. Oh, Fish taking out seven on the ass. Bate picks up O'Reilly. Oh. But Fish in, kicking Bate down. Oh, and Fish with the kick, O'Reilly with the brain buster. So it ain't One, so. Two, break up seven. Oh! Foot on the ropes. Foot on the ropes. <laughs> Saved it. Foot on the ropes. Well, Tyler, but yes, you ugly bastard. Bait caught to the bottom rope there. I think we've been the man that fell out of the ugly tree and hit every fucking <laughs> branch on the way down. I know, it might be a bit biased, but I don't think so. And Fish, and then they're going to do it again to Bait. But Bait manages the backslide. Throws O'Reilly into Fish. Gets the tag to Trent Seven, who is pissed off now. And look at the huge chops by the big man to Kyle O'Reilly. He's rocking him. Well, he's beating the ugly out of him. And here we go, Seven. Oh! Boom. Takes out Fish. Well, O'Reilly dodged it. and a kick from O'Reilly. <laughs> and Seven's got O'Reilly. No, turns it round again. Oh! Catches him in the cross-arm breaker. But wisely, Seven locks his hands together. Oh, that is beautiful. But you can see O'Reilly trying to push his arms apart. Come on, Seven. You can do this. Come on, Trent. And Trent turned him round. And he's turned it himself. Into a half Boston. That's beautiful. Referee! What fish. the fuck's going on? Look, Adam Cole ref! Oh, Fish ref has been in... fucking ref. Fish has been in there for more than five seconds. Like you said, Adam Cole attacking bait. What the fucking hell? And now it's seven in there. O'Reilly takes him. Fish. Ah, oh, fuck off. Two, three. Double foot stomp. But I fear this is not over yet. O'Reilly picking up seven. Oh! oh both men taking God. him out. And he's been in there for about another fucking minute. Oh, come on, ref. Two, Two three. And Bobby Fish <laughs> with the victory. Oh, my God. And... And it's not a fair fight, is it? Like you said, three, three, took three men to beat two here. Absolutely disgraceful. Fish and O'Reilly win. And it just marks it. What was a great match up until that point. And now they're going to celebrate. As if they've just won the heavyweight championship of the world. I'll tell you what, Adam Cole doesn't deserve a title shot. These guys don't deserve to be in title contention either. It's a disgrace, Dan. Look at these celebrating. What do you think of the match? Fucking ugly. I'm oh, sorry. I <laughs> said, what do you think of O'Reilly? Um, I thought it was quite a good match. Uh, I don't think it made Mustache Mountain look bad. Yeah, I think I, it was yeah. the numbers game that overcome them, and they've not buried them. No, another interesting thing. Seven getting and getting pinned as opposed to bait. Saving bait. They still think bait. But I think Saving was, the bacon. St- yeah. But I think if these two teams were to be a full-time teams in NXT, I think the division would benefit. I think bait and seven are a great team. Really, really likable. 
I think personally they could move up to the main roster and absolutely fucking walk it. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. And O'Reilly and Fish continues to do the horrible Healy things here in NXT. They have been dominant in NXT since arriving at TakeOver. And yet again, another well, uh, the first official victory for these guys who call themselves, what, the Undisputed Era. I wonder if NXT will sit by and let this happen. Wait Drew a minute! McIntyre comes out to confront and to support his British competitors. Exactly. He's not going to let a beat down. He's already been DDT'd on the stage. He is in no mood. Well, he's certainly not backing down from these. Here, we go. Here comes Drew McIntyre, and he doesn't care. It's three on one. And they're running away like little bitches. Ah, uh, you don't want any, do you? You just don't want it. And McIntyre laying down his belt. He looks brilliant like that. <laughs> This is his ring. McIntyre saying, you want some? Come get some. And they're running away. Adam Cole saying, you're not clever enough. Look at McIntyre. And what a way to end NXT. And oh! (laughs) Sanity come out behind the Undisputed Era. I think they can feel their presence. Oh my God, look, turn around. Killian Dane, Alexander Wolfe and Eric Young. Boom. Here we go. Sanity. (laughs) This is what we want to see. <laughs> and this is fair. Look at Damo. Killing Dane taken out. Oh, Bobby Fish sending him flying. Oh, and Carlo <laughs> Riley goes into the ring to meet Drew McIntyre. Yeah, sanity destroying Bobby Fish. And Adam Cole, look at him. Running like a little bitch again. Drew McIntyre send Alistair. Drew McIntyre send... Them packing with sanity. My God, I never seen, think we'd see them on their side. But NXT have been attacked, Dan. Someone needs to stand up. Sanity and Drew McIntyre. has. Exactly. Sanity and Drew McIntyre are there. I mean, what do you think of that? I think it's brilliant. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> Little fuckers have got their comeuppance. Yeah. This is, I don't say it's like the NWO, but like it's really fucking exciting at the it moment. Is, you know? Definitely, yeah. We, we've seen in this, in this past four... I can't, the thing is as well... I'm not going to lie, if we're watching it, I'm thinking, shit, is this, is this the last one? Is this the last one? With NXT, it's gone boom, like that. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's gone so fast. I can't believe that's four weeks worth of television we've caught up with now. And it's not been repetitive. No, not at all. It's, it's been a brilliant storytelling. You know, it's been great storytelling. You know, yeah. it's like one week, you have Sanity starting off the show being knocked out. The following week, they're finishing the show taking out the people that knocked him out. I know, and McIntyre getting laid out, coming back for revenge, setting that up. It's going to be so interesting with NXT. And, and I think, go on. Brit's main event in the last two NXTs. <laughs> you got a Brit tag team, uh, a Brit NXT champion. This is coming up British. Yeah, it is. It is. It's coming up brilliant, you know. And uh, with TakeOver still, you know, we're going to have another two months of build-up before the event. They're building it up perfectly, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. We know the next NXT update, we're going to have uh, Roger Strong versus McIntyre. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have us match uh, in, in WWE and NXT. And also, we're going to have more about the Women's Championship as well. We know Kari Sane is in the main event, but this is when we find out who's going to join her, uh, in, you know, for the women's title. At takeover, it's just it's really good television at this time. You it know is. what I mean? Yeah, most definitely. I think it was easy to say NXT beat two hundred five this this week. Hasn't oh, it? Well, undoubtedly. <laughs> at yeah. this month, yeah. Sorry. You know, even despite having two heel turns in Jack Gallagher and TJP, it's it's just not lived up. You know, you've had a bit of repetitiveness. It's been a bit boring, a bit samey. You know, uh, 
even the Cassius Ono Hideo Itami matches. <clears throat> they've been exciting. Yeah. And, you know, they've kind of, they might or might not have drawn a line underneath their rivalry, but they didn't have it every single week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, it, it means something. With with victories and losses in NXT, it's definitive. You know what I mean? It means something if you lose them. And NXT just told a great story. And I, I can't wait to watch next month's one as well. What was your favourite match in NXT this, this month? Um... I think it was the UK Championship, Wolfgang against Tyler Bate. Yeah, I've got to completely agree with you. I think they pulled it out, especially Wolfgang. I wasn't sure if he could hang, and I, I love to be proved wrong, and that's why he's my pick in the UK tournament, but to be able to give him a chance in NXT, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be great. Uh, anything else about this, this app episode, Dan? Can't wait for next week's episode. Well, next week's episode is, like we said, WNR 124, which is no mercy... Uh, 2017, we've got Reigns versus Cena, Strowman versus Lesnar. That'll be coming out. And then a week after that, it is the WNR 1, 2, 5. And what are we going to be doing for the 125th episode, Dan? Um, we're going to be counting down our top 25 women. We're going to be counting down our top 25 women. Who will be number one? Find out in just a couple of weeks. We'll give you... Uh, information people want to contact us and let us know who you think should be number one on the women's list what you think of No Mercy what you thought of NXT 205 or anything like that contact us on Twitter at WW Network Review or at Vince McDan WWE I'm at J underscore Rollins we've also got a friend on Twitter haven't we yes we have and he's uh, made his comeback after a very busy few weeks of working and he is at Mini Chris Benoit and he's just trying to make the world a better place we're also on Facebook Facebook, you can come and find our page and give us a like with a WWE Network Review podcast. Or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Across all the Google platforms, WWE Network Review on Google+. Send us an email to podcast at gmail.com. And YouTube, subscribe to our channel, WWE Network Review Podcast. Got all the latest clips going up there. Podcasts go at the same time. They do theirs. Other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. We're also on Spreaker Radio. We've got the live shows. Don't forget Survivor Series weekend in a couple of months' time. Radio, iTunes weekend download subscribe rate and review there but that is it what an episode it's been and what a couple of months we've got ahead of us i have been james rollins as always i was joined by damn right thanks for listening everybody and bye bye